participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. Gosh, what a day it is. Sit back, my friends. If you got a favorite drink, if you got a pet, if you got things to do, put them all aside. We'll get the pet, have it nearby, get your drink, put your feet up chill out with us for the next i don't know i don't know how long we're going today this is going to be one of our best shows to date on the one year anniversary week yesterday being that official date since our return today is a special day of course saturday august 20th this saturday is going to be a fan i don't even did i even say hello i don't even know if i'm doing my usual intro i am so fired up about today's show how are you how you doing? It's great to be here on a Wednesday, August 17th. We're alive, we're well, we're healthy. I hope the same for you and yours. 
August 20th, this Saturday, is going to be a fantastic day in combat sports. UFC 278, Leon Rocky Edwards finally gets his moment against Kamara Usman in the rematch. Alexander Usyk versus Anthony Joshua in the rematch. MVP versus Platinum Perry in BKFC. Holy smokes. PFL making its London debut with some great fights as well. All happening in the span of like 12 hours. It's going to be great. But the first and last stop before we get to that weekend, if you ask me, is this program right here. We have a super stack show for all of you. We have a lot to get to. We've got some unique guests, unique segments. I can't wait. Without further ado, let's run down the lineup because we have a lot, a lot on today's docket. Now, as always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of the MMA Hour. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code the MMA Hour. Very important. For a special offer when you sign up again, that's code DMAR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I get excited when they come on my feed. I watch a lot of shows, but sometimes there's like 20, 30, 40 minutes of just bleh, banter. Ba- no, we get right into it, all right? We're not wasting any time. We are not wasting any time today because it's a massive jam-packed day, and we have a lot to get to back into the show. I shall answer your questions, arielhawani.substack.com. The horn has sounded... Frank, is everything okay? Yeah, we're just bringing in talent. What what did you need? The horn sounded. No. Oh, gosh, Frank, my head. The horn sounded for the questions. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. What the hell? Oh, the... Yes. Oh, my gosh. Should we start over? Should we do the whole thing? Can we? Yeah. I mean, mean, we have two important guests. I mean, I came out... (laughs) Anyway, horn sounded... Uh, no questions uh, to be asked anymore. Thank you. Moderator Lewis is compiling them as we speak. We'll answer your questions. Now, at 4.15, Luke Rockhold, who returns to action for the first time in over three years against Paulo Costa this weekend in Utah, will join us, the former Strike Force and UFC middleweight champion of the world, will join us to talk about that fight. That's at 4.15. Prior to that, I'll answer more questions. Prior to that, Parlay Pals, we're back, baby. We're back on track. We'll get to all of that at around 3.15 or so. Check in with the guys, make our picks for this weekend, including GC's picks. Prior to that, Aaron Jeffrey, who hounded me and got his followers to hound me on Twitter, he'll join us uh, to talk about his big win over Austin Vanderford this past weekend in South Dakota in Bellator. Prior to that, Michael Van and Page, Platinum Perry, the aforementioned duo who will be fighting at BKFC in London as well this weekend, will join us face-to-face, split screen, same time, you love the bands, face-to-face, we'll talk to them about their big fight in Bare Knuckle this Saturday. That's at 2.30. At 2 o'clock, Rory McDonald, who retired officially on Sunday, will join us, talk about his incredible, illustrious career. That's at 2 o'clock. At 1.30, Tommy Aspinall... Tommy Aspinall, Aspinall, he will join us for his first interview since the devastating knee injury back at UFC London on July 23rd. Stay tuned for that. In a matter of moments, we're going to have our first face-to-face of the day, and I cannot wait for this one because these two gentlemen have been selling their fight and doing a tremendous job of promoting it, but it's all real. It's all authentic. Better than I've probably seen anyone do in the PFL. They're fighting this weekend. But before we get to that, Frank, we get some music because we got to do something that's long overdue. If you recall, back in early July, 
our good friend, the pride of Australia, Jessica Rose Clark, said that she would walk out to Sexy Boy, the great song by the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. She did it. She walked out. She did it better than anyone could have ever imagined. It was tremendous theater. She owned it. She was smiling ear to ear. It was beautiful. And we promised her that we would immortalize her on the wall if she walked out to that song. Well, it is my great honor to present to all of you the Jessica Rose Clark picture. There it is, as chosen by JRC. Yes, thank you very much for that, Frank. JRC herself chose it, giving us the peace sign. It is going up on the wall as we speak, immortalized amongst the gods of mixed martial arts, the most prestigious wall in the history of this sport. There's nothing more prestigious than this moment right here for any fighter on the planet. We shall immortalize her right now. Please document this moment for all to come. Here it comes. Right now, I'm going to speak very loud in the we can't hear you, Ariel. There it is, Jessica Rose Clark. And I'll put up my little gloves here from the Wood family. And there it is, immortalized forever by my side, Jessica Rose Clark. How great is that? Thank you very much, Sharon. I can't wait for her to return at some point uh, after the, uh, the elbow injury. Thank you very much. Congratulations. God bless. All right, let's go to our first guests of the day. We're doing the face-to-face with two men who are fighting in the semifinals of the featherweight tournament, the featherweight playoffs for PFL this season. And like I said, I don't think two individuals have built up a fight and have made me this invested in a PFL fight in the history of the promotion. They're two incredible fighters. They're on winning streaks. They've had Great 2022 campaigns, but there's no love lost here, and they're kind enough just days before their fight to join us at the same time face-to-face on this program to talk about what is about to transpire in London on Saturday afternoon here in America. I'm talking about Chris Wade and Brennan Lochnane, two of the very best fighters in the PFL, two of the very best featherweights on the planet, kind enough to join us right now to do this. I'm very excited about this. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Chris, thank you for doing this, my friend. Brendan, thank you for doing this as well. Amen. Chris, you doing well? Doing great. It's good to see you again. It's been a while. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you guys doing this. And uh, I suspect you can see each other as well, right? Yeah. Uh, You just happened to see each other. You just did the face-off. And so I'd love to start there. And by the way... I, I'm, I'm being honest when I say this. You guys have done such a great job of building up this fight. And what I love so much about it, it, it feels very real. It feels like you don't like each other at all. And it feels like uh, you both want to kick each other's ass on Saturday. And that's what the fans want to see. Chris, can I ask you first, where does this animosity towards Brendan come from? Because it does feel like a very genuine thing building up to this fight. <clears throat> yeah, so the animosity for me, it starts last year in the finals when I lost and... Um, you know, I got some texts from family saying like, yo, you got to go online. You got to see what this dude Lognane is writing. He's like, he's on one. He's in the stands, like just going off about, um, you know, the way the fight ended and that he was the real final, et cetera. So I went on Twitter. I looked at what he had to say. And, uh, you know, he said that he was going to teach me a lesson this year. First fight of the season about respect. And, uh, because I didn't shake hands with Mo Vleed at the end. So, you know, being a guy that grew up wrestling and someone who knows what, you know, about being humble and victory and taking losses, I took offense to that because, you know, he's sitting on the sideline chirping, you know, Twitter fingers. And at that point, I was basically like, you know, fuck this guy. That's enough. 
I could, I could feel when, when he's telling this story, Brendan, that you're like getting antsy, that you want to say something in reply. So uh, do, you, do you recall what Chris is saying here? And, and do you have your side of the story? So this humble martial artist, yeah, that knocks Kyle Botney out and starts screaming in his face. And the same humble guy that gets his ass wiped for five rounds by Mob Lead. Mob Lead is the kindest, nicest guy I've met in the sport. Puts his hand out. And Chris is like, no, fuck you, go away. Is that kind and humble to you, Ariel? Tell me. Did you do that, Chris? I did take my hand away, but me and Mowgli'd spoke, and I, I made it right with him. He is a good guy, but uh, this guy is not a good guy, and he's not the fucking MMA police, and he has no business getting involved because he's a fucking alternate sitting there, and you should have just kept your mouth shut, and you couldn't. You but had to get involved in the fight because you were a spectator. You had to get in the fight because you were watching. You were watching. I didn't it. Yeah, what happened to uh, first fight of the regular season, Brendan? What happened? Bro, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get the text yet from your manager of you I, saying that you wanted to fight me. I'm still waiting I, for that text. After this, so, so everyone knows that I asked for your ass. You're the easy ticket, bro. I was like, get me that yeah, way. I bet so, you so did. You're full of shit. You want none of it. Anyone who ever put a singlet on, you're allergic to them. You're allergic to anyone who ever put a singlet on. I was so pissed off. Let me let me ask about that because are you guys in the same hotel right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why is Chris's Wi-Fi exceptionally better than Brendan's? What's going on here? Like Chris is crystal clear, and I and I want he's got that. What's going on? He's got that shit English cell phone plan that's why <laughs> i want you to have your say brendan but uh, can't even hear you I, I i almost feel like we need to what are you on are you on lte or wi-fi what's going on because i feel are you on wi-fi right now brendan i'm on the wi-fi bro i don't know maybe, what's going on maybe take off the wi-fi and go on lte because i think chris is probably on lte right and then yeah, i took it all yeah yeah that might be stronger because i want you to have your say um while you do uh, that i do want to ask chris this and then you'll we'll, we'll see that you'll uh, recalibrate so to speak uh i i heard that you were saying that uh brendan is or you you believe that brendan is jealous or jealous or who, who no he believes that you're Brandon, jealous of him <clears throat> yes he thinks i'm jealous exactly. of him because he has more instagram followers and he makes more money for no reason and uh is that true he thinks that it like consumes me but i'm not a jealous guy man i told him in the last interview and this was genuine i said as long as you're when you're not fighting me i hope everybody in this community in this mma family makes as much money as they possibly can i don't understand why they pay him what they do because i think he's useless but he's convinced them that he has this following that doesn't exist uh so they you know they wrote him a few checks he's making more money than he deserves good for him money talks bullshit walks you're an absolute bullshit nobody cares about you you're out here harping about why didn't they do the fight in new york because nobody cares about you. you don't sell anything nobody gives a fuck about chris wade unfortunately that's the truth you're jealous about it but guess what saturday night we can have a little fist fight and sort it out no problem it's fine uh, is it yeah. is is that true that you didn't want to have this fight in London, Chris? I just wanted 
to as the one seed finding out that the first week was in New York City, I was like, why aren't we playing this up and doing it in Manhattan? But, uh, you know, they went into bed with the London thing months ago. So it was a little uh, they didn't know who was going to make the playoffs at the time. They only knew Brendan was going to make the playoffs because they're willing to carry him physically into the playoffs with shit opponents. So they were like, listen, we're going to get this guy in. So let's go over there. It's like the guy that's in the semifinal, that shit opponent, the same guy that's in the semifinal, you mean? Oh, man. What is going on with the connect? Chris is so good. And and Brendan, your connection is so bad for some reason. Are you on LTE now? It's it's like a metaphor for just who he is. Chris, uh, Brendan, do me a favor. Cut out and come back (laughs) in. Like, get get out of the Zoom and come back in because it's not fair to you that we can't. Get out of here, bro. No, no, no. I just well, go go full screen on uh, on Chris here for a second. Uh, you feel like they've been uh, trying to build him up that they've just you know are giving him easy fights. Isn't this whole thing supposed to be a meritocracy and a playoff thing? That's what you know. That's what they sell, right? It's not supposed to be like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, listen. They had already gone in and committed to London, and he had a guy pull out of the fight. But I know from talking to people that he was turning other replacements down. And I know that the guy they chose as the replacement for his second regular season bout was 0-2 before that fight. How do you get signed to a big promotion off of two losses unless they're trying to carry that red coat into the playoffs? And why do you think they want him so bad? to be in the playoffs well they need him they need him because they already were coming to london they need somebody he's the he's the biggest english name that they have so they were like they they gave him my uh some poor guy that was out of shape <laughs> you weren't impressed with his wins this and, season dude come on they were <laughs> disgusting he didn't he didn't even win the first fight uh, he headbutted the guy intentionally to, to get out of it disgusting disgusting wow yes. Uh, I saw you guys do the face-off earlier, and you were talking to someone. You were like, how'd this guy get in here? There seemed to be people chirping at you. What was going on there? Yeah, we went into this like office building at the Sun here. It was like a news thing. I didn't bring anyone with me because I don't want to put my teammates through three hours of nonsense. He brings all his cheerleaders, and it's real quiet. They're doing like a production thing, and he's got one asshole there just fucking chirping 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 in the background no one's saying anything from the pfl i'm like who is this guy over here get this guy out of here he's like literally cutting into the audio of what we're trying to do you know and then i look at him and he's just smiling at me smiling at me so i told him i'll fucking crack your skull open too (laughs) who was it no one of his cheerleader teammates a nobody who was that, Brendan? He's in. He's Welcome pro- back. He's probably laying in his bed right now. He's underneath Brendan hey. right now. Hey, I'm about you. So basically, what happened was Chris wanted to do an interview, telling everyone how professional he is. I'm this professional, Chris Wade. And then, as soon as anybody says anything, he starts going off like the little bitch that he is. Uh, 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 uh. That's exactly what happened there, Ariel. Who was that guy yelling yeah. at him? Oh, that's Kane. That's my boy. That's my boy. My boy just uh, bro, it's on. This, bro, the his boyfriend. Is, he's online. He's online talking about. What's the thing about I'm me? I'm gonna do this in the street and that. 
He's online talking absolute rubbish, bro. Yeah. So when you see us, keep the same energy. But no, he sits in the hotel with his head down like the little bitch that he is. Dude, listen. Anytime after this fight, you bring that fucking pussy over by us. And I swear to you, we'll go out in the road and I will take no. him and I will slam him on the concrete over and over again Nobody. until he seizes. I will. I will. That's the kind of guy yeah, I am. Dude, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Nothing. What are you, Conor McGregor? You'll do nothing. Yo, doesn't he remind you, Ariel, of like a sickly Conor McGregor? No. Look how mad you Little are. Little bit. Oh, wow. Relax. Chill out, Chris. Relax. This is what he keeps telling me to relax. Dude, I am relaxed, you know, but I also your will going, snap your teammate's your neck going, while being relaxed. I'm relaxed. Trust me. I've been yeah. around the block. Brent, calm down. Yeah. Your I ask Wi-Fi you? sucks, just like you. Uh, Brendan, can I ask you? I was looking at the odds. Uh, you, are, you are the underdog going into this fight. How do you feel about that? Exactly where I like to be. I love to be the underdog. That brings the best out in me, Ariel. Do you feel like yeah. people are... Do you know what they call that? They Tell call me. that easy money where I'm from. <laughs> uh, when, you were, yeah. when you were off, he was saying that they're trying to like set up you know, you to get to the playoffs, give you easy matchups. You're the guy. They're going to London. Do you feel like there's anything, you know, any truth to that? Do you feel like you are getting an easier road to the finals as opposed to someone like Chris who has been in the PFL for what? Uh, since 2013, 14, something crazy like that. No, yeah, no yeah. since 17 yeah. when they started, yeah. One cares about you, shut up. Right. So basically, Ryoji Kuto is in the semi-final. Where are the two guys uh -huh. that he fought, bro? Kudo's in the Ryoji? other side. He's ready to fight. Where bro, are they? You were a Where minus twelve hundred favorite in both fights you fought. That's disgusting. Where, disgusting. Where, That's where almost criminal. That's fight. almost criminal. My opponent got here That's a crime. in the semi-final ready to fight Bubba. Where are your guys, Dude. bro? He's in the he's in the semifinal because he touched that dude on the chin. Luckily, in the first round, or he would not be here. And you what know what? Maybe he that? should be in your he should be in your that? spot, and you shouldn't even fucking be here because you didn't beat him. You headbutt him, and then the judges <laughs> took one under the Cold table to send you over here. Your shit. shit, bro. shit. Watch, watch. Chris, yeah. let me ask you, yeah, you've, watch. you've been in the UFC, you fought some tough guys, you've been in the promotion for several years now. I was referring to that picture thing that they did of you, and obviously uh, some of those were from the, the UFC days of your, your, your transformation over the years, but where would you rank Brendan? You know, because Brendan was on Contender Series, a lot of people, including myself, thought he should have gone in the contract. There's always this, what if, what if he would have gone in that contract? How far would he have gone in the UFC? Where would you rank Brendan and what he brings to the table in terms of the guys that you have fought over the last few years, his skill set, how tough he is, where would you rank him? Is this one of the toughest opponents you've had to date? I mean, it's I've fought guys like Islam, uh, you know, so it's you, you can't. He's definitely up there for sure. He's an experienced fighter. He's a tough fighter. He's uh, I think he's um, I think he's a top ten, top top fifteen guy anywhere in the world, no matter where you put him. I have respect for definitely his fighting ability. And uh, I would definitely put him up in like the top top five guys that I've ever competed against, for wow. sure. Wow, this is nice. We see, Brendan, he just gave you a compliment there. I thought he was going to say you were like one of the worst. I, th that was very nice. Ariel, we just did a face-to-face. -face. I said the exact same thing. 
as a martial artist, I respect him, but I think he's a dick of a person, and that's the truth. I agree. You're a piece <laughs> of shit, too. <laughs> the feeling's mutual, bro. Uh, I know it is. It's amazing. Brendan, have you ever felt this way about an opponent going into a fight? Um, what it is, Ariel, I get on with everyone backstage. We spend a lot of time together here at the PFL, especially when we do the 17-day bubble and all that shit. Like, we're all cool. Guess what? The back staff don't like Chris Wade. That's why they kicked him out of the PFL at 155 and he cut all this weight to make 145 because they don't like his ass. None of the fighters like him. None of the other coaches like him. So I'll do everybody a favor on Saturday night. Is that true, Chris? No one likes you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Is They say the same thing about you behind your back. So, Wow. What's going on at PFL? Yeah. Got kicked out of the PFL at 155 because you didn't want you no more. They're like, bro, you've done it four times now. Relax, get out. And you're like, how about if I cut one leg off and cut 30 pounds? Can I get in then and cry about it? So you're like, oh, okay, go on then. Is that yeah. true, Chris? Did that really happen? Yeah, Did you really yeah, get kicked out? To say. What What really happened was during uh, I had a clause in my contract that every time I make the semifinals, I come back for another season. And then I lost in the semis in 2019. And a force majeure clause was used during the pandemic to break my 155 contract. And I basically, they, they basically said, we only have a spot for you at 45, or you could be the first alternate if someone goes down at 55. And I said, I haven't competed in a year. I need to make some money for my family. And I'm not taking an alternate situation. I need to fight multiple times this year. And I committed to go down to 45. Okay. Uh, Brendan, um, Chris has been, you know, vocal about, you know, some things that he was unhappy with regarding his pay and this situation and whatnot. How would you describe, you know, where you think Chris is at going into this fight? Do you feel, you know, he's been in the promotion for several years now, uh, hasn't quite gotten over the hump and gotten that million dollars. Do you feel like all the pressure is on him? How would you describe where you think he's at going into this fight? Bro, this Ariel, there's no shame in not winning the PFL. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's not won it yet because this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Rory said it. I said it. Pettis has said it. Auburn Mercier said it. So, in terms of that, there's no, like, he didn't win the PFL because this is the hardest thing ever. In terms of pay, the only reason I brought that up is because he put on a Twitter status saying... I'm sitting by the phone waiting for my pay rise. And I was like, bro, the phone won't ring. They'll just replace you. And that's basically how that came around. And I told you the phone rang. Allegedly, yeah. Has, okay. Has that been sorted, Chris? Are you okay it's now been, with everything? It's been, it's been sorted. We're good. You're all good? Because I saw you were doing a lot of... You were speaking up about it. And that sometimes that could be, you know, a little dicey, right? Sometimes that could... Well, yeah, it sucks. And I've been I've been put in that situation a couple of times, unfortunately, in my career. And all I wanted was just to not take a pay cut and go backwards from the Bochniak fight. I didn't think it was fair to move forward deeper into a playoff format and to get a reduction of pay. And that was my point. And it's been made right. And I appreciate them. And that's that's it. Uh, Brendan, I, I heard that you say that uh, Chris likes to block punches with his face. Yeah, he's a zombie, bro. Like, uh, after watching his fights, especially with, um, I forget the guy's name, the, the Russian fella. 
he took a lot on the chin, spinning hook kicks, jabs to the nose. Yeah. He just like he's just that typical wrestler, or the one that just eats everything with his mouth and then just grabs hold and like holds on like like this. That's basically what it is. Like what you've done all what you've done all season with your eye fucking shut last fight, grabbing onto the guy. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yo, pull up a picture of his face last fight. Pull up a picture of his face. He's got a vagina for an eye and he's hanging on to the guy. Dude, you're a mess. You are such a hypocrite. You're a shit wrestler and you've been getting by on shit wrestling. Uh, I'm going to get you a singlet after this fight and some wrestling shoes. We're going to teach you. So what is, what is your prediction, Chris? How do you see it going down on Saturday? How do you see this fight playing out? We were talking about this before. It's 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 he's a very tough uh, competitor, and I see definitely it being a war in there. But I think that at the end of the day, he lacks severely in the in the ground game department, and he's going to get exposed there. So you're going to try to. I mean, we know what your skill set is. We know what kind of fighter you are. You're going to try to bring your your American wrestling to him, right? No, I mean, I don't, I don't force anything anymore at this experience level in my career. I would prefer to stand up and strike, and and but when opportunities present themselves, I will take advantage of them for sure. What's that, Brendan? Yeah, you do not want to stand up and fight. Why are you talking rubbish, bro? I'm, you, you think that I'm afraid of your fucking pitter patter? Really, really. Thirteen K. Bro, you got two stoppages in four. You've fights. been fighting tuna cans over in England. Thirteen KOs. You've oh. been beating up. There's you. There's you, bro. Yeah, those are your Hello, first I'm opponents. Going. Those are your first few opponents. That's who you knocked there out you go, when bro. you went fucking five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero. You're fighting slow people, bro. You, Kyle Botniak, relax, bro. It's not the end of the world. He's like, never been you, finished, you fool. He has a deeper UFC career than you ever had. Uh, Brendan, can I ask you the same question? Can I ask you the same question? How do you see it playing out on Saturday? Listen, like he said, he's a tough-ass guy. I'm not sure if he's been finished before, but I haven't. And yeah, it's going to be one sure. of them. It's going you to be know. a dog kill. And we're going to fight out Saturday night. Ariel, the fans are in for a treat, man. Are, are you expecting 15 minutes here? Do you, do you foresee this going the distance? It depends if that zombie chin holds up. It's been holding up pretty well so far, so let's see. The zombie chin. Wow. I mean, I have to say, <laughs> he, he looks pretty good here right now. I mean, you both look great. Yeah. He acts like I'm All the right. dude that they put in to fight uh, Sean, what's his, O'Malley, you know, that took a fucking beating. Oh, yes. Like, come on, bro. Get over it. Uh, Brendan, do you, do you think that, I mean, maybe, you know, you're in London a uh, lot of hype surrounding you coming to PFL. Is there actually a case to be made that you have more pressure on your shoulders on Saturday? I always have pressure. I put the pressure on myself, Ariel, and the fact that we've got this rivalry going on, he, he has no idea how much that has helped me in this camp. It's pushed me to places in this camp that I didn't even know I could go to anymore, and I'm just so happy, and I thank him for that, and I can't wait to show him on Saturday night. With all due respect to the other side of the bracket, I feel like this is the unofficial final. I feel like the the winner of this fight is is winning the million dollars. How big would that be for you, Chris? That would be huge. Um, I was talking about it before, but like I just think back on to last year and how I felt coming up short, and 
how I felt like I let my daughter down and, and, uh, how emotional that makes me. And, and, uh, you know, also just for my legacy, like I need, I need to be the champion of a, of a major promotion. Um, and that my goal, I'm fixed on it and I'm going to get it. When you hear that, Brendan, is there a part of you that's like, you know what, I'd like to see this guy win, you know, the, you know, legacy, you know, this is, this is important stuff. Does you well, feel- he's a dickhead. <laughs> he is a dick. <laughs> so you're joking me. The guy's a dick. That's all fake. Don't listen to this guy, Ariel. You're my boy in it. Just know this guy's a dick. Ariel. And all that is fake. You're my but anyway. Boy. Fuck this red coat. <laughs> <laughs> that million dollars is one thing. It really is. But to get that gold belt in the PFL, after what you have to go through to get there, that is a whole different story. That this belt has to be the most respected belt out there because of what we have to do to get it, and that's a fact. All right. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Saturday, London. It's on ESPN here in America. I believe Channel Four over there in the UK. Brendan Lochnane, Chris Wade, guys. Honestly, tremendous job. And what I like most about it is it all feels very real, authentic. Two guys who you know aren't friends who don't really like each other, who are going to battle on Saturday. You've done a tremendous job of building this up. Thank you so much for doing this. A lot of guys wouldn't, so I appreciate you guys very much. Good luck with the weight cut. Good luck on Saturday. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Hour. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. Twenty-one plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. cdkng.com/mma.com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Ariel, Thank my you. man. Thank you. All right, there they are. Brendan Lockdown, Chris Wade. That was fun. Great stuff there. I appreciate both of them for uh, doing that and stopping by. And I do want to let you know specifically, because I have it right over here. Uh, main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, Copper Box Arena, 2 p.m. on ESPN. ESPN Plus prelims start at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, main card starts at 7 in the UK on Channel 4. So there you have it, PFL in the UK, second show for them in the UK, first in London. Uh, The first show in the UK was last week. That was the show in Cardiff, and now they're coming back for round two, so to speak. And this is the, uh, the semifinals 
for the featherweight division. Also, Kayla Harrison fighting uh, in the main event. Finals of the women's lightweight tournament. Larissa Pacheco on the other side of the bracket over there. Kayla Harrison fighting Martina Gindrova. Chris Wade, Brendan Lochnane, Kudo Jenkins. Something for everyone in what should be a very busy day. That card and the BKFC card happening at the same time, also both in London. And later in the program, we're going to have MVP and Mike Perry, Platinum Perry and MVP, doing the same thing. Uh, I think they actually like each other a little more than those two, but I'm looking forward to that very much as well. Now, very much looking forward to talking to our next guest. Of course, we last saw him in action July 23rd. That was just a few weeks ago in London as well. And uh, it ended in heartbreak. It was tough to watch. We were all so very much looking forward to that main event fight between Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. Unfortunately, uh, it only lasted a few seconds. We found out afterwards that uh, Tom suffered a serious knee injury. He has had his surgery. He has taken a little bit of time, but he is still very uh, fresh off of all of that. And so I give him a lot of props, a lot of kudos for coming on today's show to give us an update on how he's feeling. Thank you, Frank. We're still singing. It's still in our heart. It's still in our minds. Without further ado. Come on, Tommy. We're not going to let it die. We're going to sing that song until the big return, until you hoist that title. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing... Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I deserve the song right now, to be honest. You deserve hey, uh, it. I've not listened to it. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling... Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm on the mend. I'm on the mend. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, so let's start with the, uh, the surgery and the recovery. You had the surgery, what was it, maybe uh, 10, 14 days or so ago? It was two weeks ago today, actually. Two, two weeks, weeks ago, ago today. today. Yeah. Um, yep. Could you tell us, for those that may have missed it, and by the way, I urge everyone to check out your YouTube channel. Tom Asmal just put it in there. Uh, you're, you're posting some high-quality stuff, so kudos to the team that is putting that together. Exactly what was the injury that you suffered against Curtis, and how did the surgery go? Thank you. Yeah, if you if you head over to the YouTube channel, you know, you can see in-depth details. You can see the actual surgery being done, which is pretty uh, pretty disgusting. Pretty disgusting. But uh, yeah, so the surgery that I had was, you know, the, the name of the surgery that I had. But what I had fixed was uh, a torn MCL, a torn meniscus, uh, a stretched ACL, and I had some removed... Some, uh, I, I had the, some femur bone readjusted, like shaved up, so it fit better in my knee socket. So, yeah, pretty big, pretty big deal, pretty big stuff uh, from, you know, from the fight. You know, when, when you're talking about the fight and stuff, it actually still, I've not really even watched MMA since, to be honest. I've not even really um, kept up with anything that's going on in the MMA world. You know, I've been a little bit out of the loop with everything and, just keeping a little bit of a low profile, to be honest, because um, I'm, I've been down a little bit down in the dumps over it. You know, I didn't want, you know, that's as fighters, that's not what we want to happen. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 15 seconds, that's not what we want. Well, I don't think anyone would blame you. Um, would, would they say right now, I know it's a little bit early in the process, but was the surgery a success? Like, were they happy with what transpired in the surgery? 
It seems to be, but we don't know yet. So yeah. I got to go back in. I got to go and get the stitches out on this Tuesday coming. Um, so in like a week or so, I uh, got to have some tests and stuff then, and then I got to go back in sixteen weeks to see, and then I'll know if it's fully successful or not. So I got to do like a full rehab program and everything, and in sixteen weeks we're gonna go, and then we'll have more answers for everybody then. But right now, uh, it seems to have gone well, but he said he doesn't know until we need to do fully healed scans and stuff like that leading up to the fight did you have any issues with your knee are you still got me yeah it just blurred out a little bit sorry go okay, again. Go uh, again. leading up to the fight were there any issues with that knee now this is this can always be a, a sensitive subject and i don't want to like get this twisted among fans because I know that there are a lot of uneducated fans who watch this sport who are new to the sport and stuff and um, I, I realise people say oh you shouldn't fight with an injury and stuff like that this injury that I had with my knee it's been going on since way before I was in the UFC hmm. like um, as, as a high level athlete in any sport not just in MMA in any sport we compete with injuries like that's part of professional sports at a high level uh, and I've actually been managing the knee really, really well, especially this camp. Like the the knee felt amazing this camp. Um, I barely had any issues with it at all this camp. But uh, to say that I didn't have any knee problems, I would be lying. Um, so yeah, of course I had problems with the knee beforehand. But that doesn't mean like I fought another seven or eight fights with this injury. It's not a new injury. Like okay. this is a this is an old injury. This is an old reoccurring injury. So. Um, I've managed plenty of times before with, with the knee. Um, and, you know, one day I knew that it's going to, it's going to go for real. And it just so happened that it was in front of 20,000 home fans, millions watching around the world. So not the ideal situation. I, I know like your career, you were on a rocket ship and you're getting big fight after big fight, headlining two shows back to back in London in the span of months. At any point were you thinking, man, I need to take a step back. Let me fix this before maybe something bad happens, whether it's in training, in a fight, et cetera? Like, were you ever contemplating that? Or did you not allow yourself to contemplate that because you kept getting big opportunity after big opportunity after big opportunity you didn't want to step off that train track? No, of course. I, I got greedy, Errol. I got greedy. I'm not even going to lie about it. I got greedy. And I got, you know, when you're on a roll and you're going, it's like you just want to keep it going. So I actually got this injury before I got signed by the UFC. Wow. And then I was like, I was like, look, I can't, I can't not get this UFC contract. Like I'm going to fight, I'm going to manage it and I'm going to fight with the knee. Like that's no problem. So then I got the first fight, then they offered me another fight. So I took the next fight and then I won that pretty quick. And then they offered me a fight with uh, my hero at the time and forever, Andre Arlovsky. Like the, he, everybody knows who's followed my career that he's, he's been my hero from day one. And I was like, man. I can't get the surgery now. Like, I can't rehab the knee now. I've got to fight Arlovsky. Then I fought Arlovsky in Vegas. Never been to Vegas before. Never even been to America before that. Then they offered me another fight uh, with Spivak mm. with a new contract. Then I got a new contract. And I was like, oh, man, they're offering me like twice as much money. I've got to, I've got to take this one. I've got to go and fight uh, Spivak now. Then I beat Spivak. In 
I was like, right, now I'm going to rehab the knee. Now I want to get the knee sorted. And then they offered me a main event in my home country against Alexander Volkov, who was um, ranked number six in the world at the time. And I thought, right, I'm going to beat Volkov. I'm going to fight Volkov. And then I'm going to get the knee sorted. No problem. Fought Volkov. Everything went smooth. Spoke to Dana. Begged Dana to come back to the UK. Begged the UFC to come back to the UK. And they said, yeah, sure, we're going to come back. And we're going to come back in 10 weeks. So I thought, man, I can't get the knee, I can't get the knee sorted out now. Like, I need to... Let's just do one more. Let's just do one more. We can do one more. I've managed it for this many fights so far. I managed it for like six, seven fights. Let's do this one more, and then we're going to get the knee sorted out. And um, yeah, I, I gambled, gambled a little bit too much on this one. Mm. And uh, but that's just what we do, you know what I mean? That's as as high level fighters, like you got to gamble on yourself, and you got to you got to believe in yourself. And you know, I just pushed that stuff to the side. I pushed that shit to the side. The sore knee, and I did it one too many times. I did it one too many times and uh, now I'm paying the price for it. So in the cage, when the injury happened, I would suspect based on all of that information that you just shared, you knew exactly what happened, right? Like, were you thinking, oh man, this is what I had been fearing? So, it, you know, it was a it was a big buildup, you know, a lot of excitement, a lot of, uh, a lot of tension. You know, it all started off back and forward action, all action, all action. 15 seconds in, it was all over. And then uh, everyone leaves disappointed. So very, very similar to my sex life, Ariel. Stop. Very similar. <laughs> no surprise to me. Uh, Nothing new to me, boy. Right. <laughs> no, no. It, it, in all seriousness, no. I've got to... Uh, I've spent the last few weeks down in the dumps, to be honest. And if I don't start laughing about it, yeah. I'm going to cry about it forever. I'm going to cry about it forever. So... That's why I'm making jokes. But uh, yeah, so my knee kind of locks up from time to time. It's actually, this is the weird thing. It's been locking up way less. Like the last two training camps, it's barely, it's locked up a couple of times and that's it in the whole camp. Um, so when I, when I landed the kick, my knee locked. And then as I went to step back on, the, on my foot, my knee was still locked and I just missed time the step and that's when everything just gave way under me. So... Uh, I felt all kinds of pops and crunches and all kinds of stuff going on in the knee then. So, uh, yeah, I knew that that wasn't good at all. Uh, can can you possibly describe, like you mentioned everyone leaving and, uh, you know, the the crowd clears, the dust settles, all that stuff. But I feel like you were getting a lot of love. Like the, the, the general sentiment was, this sucks, heartbreak for Tom. He's still going to be champ. He'll be back. This will be like GSP's knee injury. Connor had the knee injury. They all came back and won belts and whatnot. What kind of feedback did you get from people? Did you allow yourself to go on social media to listen to what people were saying? And how did that make you feel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a little bit, of course. Um, the first couple of days, I stayed clear of social media and all that stuff. I was just... Yeah, I, I wasn't in the best place. I, uh, but then... Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of love. I got a lot of love before the fight and uh, a lot of love after the fight. You know, I'm constantly getting stopped in the street and stuff. People wishing me well and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's just massively appreciated because people can turn the back on you real quick with, with stuff like this. You know, I lost the fight and uh, 
still people are showing me a lot of love. You know, even in the arena, like I got clapped out of the arena. People were clapping and cheering as I was leaving. And that's what really, I think that's what really upset me the most is like um, people give up the time and, and money and stuff to come down and support me. And uh, it was over in 15 seconds. You know what I mean? If it, if it was longer and we could have actually had a proper fight. And I was upset for Curtis as well because um, in one of my Cage Warriors fights, the guy kicked me. I checked the kick and he broke his leg. So I know how it feels to win by injury as well. And it's it's like an empty feeling. You don't feel like you really won, even though you, you did win. Uh, it's not a nice feeling for either guys. You know, we, I put my heart and soul into this training camp. You know, I trained so hard. I sacrificed everything in that training camp. And, you know, that's that's the stuff that a lot of people don't see. Do you know what I mean? The, the training camps are hard. I spent a lot of time away from my family and a lot of time. It takes a lot out of you mentally, especially doing two back-to-back five-round main event training camps. It takes so much out of you mentally as well as physically. And, that's just stuff that people don't see. People don't see that when you have to drag yourself out of bed, you have to be away from your family. You know, you, you can't be there for your responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. And for it to be over like that with an injury and, you know, me being sat on the couch for however long, it's, it's difficult. I uh, saw some great photos, some great footage of you and Curtis in your room sharing a beer, him coming to say hello to you. Could you tell us your side of that story? We spoke to him about it as well. And what did that feel like to see him come, you know, at least wish you well for a few minutes after the injury? Yeah, so um, after the fight, we thought, right, we're going to go to the hospital and get everything checked. And the doctors just said, look, if you go to the hospital, there is no way that you're going to get a scan on that today. It's way too swollen. Like, you're not going to be able to get that scan today. So we're just going to take you back to the hotel. So we went back to the hotel. I had some friends with me, like a few friends, uh, a few teammates and stuff were around. Not many, like four, five, six, something like that. And uh, they came back to the hotel, to the room, to put me in the room because I was on crutches. I couldn't walk and all that kind of stuff. So we sat in the room. And uh, one, of my, one of my friends, my teammates, he said, do you want me to go to the bar and get you a couple of drinks? And I said, yeah, go on. Let's go and get a few drinks. So we got a few drinks in the room. And when he went to the bar, he brought back a few more friends who were in the bar and before I knew it, honestly, in my hotel room, I must have had 50 people in the hotel room. Like it was a little, it was a little room party going on. There were all kinds of people in there. There were, there were other US, there were other UFC fighters in the room, UFC staff were in the room, uh, a couple of BT sports staff were in the room. And then uh, Curtis came in the room, Curtis and his team, his dad were there. His dad came in, um, his whole team were there. There were like five, six guys there and uh, good guy, good guy. You know what I mean? Like we we had a good conversation. We had a good chat. It wasn't like we just we didn't just have one little chat. We were there for a, a good three or four drinks, so an hour or two at least. Um, and we had a few good drinks together. Talked a few stories. Told each other our little game plans that we were going to do. What we thought and talked about life as well. It wasn't just about fighting. We spoke about life and everything. And you know, my respect for Curtis is he's very high. You know, he's he's a good human being, and I wish him all the best. I wish him all the best with his title run. Um, you, you talked about the things that people don't see, don't realize. Uh, I saw on your YouTube channel, I was watching the videos, I have subscribed as well, that you know you had to leave your family vacation to go do the surgery and all that stuff. That to me is the stuff that, you know, like it, that hits home because we don't get many vacations. You don't get many vacations. Family vacations, they come once, twice a year, if that, if we're lucky. Um, just, you know, to, to go through this whole process, to leave the kids, to leave your family, 
And uh, you know, it's 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 scary to do all of that. Could could you describe what you were feeling in the, the the days, the hours before the surgery? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been due a rest for quite a while. You know, I've had uh, seven seven fights, six UFC fights in under two years. In that time, I fought four ranked opponents, uh, two former champions, and I did two back to back main events in four months. That's a lot of work, especially for a heavyweight on the body. Like that is a lot of work on the body. So, yeah, we had this um, we had this like family vacation planned for. I wanted to do a month away in Poland to see some family, travel around Poland a little bit. And uh, like I said, after the after the fight, the, the the doctors were like, "Look, you might as well." Well, obviously, at first they were trying to stop me flying mm. at first, and I was like, "Look, I've had this thing booked for." A year like i need to go away and because my family were already in poland my, my, my wife and kids were already there and i was like look i need to go there and um you know just spend a little bit of time away from everything away from everyone i just want to like be with them so yeah i managed to get get the plane and stuff flew out the next day after my fight and spent a week there but then we got the the, the, the surgery date was a week so i had to come back alone to london but i'm from manchester so uh, I had to fly into London alone, leave the family behind, and uh, stay in a hotel alone in the hospital alone oh, to get man. the surgery. And then came back, came back to Manchester, and we actually, to be honest, this was actually one of the most depressing moments for me in the whole thing. This was one of the most depressing moments. Was I got the surgery, and for like a week, I was basically unable to walk. I was unable to move on my own, really, and. In this time, we planned on getting the the house like renovated. The house is getting like not completely renovated, but we get a lot of work done on the house. And this was all planned because I'm still supposed to be away. Like I'm still supposed to be in Poland now. And uh, one day, all the workmen came in. I couldn't walk. The kids were there. I got three small children, as you know, and the kids are bored as hell. Like the kids are not at school. They're off school. They're bored as hell. Um, and I've got like ten work workers in the house. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm just sat there in the chaos, unable to move, in pain, just like, what the fuck has gone on? Like, I'm just literally sat there, the legs up, I can't move. The kids want me to do all kinds of different things. Workers are coming over asking me questions on this. What do they want this doing, this doing? And I'm just sat there like, fuck, I can't even move. I'm just sat here. I'm supposed to be a one now with a win bonus over in Poland, traveling around, seeing the family, experiencing all different kinds of things. And I'm sat here on my ass with my leg up in pain and I can't even fucking move. So that was one of the most, that was one of the lowest points for me. What are you doing in these moments to try to stay positive, to get your mind off of things, uh, watching things, listening to things? Like, what are you doing to try to lift your spirits whenever you can? I mean, the kids, the kids are a blessing and a curse. They're a blessing and a curse because um, it's hard work to entertain small children. My kids are six, three, and three because I've got twins. And uh, they've got a lot of energy. But at the same time, like that, that's hard work. But at the same time, they don't, they're not bothered. They're not feeling bad for you. They're not doing anything like they, they, you're just their dad. And that's it. That's all they're bothered about. So no one's really treating me any different than than usual 
which is quite nice in a way. It's quite nice. No one's monitoring, you know, my mood. Are you doing this right? Are you doing... They're just treating me like dad. And that that has been a bit of a saving grace for me, to be honest, because, um, yeah, they're just treating me normal. So that that's nice. Uh, do you feel, okay, at, at this point, do you feel like you're start, like, can you move around? Are you able to at least walk, like if you need to go get something or are you still immobile? Yeah, so the last few days has been way better because I can actually walk. Um, I can walk. I've been going to the gym a little bit, doing a bit of upper body oh, stuff. Yeah. All, all seated. Everything's seated, though. I can't stand for too long. It's all like really shit stuff, really. But it's better than nothing. So, uh, yeah, I can, walk, I can walk around the house and stuff. So it's way, way better. Like the last few days, I'm up and around. You know, I'm speaking to people. I'm seeing people. and Yeah, I'm just definitely feeling feeling much better because I can I can walk. You know, you take for granted so much stuff. Like I was... Not even just the fighting stuff. Like I say, I've been back to back to back with the fights and stuff. So my life's been really fast paced constantly for the last couple of years because you got to remember, Ariel, two years ago, like I wasn't even in the UFC yet. I wasn't even in the UFC. No one had any idea who I was. I was just a guy. And now I've like two time main eventer ranked, nearly breaking into the top five and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's just been really fast-paced the last couple of years, so it's been kind of nice just to slow it down a little bit and, and kind of just be normal. Well, it's difficult because I've not really felt normal, do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Just to, just to be still for a couple of days has been... Has been um, it's not been nice. It's not been nice, but it's been different to what I'm used to, I definitely. Are you in pain? No, not anymore. That's not great. anymore. Um I can. I mean, if I, if I was to bend my knee, like a lot too much, or pull it and push it around, uh, but I can walk. I'm in a little bit of pain when I walk. Like I'm walking with a limp and stuff. But um, if I'm sat here talking to you right now, I'm not in pain. No, okay. I feel good. Sometimes when I've talked to athletes who have suffered, you know, setbacks, injuries, they like to read about, watch stories on other athletes who have overcome similar injuries to give them inspiration. Um, about you know the comeback and all that. Have you done anything like that? Do you, do you find any inspiration from anyone else's story who maybe has suffered something similar to yours in MMA or any other sport? Yeah, so I was a, obviously I'm a UK guy. Basketball for us, we don't have basketball. Right. Basketball's not a thing for us. I don't know any basketballers really. Um, but the guy, Kobe, the, the guy who died, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen a documentary on him where he snapped his Achilles tendon. And people were like completely writing him off, completely writing him off. Um, and he like came back and did what he what he did. And obviously, he was like a legendary basketball player. Like I say, that to to be honest with you, no disrespect to basketball or any, like he, he, I don't really know who he is before. Like I don't really basketball is not a thing for us. Um, but I really really enjoyed that. Like that was great to watch. Like I, I took a lot of inspiration from that for sure. Oh, he's one top ten six. Five, depending on who you speak to, three greatest players of all time. I mean, he is akin to name, you know, like better than anyone that you can, you know, a Beckham, like way better than any of these guys. Way better than anyone who's ever played for England. Let's just put it that way. That was, Rightly so. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. That was a little joke. By the way, did you hear I'm a, I'm a Nottingham Forest guy now? I've... Uh, I've joined the uh, the. Why? 
Um, Why? Well, I was Everton, and I uh, had my heart broken. It's a long story. We don't need to go over it. And uh, I love their story. You know, out of the, the the Premier League for 23 years, they've really embraced me. They brought me in as one of their own. In fact, I might be going to the uh, Nottingham Forest Manchester City match on August 31st. I will be there, and I might be going to that. How about that? David versus Goliath. Why? Why am I? Why, gonna... why are you going to be in? The... Oh, I'm going. Yeah, to... where is it? It's in Manchester. Uh, I'm going to uh, Cardiff uh, for uh, Clash at the Castle, WWE Clash at the Castle, covering it for mm. our good friends over at BT Sports. So I will be in London for two days prior, and we might make a little uh, pit stop to see the David versus Goliath matchup. Of course, David being uh, Manchester City, Goliath being Nottingham Forest. Well, if you're in Manchester, you know you know who the big dog is. Who the yes. big dog is. Of course, yes. I've already reached out to Darren, Hit me up. and uh, Darren said we might meet. Oh, up. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> wow! Wow! Come on, man! No, he's dead to me, Darren. Um, so, okay. So, at this point, what are they saying in terms of potential? I know it's early days, but potentially, when you could return? Have they given you any kind of timeline? Yeah. So they say um, with this kind of injury, eight months is when you can start like working out again properly. Not bad. Eight months. Eight months, not too bad. But you got to bear in mind, I'm a big guy. That's what he's telling me. I'm a big guy. And I my, I don't really want to go into it too much about my specific, okay. what's wrong with it. But um, mine's a little bit, little bit more complex than, than usual. Like this, this injury usually is a little bit more complex. So um, usually it's about eight, ten months. Eight ten before you can start working out again. So uh, we're just going to see. At the minute, I'm not even focused on timelines. To be honest, I'm just like, let's just get myself, let's get this scan done, let's get my rehab done, and let's see where we're at. Because I know these things can be changed. You know what I mean? Sixteen, uh, sorry, eight ten months for a normal guy, but we're talking about a frigging super athlete, Ariel. Mm-hmm. I've not got the mindset. I'm not the mindset of a of a regular person. So. Um, we're going to see. It's all it's all individual stuff. You can talk generally about these stuff, but every every case is different, isn't it? So when people keep asking me like, "When you're going to be back?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know." Right now, I'm focused on. I can't even move my leg at the moment, so I'm not even focused on coming back right now. Let me start rehabbing and stuff first, and, and get into. I'll throw myself deep into the rehab stuff. I throw myself deep into the weightlifting. Like this is just what I do. I get obsessed with this stuff. So. Um, yeah, I'm not even thinking about a timeline of when to come back because I ain't rushing back. I see a lot of people rushing back. And, uh, of course, I'm hungry to fight again. I'm so hungry to fight again. But I've also, I need to keep my ego in check because my ego is essentially what didn't cause this injury, but it kept me pushing on these fights all the time when I should have really took a break. So, um my ego needs to be put at bay right now, and I need to think about getting myself back to full health before I even think about uh, my next move, fighting-wise. What about my good friend, Chael? Has he shown you any love? Has he reached out? I mean, seems like he's taken a great interest in your career, giving you advice. Any words from Chael? No, Chael's, uh, Chael's one of the few people who's he's given me the cold shoulder since wow. the loss. Since the loss. Yeah, yeah, he's giving the call. No word, no word from nothing. A lot of word from a lot of other people. Chael, Chael's doesn't want to know anymore now. Chael, so should you we know, call me and Chael, him? We were like that. Be- we were you- like we were like this before. Yeah, we were like this before. 
and now a little bit of separation. But I don't believe that. You know, if you if he reaches out, if he reaches out, I'll I'll offer the hand, and we'll we'll make up. We'll I make feel up. like he probably doesn't know how to reach out to you. He probably doesn't have your phone number. Come on, me and Chael, we've been like that for a long time. Know, me and Chael, of course he's got my number. Of course okay, he's got right, my number. Sorry, 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 sorry. I could call him right now. Do you want you want to hash it out or no? Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that later. We'll do it on no, a side text. No. Yeah, he should reach out to you. Uh, by the way, another thing I learned on your YouTube channel, um, and the, you know, I feel like we're sort of kindred spirits in this regard. You were talking about the handshake versus the fist bump. I I personally feel like the handshake should be abolished at this point. No more handshakes. No, we're done. No, no, no. Yes. Uh, fist bump, okay. I think we should all just go with the bow. At this point, the bow is the ultimate sign of respect. It should be universal. No more touching. No more handshake for sure. Fist bump, 50-50, mm, maybe with loved ones. But to everyone else, bow. What do you think? I uh, strongly disagree. Really? Strongly disagree. You were saying you didn't like the yeah, handshake. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I said I don't like the handshake. It's not that I don't like the handshake. It's gross. If it's a stranger... No, no. If it's a stranger and I've never met the stranger before, I would rather not. You know, I'd rather give her the, the, the knuckle bump because I don't know. It's just, but that if I if I know somebody, like if I know if I know somebody well, you better believe I'm going handshake or I'll I'll throw a hug in. I'll throw mm. a hug in there, no problem, absolutely no problem. If I know somebody, but if it's someone I've met for the first time on the street, it's not that I'm uncomfortable with a handshake because I'm not, but. I'd rather do a fist bump with someone yeah. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Someone you don't know. I mean, a handshake is just absolutely absurd. It's crazy. I don't know. You be, you're taking a bit. You're a germaphobe, aren't you? I can yeah. see. I, can I see. mean, I, I was watching this and I was like, wow, he's speaking to me right now because I have had the same internal conversation and external conversation. I don't want to shake hands anymore. I'm sorry. Is that no, do you know what? That, that, particular, that particular time, it was hilarious, you know, because me and my, uh, me and my guy, James, who does the camera stuff, I didn't even realize that was on camera, by the way. The, the bit when uh, we were talking about the handshake and the uh, because he's sneaky, you see, sneaky with the camera. He just uh, like holds it down here. We don't, we don't. I don't even know he's there a lot of the time. And uh, we were talking. He said, "Oh, what would you rather do, a fist bump or a handshake?" And I said, "You know what? I'd I, I said exactly what I just said. I'd rather with someone I don't know. I'd rather just keep it to a fist bump." Literally five minutes later, a guy come over for a picture, and he we shook hands, and his hands were soaking wet, uh, like. But the worst bit was, Ariel, the worst bit was we were speaking for like five minutes before uh, and then we shook hands. Then we shook hands and his hands were still wet. Ah, uh, he's nervous. I, no, they were wet. It wasn't sweat. It was something else. I don't know what oh, it was. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been wet for five minutes is what I'm saying. We spoke for five full minutes and his hands were still wet after the five minutes. I was like, what is that? Well, I don't know if you've ever... I mean, sometimes I'll get sweaty. I'll get nervous sometimes. If you've ever, <laughs> why are you looking at me like that? You shake someone's hand and they're sweaty. It's not the greatest feeling. Well, I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was uh, giving me the side eye. And all of a sudden we lost him. Where did he go? He's just catching up there. It's a great, it's a great pose. I mean, this is a great way to end it. This is the way Tom Aspinall looks at me. Did we lose him? He's I, still on the Zoom. Tom, you there? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Just completely frozen. What you said was very profound. 
Thank you. Can we just reconnect with him because I yeah, want to say goodbye yeah. properly. Um, we'll we'll say goodbye to him very quickly here, and then we'll get to our next guest. But I do want to say goodbye and wish uh, Tom the best. Uh, always fun when that happens when the uh, the internet goes out literally with like ten seconds left in the conversation. But I'm happy to hear that he is in relatively good spirits. He will make a comeback, no doubt of that. And uh, it is a severe injury. It is a complex injury. It is a complex surgery that he just had. But, I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete right here. Great on his feet, great on the ground, tremendous jujitsu, tremendous grappling. And, you know, crap happens. I appreciate him being so honest about, you know, like the ego getting the best of him and saying, I'll do it next time, I'll do it next time, I'll do it next time. Unfortunately, when when you do that, when you keep pushing it off, um, he's coming back. Things will happen at the worst time possible, and uh, it certainly was heartbreaking to see. And and no one, even Curtis, wouldn't want it to go down like that. Oh, Tom, uh, I was just about to say goodbye to you, and then you froze up on me. I knew you'd be kicking me off. No, I knew you'd be kicking me off. Soon. That, that is not true. I mean, we're we're over our allotted time. But I did want to say, I wish you the best. I appreciate you coming on. Keep your head up. Keep your chin up. Keep your nose up. Everyone still believes you're going to be a champion. And until that day that you return on this year program, we will be singing this song. We will be humming it. And then we'll look back on this moment when you hoist that title and say that you are the best in the world. We'll say, remember when you were down in the dumps and, and you didn't know when the, 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 you know, the timeline, when it would all... We'll look back on this moment and laugh about it, all right? Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're the man, Tom. I wish you the best. Thank you so much See for doing this. Thank you. There he is, Tom Aspinall. Join us and uh, we will remember this moment. I, uh, I have no doubt that he will be a UFC champion one day. Now, let's move along to our next guest, one of the greatest of all time, announced on Sunday that he is hanging up the gloves after 17 years in the game, uh, most recently fought for the PFL, has fought, of course, for the UFC, had one of the greatest fights in UFC history, has also fought for Bellator and so many others. He is, uh, in my opinion, top two greatest Canadian MMA fighters of all time, alongside his longtime friend and teammate, George St. Pierre, one of the greatest to ever do it, Rory McDonald, kind enough to join us. Great to talk to him, as always. Rory, my man, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate this very much. I know it's probably been uh, a couple emotional days for you. And so can I ask you about that? Because it's always interesting when someone retires and then you probably get a flood of nice things said about you, written about you, people reaching out, kind of akin in a weird way to like when someone dies, right? Everyone starts celebrating him. What has it been like for you since you announced Sunday morning-ish that you were going to hang up the gloves and then seeing this outpouring of love that has come your way? It's been amazing. Uh, I didn't really expect that kind of uh, response. Um, it's, been, it's been really touching. Just to see so many uh, thousands of people reaching out, texting me, DMing, or just commenting on my posts. It's just, uh, it's really nice. You know, uh, I, I really didn't expect that. So it's been, it's been uh, very touching. Yeah, it's amazing to look at your Instagram posts and read all the messages uh, from, you know, very well-known people and to see the things that they are saying about you and how they respect you and hold you in, in such high regard. Incredible to read. 
I, I'm, I'm maybe asking a tough question here, but I'm just wondering, like, was there a message or two that really stood out that really, like, you know, hit you in the heart? Uh, nothing that really stands out right now, no. Um, it, it's just, it's been a lot, and they all, they've all meant a lot to me. Um, so it, it's really nice. Why did you decide to retire now? Well, it's it's been on my mind for a while. Um, I feel like it's been it's been quite a few fights actually where I've questioned it, but just wasn't ready. I felt like I could still have that resurgence in my career. Um, I, I I had a goal that I, I was driven, to. and I I know in the practice room I can I, I could do certain things, but I just wasn't able to do it in the cage when it came time, you know, when when rubber meets the road, so to, so to speak. And uh, unfortunately, it 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 there's a difference between what you can do in the practice room and uh, under those lights. And uh, I just I I don't have that certain thing, that spirit, that heart to go out there and and get it done anymore. And every fight for a while now, um, it's been diminishing. I've seen it more and more. And uh, this season was kind of my last hurrah to basically, I was all in. I was going to put everything I absolutely could into this. And uh, if I was successful, you know, I would just keep going with it and go towards my goals. But if if I fall short, then that that'll be the end. And uh, this last fight, I mean, even if even if I had put up a better fight and lost, uh, or even if I had won, just the feeling I had in that fight was confirmation to me that it, I'm, this isn't for me anymore. It's it's not who I am anymore. So I I gotta I gotta listen to to that. Could you describe what that feeling is like? Like, even if you win, you say you you know that it's not for you anymore. What does that feeling feel like? Um, just just being in that uh, under those lights and and face to face with your opponent, and not wanting to be there, uh, not wanting to you know to push through that that um that intensity that you meet when when you're in a fight when you when someone's trying to attack you and when you feel that that intensity you know usually you have like uh some sort of you know resistance to that and you know mentally and it's just not there for me anymore i, I don't have that passion to keep doing this with 100% of myself anymore I just, uh, and I think that's that's confirmation to me that you know I'm, I shouldn't be in there doing this anymore. Do you remember when you start, first started to feel this way? When you first started to think that the end is coming? Yeah, it was uh, when I fought Musasi. I I also that fight I didn't really I didn't prepare like I should have prepared, but that was kind of the beginning. I think. After the injury I had in the Lima fight and the the injuries I had from like the the second Lawler fight, it really like started to play with my head. 
um, you know, being, being on that couch for like three months, not being able to walk after the Lima fight, it, it, it just started like, I, I tried to ignore those voices, but you know, your body and your flesh like kind of cries out to you, you know, and I try to ignore it for as long as I can, but subconsciously it's there, you know, you, you can only take so much uh, punishment over the years. And uh, I guess there's a, you have to be willing to be able to go through that. And I, I think I just kind of came to my wits end. Uh, I remember after the Fitch fight, you sort of hinted at some of these feelings. I thought you were going to say the Fitch fight, um, but then you came back, obviously, and you have fought plenty of times since. Could you point to that fight, the the draw, as as a moment as well? Because it did seem in the cage afterwards that you were sort of questioning how much you had left. Yeah, that was for diff- sort of different reasons. Um but I was still, I was still having those similar feelings in the cage of not sure I wanted to be there. I was still be, I was still able to um, push past those voices. But um, even the Neiman Gracie fight and a lot, a lot of it, it just, it almost got worse and worse from that point on, of just not being able to have that comfort level. In, in the heat of battle anymore. And uh, yeah, so that's it. It just kind of seemed to get like more and more pronounced, just that feeling of that I shouldn't be doing this anymore. You said that was for different reasons. Could, could you share what those reasons were? Yeah, it was, it was just like uh, conflicting thoughts of, with like my faith, becoming a new Christian and things like that. But, um, I mean, there were obviously, you know, uh, those same feelings of, of, you know, what I was talking about before from the Musasi fight and things like that, 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 that was beforehand. So it's just that, you know, there was some additional things there, you know, I'd become family man, married, uh, got a house and became a Christian life life has changed a lot um when i started fighting in, in bellator um, so at that point when i fought john i was just a little bit mixed up um i, th- I think i still had more fight in me than i do now but yeah do, do you wish you would have ended the career sooner do you regret sticking around no no, no I, I i i think i needed to i needed to get it right out of my system. And now when I walked out of that cage, obviously I was disappointed getting knocked out, but um, I'm very much at peace with it. You know, I I know for certain that I don't want to fight anymore. Hmm. And if I would have maybe hung it up before, I think I would have probably, you know, made a I circle back to it and it would have been more uh, more of a drawn out process than it is now I just had to uh I had to you know finish whatever it was um you know and and, you know get it out of my system so to speak uh do you wish you had an opportunity to speak in the cage on Saturday I know you took off the gloves um but we didn't hear from you and obviously after a knockout sometimes you know, the broadcast doesn't want to go to that fighter. And I understand completely why 
Were you hoping to have a few words? Like, did you want that moment or do you not care about that? No, not at all. Okay. Um, it's, you're the only interview I accepted oh. to, to do post. My plan was to just like disappear into the, into the, you know, the darkness <laughs> and just, you know, fade off into the, you know, the darkness in my career, but, and disappear into regular life. But, um, you know, we were, we were texting back and forth and I felt like I, I, I owe it to my fans and, and people to maybe have a final word. And I wouldn't, ra- I wouldn't want to do that with anybody but you. Oh man. So that means you just gave me chills. That, that really means a lot. And, uh, you know, it meant so much to me when you had my back in, in 2016 with all that stuff that went down and I'll never forget it. And, and just, you know, I, you know, I think so highly of you. And so that really, really does uh, mean a lot to me. Thank you for that. Um, obviously people, you know, I have the, the guy right over here and he'll always be on our desk. This is you. You may not, uh, recognize yeah. him. Yeah, that's you from the Lawler fight. People speak of that fight with such love and admiration and reverence. And you said online, you told me way back in the day, greatest moment of your career. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I mean that that fight, like it, it that was the pinnacle of my career, and because of that fight, I've been able to have a legacy in the sport. I've been able to provide for my family and uh, a future uh, from fighting. If if I never had that fight and it was just a so-so fight and I lost the title and I went on the exact same road, I probably would have wouldn't have made near as much money um that really put me on the the map i find and uh you know i i I have diehard fans that are lifelong whether i've had bad performances since then uh, that's really the staple of my career that 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 fight with with robbie uh so even though it was a loss and even though you took that damage you still look back like there's no regrets or no like what ifs about that fight you still look back on it with with you know those kinds of feelings nothing negative the only thing i would change is probably like leading up to the fight and preparation mm. but the fight itself i mean it changed my life forever and i'm i'm forever grateful what do you mean by preparation what would you have done differently i would have taken more serious you would have taken the title fight more serious you I was a little immature at 25 and uh, I had, I had, you know, I was doing things I probably shouldn't be doing, but, you know, I was, I was going down a, a, a bad road at that point in my life. And I, I was, I thought I was invincible at 25 years old, you know, I was, you know, fighting in the UFC and winning and had a, my name like pumped up and, you know, I thought I was bigger than what I was. and But, I mean, I'm not making excuses. I just, I think I could have prepared better for the fight. I should have took it more seriously. I should have had a better game plan, a direct uh, plan of action. But I went in there and I said, um, you know what, I'm just going to fight this guy as hard as I can. And that was probably the wrong thing to do wow. against Robbie Lawler. <laughs> Damn, I, I've never heard you say that before about the fight. Does it, does it, like, do you feel like you take that fight seriously? Like you would have, you know, a fight later on in your career. Do you think you'd become UFC champion? 
No, I, I, I can't say that. I mean, no, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't even have said what I said because uh-huh. it's going to come across as an no. excuse. No, I appreciate I, the honesty. I really, uh, uh, um, you know, Robbie was so sharp that night. No matter what I brought to him, he, uh, he just kept coming forward. And uh, he was an absolute terminator. And uh, he, did, he, did, he did awesome. Even in our first fight, I took him down. And uh, I was trying to do ground and pound and do submissions. So uh, I can't say I, I would have won that fight. He beat me twice, fair and square. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for being able to share the cage with, with him. We had some epic times that I'll never forget. Do you care at all that you never got the UFC belt? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> you know, it stings. That's what I set out for. But, you know, um, I, I made a lot of mistakes in, in my youth. And uh, I, had, I have to pay the consequences. But in this next chapter of my life, I've learned so much from from fighting, from making bad choices and, and reaping the consequences from them that I feel like I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be better served in my, in my, in my next chapter of my life. Cause I'm not going to make those same, same mistakes. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, a good lesson going forward. Do you want to stick around with MMA? Do you have any interest in still being a part of the sport? Or are you moving on completely? I mean, as far as career uh, things, I, I'm probably going to take a different different avenue. Um, I'll always be a martial artist, so I'm always going to be in the gym training. And uh, that's, that's, with, that's for sure. But as far as me being involved in, in mixed martial arts, I don't know. Um, I don't know how involved I'll be. We'll see where the road takes me. Uh, see if my son wants to get involved with it. Hopefully not. <laughs> and, uh, why and, hopefully uh, not yeah well, i don't know I, I i would have a hard time dealing with my son fighting professionally or co- um, competitively but if he were i would definitely be uh i would definitely be there 100 percent. and and so do you have any idea what you're going to do now uh probably go down uh real estate road um I've been really interested in that. I've been doing a lot of uh, researching and planning. So that's kind of the the next step at this point. And just curious about like going off into the darkness and never being heard from again and all that stuff. Why why is that? Like I can understand maybe you don't want to coach a team or run a team or something like but why this sort of idea and it doesn't necessarily surprise me knowing you a little bit and, and kind of how you think, and you never really seem like someone who loved the limelight or anything like that, but why do you just want to disappear? I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I never, like you said, I, ne- I never really got into this for recognition or anything. It's, it's very touching. Like all these messages I've been getting, it's unbelievable. I never would have imagined that in my retirement. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I just I just felt like uh, I, I don't I don't really have a lot to say. You know, I I, I came into this sport for 
to achieve something personal. It was a very personal thing for me to get involved in this sport and what I've done in it. And uh, I never really thought of getting any attention from it. It wasn't a popular thing when I first started. Um, so and now that it's become like a major, a major sport and, you know, people are paying attention to it. It never really changed for me. I, I don't really, I'm not really interested in what people have to say or getting on TV or anything like that. I guess uh, it just, I don't know. It just wasn't something that I was interested in doing, you know, having a big speech after a fight or, you know, get any recognition. It's just, you know, move on to the next thing and live life. And when you say personal, like the reason why you got into the sport, what do you mean by that? Um, well, uh, my reasoning for the sport was that I was, I was driven to be the world champion. Um, I felt like God had put that in, into my heart that, you know, I could be the best in the world. I could be world champion. And that was, that's what I was, I was set out to do. Unfortunately, I fell short and I feel that it was because of my own mistakes that I'd made. And so I, I own those mistakes. I just have to carry what I've learned through those mistakes and, and, you know, make it better for the next part of life. But you don't, and I don't know everything that happened, you know, to you and, and what the, the mistakes are that you're referring to, but you don't let this beat you up inside, right? Like you don't, you're kind of viewing this as like, I'm going to, you know, do the right things in this next chapter. You don't let this you know, eat you inside and, 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 and harp on it. Do you? Not at all. Okay, good. I'm, uh, yeah, no, no, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's scary leaving the thing that I've, that's all, it's all I've ever known. You know, I've started this when I was 14 years old and I started fighting professionally at 16, completely sold out to, to fighting and being world champion at 16. So it's all I've ever known, and now I have a family. So there's some scary, it's kind of scary transitioning, you know, to, you know, another career. But um, I'm excited, you know. There's uh, it's a it's a new journey, and I'm I'm looking forward to what's in store. Have you allowed yourself to look back a little bit, reminisce a little bit? You don't necessarily strike me as that kind of guy, but you know, I was doing some like I was looking at the. The Mike Guyman fight and Condit in um, in Vancouver obviously was a big deal, and then you rebounding and you know one thirty three Mike Pyle one twenty nine. Like, have you allowed yourself to look back and smell the roses a little bit the last couple of days? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, on my flight back home from uh, from London, I was I was sitting in business class, just thinking about my first plane I ever took to a, a professional fight. I think I was fighting in King of the Cage. I was probably 17 years old and I got flown to New Brunswick. And I remember that feeling and it, it, we were playing, we were in like this tiny little like propeller plane and it was like the middle of winter, tons of turbulence. And I, I was looking out the window at 17, just, you know, so pumped that some like that I was on a plane couldn't believe it people are flying me to go across the country to go and and fight for a national title and I was so 
it was a very proud moment for me. And just seeing, uh, you know, I I had made that post about my retirement, and I was sitting there, and it was just, it was it was it was kind of a cool moment for me to, you know, be on that first flight, you know, to one of my my beginning fights of my career, and to be on that last flight home from from London, England, um, in business class, you know, yeah. just seeing how it it kind of all kind of went full circle and it just went so fast. So I definitely, I've definitely been rep- reminiscing about my career and all the experiences I've, I've got to experience so much. I'm, I'm so grateful. I've met so many cool people. Um, I've went all over the world because of this career and uh, I've learned so much about myself. Like I said, in that post, it's, it's just an, un- it's been an unbelievable 17 years. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. It's amazing to see someone retire. Sometimes with retirement, there's sadness, there are tears. You're smiling. Like, it, it, I, I feel the relief. I feel just the happiness, like, that you could just kind of move on. Is, is that a fair way to describe how you're feeling? Absolutely. Um, it's, been a, a, it's been a pretty heavy weight on my shoulders, uh, fighting the last little while. So it absolutely is a bit of a relief. I felt like when I actually committed to retiring after this fight i felt like it was just a a weight that fell off of me and my heart just felt lighter and uh obviously uh, like i was saying before I'm, I'm, I'm still you know that this transition is is nerve-wracking you know i have responsibilities i'm not i'm not a single guy i have a family to look after so um i plan on doing doing a good job but that that's always a ner- nervous thing, but I, I feel good about my decision. I feel like there's nothing left in the sport that I need to try to do. I, I really gave it all. I invested everything I could into this year in my kind of my final push into it and it didn't work out and I'm happy with what I did. I, I really, I, I tried my best and I, I can leave with a smile on my face knowing that's what I did. And just to be clear, had you won the tournament, you still would have retired, right? Um, no. Oh. If, if I would have won, kept going. Um, it's just the feeling I had in my last fight was confirmation that you know this is not, this is not for me anymore. Okay. Uh, to take yeah. that uh, that story about being on the plane one step further, I don't think that there's a person on the planet who would argue with the statement that as far as greatest Canadian MMA fighters of all time, it's GSP and then you. Um, and I don't think you would take exception to GSP being up there considering your relationship and what he's accomplished. Second greatest Canadian MMA fighter to ever live is a pretty damn good you know, spot to, to walk away from. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but that's how I feel and that's how I think everyone else feels. So Congratulations, man. You uh, you did it all. You were an absolute pleasure to cover. Always loved your fights when you'd show up in the suit and get your hands wrapped and, uh, you know, give us the... I mean, you, you were never in boring fights. You were always great with the media. You were always great to cover. You represented this country so well. I hope you'll be staying in Montreal. Are you staying in Montreal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll be here. Great. Um, thank you for everything. Thank you for all the great memories, all the great fights, all the great interviews, all the time that you gave us. And uh, thank you for doing this. 
one last time. Hopefully we'll talk again, but uh, to come on the show after your retirement really meant a lot. And again, thank you for what you did in 2016. You may not think it meant a lot, but it really did the tweets that you sent out. So all the best to you and your family, Rory. Thank you for everything. And congratulations on a legendary Hall of Fame career. You will go into the Hall of Fame. That fight is going in there and you will be in there as well. I have no doubt of it. So all the best, my friend. I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ariel. All right. Talk to you soon. Roy McDonald, what a great career, legend, uh, and, and such a great honor to have him on the show after his retirement. Uh, really one of my favorites of all time and uh, just an absolute, you know, absolute mensch, absolute legendary Canadian fighter. And, and I put the Canadian part in there because for me, it's important as a Canadian, but <clears throat> it's really not important to the rest of you. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I know there's a lot of new fans who maybe weren't even watching the sport back at UFC 189. Um, I know there's a lot of fans who don't remember him in the UFC, just know the, the Bellator Roy McDonald or the PFL Roy McDonald. Uh, that's one of the greatest fighters. And when he came into the sport as this young teenage phenom and fighting in the UFC at such a young age, in his home province of British Columbia, such a young age, um, it's really just an amazing thing to see what he's accomplished in 17 years, 17 years as an MMA fighter. Most people couldn't even dream, possibly allow themselves to dream of lasting that long in the sport. So I wish him the absolute best, happy trails, congrats on a great career, the great Rory McDonald, and uh, can't thank him enough for, for coming on the show. That was really, really cool. All right, we're gonna do another really cool thing right now. We're gonna have two individuals who are fighting in the main event of the BKFC card in London this Saturday. Earlier today, we had Chris Wade and Brendan Lochnane together at the same time. A lot of bad blood there, a lot of animosity. Well, on the same day, August 20th, we're getting a really special fight that I don't think anyone saw coming. We know that Platinum Mike Perry is a part of BKFC, uh, we didn't think that MVP, Michael Venom Page, Bellator welterweight title contender, was a part of the organization, but it appears as though he has been loaned, if you will, sort of like Dean Henderson of Nottingham Forest fame. From Man U to Nottingham Forest, he has been loaned from Bellator to have this special attraction fight. It's Platinum versus Venom, and they'll be meeting inside the BKFC cage on Saturday 1st. They meet each other here on the program, and this is very fun. Hello, gentlemen. Mike, it's great to see you. Mike Perry, great to see you. Mike Page, it's great to see you. Thank you guys for doing this. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Are you anything? Well, uh, guys, uh, I know we're just days away. I know you're both in London right now. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Mike Perry, I'll start with you. Um, when you heard that this was a possibility, you versus MVP, uh, such a great striker, renowned striker, dynamic striker, but a Bellator fighter who wasn't in BKFC. What was your initial reaction? Let's go. I'm ready for it. You looking skinny, Mike. Okay. What well, weight cotton is, bro? <laughs> How much do you weigh, MVP? That weight too. <laughs> How much do you weigh? I know. Weigh? I don't think. Me too. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I don't feel like MVP looks so skinny. You guys think he looks skinny? Yeah, I can uh, see like his cheekbones a little bit more. Looks like he's going through the weight cut like I am. That divot in the middle of his head is a little tighter now, too. <laughs> <laughs> How is the weight cut going for you, MVP? And could you tell us what is the uh, the weight for this fight? Oh, it's a... Uh... 
it's a uh, 175 so um 79 kgs so i'm used to cutting a little bit more so it's um to be fair it's, it's definitely helpful um not having to stress too much about uh, about the weight but you know it's it's it's, it's never easy uh kind of doing the weights that we have to do but i feel good I feel great good energy and i'm just rearing to go how did this whole opportunity come about with uh with bkfc for you so it went it kind of went like uh weird way around because my coach is good friends with uh david hay um and i'm not sure i know david hay had some kind of conversation or something with with the, the guys from bkfc i'm not sure if he's doing any work with them um but you know i think they kind of asked his opinion on who would be a good fight like does he know anybody that would be a good fight to try and get a main event in in the uk and he put my name forward and was like oh look you know i, you know, I know his coach i can talk to his coach and find out and it just it just happened to just time perfectly because he spoke to my coach and um you know my coach spoke to me and i was just i was just, yeah yeah 100 let's let's make it happen um obviously we got to speak to bellator and see uh we had a couple of conversations with them they had they you know they had conversations amongst themselves and came back and said you know gave me the thumbs up the okay so i was like whoa i, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen you know but you know if you don't ask you don't get so um i put it out there and uh we're here now so um it was definitely worth it and and what did you think when you were offered platinum perry are, are you a fan of his do you like watching his fights were you intrigued by this this opportunity yeah, and no, I think it's a great fight. Just, uh, I think it's one thing I like about him is it's a great character, great energy, and for me, the the build up is 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 always exciting when you have somebody that you know is not boring on the other side. So, um, great character, tough guy. So you know it's gonna be a fight when you get in there. So many people, you know, they, there's even they have the massive build up and then they get there and they don't actually want to fight me. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think this is gonna be the case uh, with someone like. Uh, platinum he's gonna go in there and really try to you know put the hurting on me but the, the same results will still happen <laughs> what are you thinking yeah platinum? bro it's gonna be such an honor to go in there and knock you out bro such an honor <laughs> <laughs> uh platinum are you a fan of his style very interesting very exciting fighter what what did you make of the mvp and and just like have you watched his fights have you checked them out over the years absolutely um I mean, I've been, I've seen him around. He's definitely made some viral uh, videos knocking people out in in Bellator, and um, definitely, like I said, I'm very excited to get to test my skills against a fighter like him, uh, long and slippery, and um, it seems to be smart, you know. And you know, he likes to say that. Some people are too stupid, but, um, you know, I think he knows I got a little couple clever tricks up my sleeve. So we're going to see. Genuinely don't believe that. (laughs) Genuinely don't believe that. That'll be your downfall then. I don't care. I mean, this is going to be a different night for you, man. This might be the end for you, man. Let's see. Only because it's BKFC. That's the only reason it's different. Outside of that, it's the same. It's another fight. Back to beat I've been, up, fighting, back to I've been beat fighting all my life, bro. I've been fighting all my life. It's nothing. Yeah, it's another, it's another, another, another walk in the park. Yeah, fighting cans your whole life. How you? How no, you, it's crazy. You know what's crazy, out? though? 
with footlocks and Bellator, but you don't got cauliflower ears, you ain't doing real grappling rounds with people. If I grab uh, somebody's foot and they I hate out, that shit. I hate that shit. I met that that was my goal coming into the sport. I said if I ever had cauliflower ears, I'm leaving the sport. I made sure I never had that shit. Well, I'm going <laughs> to help to you this weekend. But hold it. Don't you, don't you think it's crazy that? Don't you think it's crazy that after this fight, you're going to be classed as a camp? If it's crazy, what? you're going to be classed as one of those camps. <laughs> All right, yeah. This will be the can that got you. They call, uh, yeah, they call that, these these uh, people, these fans that watch who who never fight anyways, who call these people cans or journeymen, they can say what they want about me, but I fought the toughest who's who that, that's ever stood across from me, and I fight them like nobody else. So I'm much different than anybody you've ever faced. The only similarity that you got with me and any other people you face is I'm a short, stocky white dude. That's what you mean by when you say you fought people like me is I'm a short, stocky white dude, but you never fought nobody like Platinum Perry. I hope I know you're wishing for that, but unfortunately, that's not a fact. That's just not the fact. The, the fact is you're the same I think as every you're other. Running away, that's going to get you into trouble. Guy. And then See, that's Michael, it. I'm gonna... Seals, Michael Seals was was you know he was a savvy boxer, but he was down to fight with me in the pocket and try to land solid blows in the pocket when I came at him. You not. You're going to try to exit and catch an angle and, and and try to fire a shot from a range and then get back to your range. And that's going to be your downfall. So doing what's made me successful is going to be my downfall. Oh, no, that's interesting. It's not going to work on me. <laughs> that's interesting. You, you I like, I like how you think. people. You hit like how you people. Think. This isn't karate class. You're not about to break boards with your bare knuckles. This shit don't break. It's okay. It can go to sleep, though. <laughs> There's a sleep mode you know, on it. Trust me. It's right to your I'm chin. I'll find awake. it. <laughs> I'm always awake. There's sleep mode. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll find it. Uh, Platinum, can I ask you this? You just had your BKFC uh, debut a few months back. He has not fought in bare knuckle. Do you think he is in for, you know, a rude awakening, if you will? This is a different kind of game. Do you think that he is underestimating just how brutal this sport is? No, I think... Uh... I think he's here to find out some things about himself to see if everyone he's been fighting over the years cans like everyone on the internet be saying about him. And I could care less about his past fights or anything because Saturday night he's going to be in front of me and I'm going to teach him a few lessons. I'm the teacher this weekend. He thinks he's going to show me something. I seen your little no, no, brother. No, 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 I don't think I'm gonna show you. No, I definitely don't think I'm gonna show you anything because you're not gonna be seeing it. You're gonna be asleep. You're gonna miss that. You have to watch it back. Don't worry. You'll watch it back and find nothing. out why. I, I I see everything. I see everything. I look at right. I look at right that, down the barrel and I take otherwise. every shot your in the face, face because I don't otherwise. let people set me up. You, you try you to see all those shots. So why are you taking them? Your face says otherwise, bro. Say it again, MVP, what you just said. It just cut out. What says otherwise? His face says otherwise. Oh, you can my. say you see all these, you see it all, but boy, you've been hit way too much. <laughs> Your head looks like a ball sack. 
<laughs> you look like testicles and the hair on your chin look like gooch hair. And I'm going to shove my fist up your ass. Uh, MVP, did you see his bare knuckle fight? Did you see it? And if so, what did you think of it? No, I've only seen like clips of it. I haven't watched. I actually sat down and watched the whole fight. Really? I've only seen clips. Why? Why yeah, did you yeah. watch it? To be, fair, to be fair, in general, I don't tend to watch my opponent's fights anyway. So it's not nothing, that I, no no disrespect to anybody. I just don't like to do it. I, I, I leave it to my coaches. My coaches will kind of tell me, okay, this is how they do. This is what they like to, how they like to move, blah, blah, blah. I usually just watch a couple of clips just to solidify what they've said and then just go in there and do me. What did you think of what you saw? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same, same as, same old, same old. Likes to fight, enjoys being in a battle, um, enjoys taking shots, enjoys trying to give shots. That's just not my style, you know? And I think there's a lot of people that, um, there's a lot of fighters out there that are very similar, um, which is why it's kind of easy to kind of prep and train for somebody like him. You seem to disagree with this, Platinum. He's going to break. He's going to break. I'm going to break him. Whether it be defensively, offensively, pressure, uh, you know, making him miss, making him pay, all of the above, you're gonna miss too. And if you don't miss, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt you. Uh, Platinum, you only have one option. You're in. You only have one mode, and I've only ever seen you in your career in that one mode. You don't do anything else. Unfortunately, I, I believe uh, watching the, you know, watching the Julian Lane fight. I mean, it's out there now. Maybe you should look at it because I control when and where the fight happens. Uh, whether you coming forward or whether you going backwards, I'm going to control that. The drugs you take are really strong, right? I mean, so I get down. <laughs> they, they, they seem very strong right now. You're a, bit, you're a bit delusional, but it's all right. The reality will kick it soon. The only Saturday. thing I'm worried about is check. when I punch you in that big-ass grill of yours, how them teeth going to cut up my knuckles. I'm not really sure yet, but it's it's going to happen. I'm, okay. I'm going to try to knock some of them things out of your mouth. No problem. You do your best. Uh, Platinum, can I ask you... Thanks, have you, bud. You too. Based on what you've seen of him, would you say one of the most... I don't know, dynamic strikers you've ever fought, if not the most? Uh, is this one of the best guys you've ever you fought? You know what happened last time I came to England and fought? Yeah, you know what happened last time I came to England and fought. That was in Manchester. This is the big show here, too. So I'm looking to do that again in London. I fought in Manchester. Yeah. I, fought a, I fought Danny Roberts in Manchester. Boy, that was a good fight. <laughs> man. It was a fun one. Oh, I beat the hell out of him. <laughs> but you, you telling me about your opponents don't mean anything trust me I'm not the same <laughs> we're two different fighters okay. and, and not even the same in terms of style so again it's not relevant I don't know you guys look alike a little bit <laughs> sounds, sounds racist to me boy <laughs> but I'm comparing uh, Platinum, do you feel like his style could work in BK? Maybe not against you. You may not think, but like, could that style that we see in Bellator work in BKFC based on, you know, what you know of him and of bare knuckle fighting? Um, 
it depends, man, on um, because he said, you know, I was thinking about it wrong with the draw and making it through the rounds. I plan on enjoying the moments in the ring uh, with him. It's I think it's going to be a great time for me. And, um, you know, once he realizes what I'm capable of, it depends on if he ever wants to get back in there again and deal with, you know, I mean, but I don't think there's going to be anybody else like me in here to do stuff like what I'm going to do to him. But I don't know if he's going to want to get back in the ring. Wow, period. MMA or bare knuckle? Maybe he'll go back to Bellator and put the gloves on, but when I hit him in the face with these bare knuckles and I've got cut your face open multiple times, I don't know how you're going to feel. Big statement. He's laughing. Uh, I don't know if yeah, it's all talk until the rally kicks in. There's no sure. point. Yeah. We, I mean, I'm going to be there, though. I'm always there. I'm always there, and I always show Oh, and I look forward to that. I look forward to that. That's one thing I don't doubt. That's one thing I don't doubt. You're coming, you're coming to, to, to put hands on me, and I, and I love that. But yeah, we're, we're two different calibers of fire. I'll tell you that now. MVP in the, in the, in the yeah, training? You coming to dance. You coming to dance. <laughs> I like to dance, too. I like... Uh, bust Shame moves. you ain't got the moves, though. Shit. I'll take you off. I'll take you off. I'll show you <laughs> MVP's got nice moves. I would say P- Perry's moves were pretty good there. I mean, not bad. Right? Look at that. <laughs> I'm going to twerk on you when I knock your ass off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MVP, when you trained for this fight, did you use, like, like what are you using to try? Like, did you spar with Barry? Like, how do you prepare for a bare knuckle fight? Nah, it wouldn't be. There's no point in uh, sparring because there yeah. are there would be too many cuts nonstop and blah blah blah. Uh, I do a lot of conditioning work, but to be fair, it's uh, a lot of boxing, a lot of uh, like clin- like Greco work because there's a lot of um, heavy clinching mm. um, that go on. But that obviously it's different in boxing. You clinch and then they kind of break you up. In here, they kind of allow the the dirty boxing to keep going. So you kind of have to be good, kind of Greco style as well. Um, and then, yeah, it's just boxing. Uh, I, like I said, I know I'm slick enough. I know my timing's on point. Um, I feel strong, fast, all the normal. And then it's just a condition of the condition of the hand, so it's all good. Platinum seems to agree with what you were saying there about the the preparation, right? I was saying, you know, I was thinking, you better grab on tight. I'm gonna take you for a ride. <laughs> I told you, bro. I keep, this is the third time now. I do not swing that way. Stop that. <laughs> You're going to feel me, baby. You're going to feel me. You better grab on tight. Grab on tight. <laughs> I actually feel like there's a part of MVP that you really enjoy, Platinum. Like, I feel like there's a there's a scenario where you guys are going to be friends after all of this. I mean, listen, I mean, he might not like me after what I do to him, but That's true. I, will, I, will always, I will always respect you, MVP. I, I know I and I don't always say the best stuff. I'm trying to. I mean, I got. I want to piss you off a little bit, uh, but <laughs> um, you know, we're gonna fight. It is what it is. 
we're gonna we're gonna fight. Oh my god, we're gonna fight. I, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to get in there. This whole game is like hurry up and wait. I gotta wait to make weight, and then I gotta wait to get in there with him. And I'm patiently waiting my turn, and I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna shock the world. I don't know if it's much of a shocker. A lot of people seem to know what I'm gonna do. Oh. I don't know. Do they put out odds for uh, bare knuckle fights? Are you the favorite? I don't know if I am. I don't think I am. Maybe he's the favorite, but I comments. Okay. Know. The streets. I'm going to walk you down, dog. Uh, I'm being told that MVP is, in fact, the favorite. Yeah, I, I, didn't, okay. I didn't even need to say anything. You, you, already knew, you already knew that. I just want you know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a hungry underdog. I'm a hungry underdog. Let's go. Uh, MVP. I think uh, I wasn't. I, I don't think I was the favorite in my last couple fights. Okay. And did you enjoy it? By the way, I, I haven't talked to you since the like. Did you like getting punched in the face, bare knuckle? I'm gonna come and ask you that question, Ariel. Okay. You, you you're gonna come and ask me that question? Yes. After you punch in me, studio. after you punch me, yes. in the face? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yes. you got paid good money for it, right? It ain't about the money at all. There's nothing I want more than to get in there and put my hands on that scrotum over the face <laughs> over there. <laughs> I'm going to hit that thing like a speed bag. Do, 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 do. I can't wait to get in. There's nothing I want more than to get in there and fight you. Know? I like I like the new hair MVP. What do you think of the new uh, the new hairdo? It's terrible. It's terrible. Come on. What do you mean? You're just I'm jealous, jealous. Baldy. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm sorry, but I I'll still take you out and associate with you afterwards. It's fine. You know I mean, I'm sure somebody <laughs> would like it. <laughs> I'll take you to the clubs in London. I'll show you around London afterwards. Uh, is this is this a one-off for you, MVP? Like after this, are you back to Bellator? Or are there multiple fights on this arrangement? Yeah, it's for, it's for now. It's a one-off. Obviously, if I want to, if I enjoy it, I think I'm going to enjoy it. If I enjoy it the way I know I'm going to enjoy it, I'm sure I'll try and find time to come back. But for now, it's one fight and then back to Bellator. You know, I got some business to handle over there. I'm a bit annoyed about the last fight and how it went down. Um, which is why I was so eager to get another fight straight back in. They weren't, uh, you know, Bellator weren't uh, capable to facilitate that, but allowed me to then do this, which is uh, perfect. Uh, even the still thinking backwards. Mm. You still thinking you stuck in the past. What? Why? Why do you say that? Because you say you still. It doesn't matter what you upset. think, bro. Shut up. <laughs> Oh, there he is. Hey. That was polite. We got Dave polite. Johnson on that one. The Rook, <laughs> Rook special. <laughs> uh, uh, Platinum, did you I see his last fight? I care about your opinion, bro. Did you see his last fight? No, nah, man. I don't. No. Nah. You don't watch? I didn't You're see Bellator. You're I don't a liar. Bellator fan. You don't watch? You're a big fan. You don't watch MVP fights? No. He's must-see TV. I saw... No, man, I don't be seeing Bellator fights like that. It's, Lion, I don't know. I I'm think everywhere. I'd be out. I think I'd be I out. Bellator. Bellator. Don't worry fights. about it. You know that. You're a liar. I supersede it. Doesn't matter what happens in Bellator. It will come out. You'll see it. 
I don't know if I've ever watched You're a Bellator fan, fight. Just the highlights. No, the highlights. Yeah, the highlights come You're out. A fan. But there was no highlights of your last fight. No, 100%. This is why I need to go back and handle business. They went decisions. They went decisions. It's, I mean, that's real. I mean, I gave you props on, on, I thought it was very admirable that you got defeated and you came back and you fought that guy and you got the victory. That's, that's awesome, man. It's one of the reasons I'm excited to fight you because it shows your heart and your grit. Respect. And and I'm going to show the world how much grittier I am. Respect. I like that. I like that. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's really nice. That's what I'm saying. It's, 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 there's, there's respect here, 100%. At the end of the day, we, you know, we have to go to war. And it is where it is. We're prize fighters and we're about to show down. We made a showdown in Chinatown. So let's, uh, let's make it happen. Oh, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> Kiss it, bro. Kiss that shit. Um, I'm going to knock you out, MVP. I'm done with this shit. I'm going to knock okay. your ass out. Final thing, Platinum. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, give us a prediction. How, when does it end? <laughs> uh, I, I guess now because he's knocked down his phone. One to three, somewhere in there. All right. and One to three rounds. And if it don't, then we go on six. MVP, your prediction? It, I just find it crazy because he says the sixth round is based on if one to five is a draw. Yes. So there's no reason to be like, oh, yeah, if it's not, it's going to go six. That means it's an even Because you're going to be right? running all night and I'm going to be trying to all find right, right. you. You're going to be running away. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying one or two. One or two. First one to figure out, show off a little bit. You know. Yeah, you going down at one or two? Make yeah, realize man, you the think truth. low of yourself. How fast I am, make him realize. Oh, shit, guys, real. You out of it. And then, number two, you're going. Peace. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, guys. He's out. MVP, you're the man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it very much. Good luck on Saturday, my man. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Michael Venom Page, Platinum Mike Perry. Uh, how about that? Wow. I was saying before all of this that they were the guys that seemed to have a lot of respect for each other, and uh, it seemed like that one was even more heated than the first one today with Chris Wade and Brendan Lucknate. Right? Respectful heat? Yeah. Well, it's BKFC London, BKFC 27, this Saturday, August 20th, at the OVO Arena, Wembley. By the way, OVO, isn't that the, the Drake thing? <clears throat> OVO? Anyway, it's OVO Arena in Wembley, uh, which is in London, England. The main card starts, by the way, on fight. You can watch it on Fight TV at 2 p.m. Eastern, same time as the PFL main card. So I don't know what you guys are going to do. I mean, I'm doing nothing on Saturday. In fact, my family is actually going away. I'm going to be all alone. I'm going to sit in front of the TV for like 14 hours. Starting with Nottingham Forest and Everton at 10. Then we'll move on to... So I've gotten conflicting reports about the Anthony Joshua... Uh, Alexander Usyk fight. It sounds to me like that ring walk is going to be at 5.30. There's going to be a point, I believe, that the MVP Perry fight, the Usyk-Joshua fight, and the finals of the PFL card, like, like the Kayla fight, maybe the Brendan wait, are all going to be happening at the same time. And that will lead us into UFC 278, of course, headlined by Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman. We spoke to Leon on Monday, we'll talk to uh, Luke Rockhold later in the day at around uh, 4.15. 
August 20th, this Saturday is going to be nuts. Really appreciate MVP doing that and uh, Mike Perry doing that. I had to switch from calling them both Mike Michael. So I went with, I don't know if you guys noticed that. I went with MVP and Platinum. By the way, everything okay with our stream over there, Frank? What's going on? Everything's fine. There was a period there. Did we miss the like some network issues? But we're back. Yes. Are we on a delay or something? No. Am I breaking the fourth wall right now? A little bit. Okay, so everything is up to speed. Correct. How much did we miss out on? This was like old school stuff, huh? Just laggy, you know. That's laggy. All. Yeah. Okay. Uh, MVP minus two forty-five. Perry plus one ninety-five. GC, tell me the truth. Is everything okay? Yeah, it looks like everything's good. How long? I just heard the laugh. Who just laughed? Um, nobody. <laughs> Is everything okay? Yeah, I think we're doing good. How much did we? Do, I I feel like it actually went out on the uh, the moment where Rory said that I was the only one that he spoke to. Like that was yeah. a great moment. Is that like literally when it went out? Uh we might have to just re-rack the whole show. God, like he li- he like this guy retires legend, and he's like Ariel, you're the only interview that I've agreed to do, and yeah. the thing went out. Yeah. Like no one yes. heard that. No, I will not. No I won't get that moment. Now we're just taking your word. I actually didn't even hear him say wow. that. So. It'll be in the podcast. Is that yeah. moment just gone forever? Like what happens in the replay? I'm not sold that it ever even happened. Wow. I mean, that literally like chills up and down my spine when he said that. Emotional. Yeah. I think he even got emotional. We'll no one will ever see it. it. No one knows it happened. Correct. Wow. Okay. Um, what timing? But we're back now. Supposedly. You can rest assured that we're back. So why, why did he say supposedly? Because he's just liking stirring the pot with you. The one thing I really need to do is uh, mute my Slack because it's like, it's basically like taking this this pencil and putting it right into my soul. You know what I mean? That's what happens when there's a network issue. Who's to blame for all this? The Tell network, me. Network people. Who's the network? I'm calling them right now. I'd like to have a word. Anyway, um, speaking of having a word... There I am yesterday, having a lovely Tuesday, a lot going on. Spoke to Billy Corgan. Stay tuned for that. You know Billy Corgan? I'm familiar. Smashing Pumpkins? Big fan, actually. Tonight, tonight. No, let's not not do this to him. Today is the greatest. Anyway, uh, great Tuesday. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to get bombarded. Now, this actually started uh, on Friday. Bellator's going on, South Dakota. Aaron Jeffrey of Canada scores a big knockout of one Austin Vanderford. Eight-day notice fight for him. Big opportunity. Massive win. Another big win for him in Bellator. Had one in uh, in June. Has a tremendous look. Mullet, stash, the whole nine yards. And I'm starting to get a couple of tweets, mainly from our good friend Sarah Rose, who's like, you got to get him on the show. Then I get hit up by Danny Rubenstein, and he's like, you got to get him on the show. By then, the Monday show was kind of packed already. You know, we're trying not to go seven hours here, even though our shows are getting longer and longer. But we're like, all right, yeah, 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 we'll get him on. But then on Tuesday, I see tweets starting to come my way. And then I see the uh, the catalyst, the impetus, the the embryonic stages of, say, oh, there it is. Can some followers tweet at Ariel? And get me on the MMA hour. And then I started, this is at 12, I think it says 58 there. More tweets, more tweets. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate the effort. I appreciate that young Aaron Jeffrey wants to be on the program. Who am I to say no 
to an up-and-coming Canadian star. These are the fighters that I need to look out for. These are the ones that I need to put on this program and, uh, you know, give them the platform to share their story with the entire world. And so we pivoted. We actually, you know, had the show already booked out. We said, no, we got to get Aaron on the program. And so without further ado, here he is, the man who scored the big knockout win over one Austin Vanderford last Friday in South Dakota, the pride of Ontario and Canada, Mr. Aaron Jeffrey. Aaron, how are you? I'm good, man. That was uh, that was pretty surreal to hear that intro from you. Well, here we are. Right. You you called your shot. You shot your shot, as the kids say, and uh, you made it happen. You put me uh, you put me up against the wall there. I was you know I was feeling the heat, and I had to relent. That's that's awesome. I love it. Uh, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, right? Isn't that uh, isn't that Wayne Gretzky, a good old Canadian boy himself? I believe it was Michael Scott of the Office who said that. <laughs> uh, but yes, Gretzky, Jordan, uh, who knows who really said it? By the way, has anyone ever told you that you? Uh, for, we have to talk about the look, but you look a lot like Justin Trudeau. Have you heard this? I've been told that too many times. Okay, how do you feel about this? Um. A few years ago, it was it was fine. It was kind of uh, like a funny compliment, and I think now more often than <laughs> not, it's, uh, it's not a compliment. Okay, uh, so does it bother you when people say this? I mean, you're a very good-looking guy. You, I mean, Trudeau, politics aside, good-looking guy. I mean, I think we could all agree on that, right? I agree. I yeah. think uh, I think the stash and the mullet differentiates me a bit, so I get it less often. Back when I was clean cut, it was. Uh, Every other day, I was getting Justin Trudeau comments. Wow. Um, I think this is a phenomenal decision on your part. It makes you stick out. You got the mullet. You got the stash. Who came up with this idea to do this? Um, I don't know, man. I think it kind of happened uh, organically. Um, during COVID, everyone was growing out their hair. Like, you weren't allowed to see hairdressers, so we were all growing it out. And then when I got back into the gym, it was uh, in my face all the time, so I had to cut it. But I liked the flow at the same time. So uh, I think the next best option was to chop the top and leave the back. And then my first fight, all the all the commentary I was talking about was the mullet. So I figured I would keep it. And now I think at this point, it's almost career suicide to get rid of it. I couldn't agree more. Even your Twitter icon thingy is, you know, like a silhouette. It's uh, it's very important in the sport to stick out, right? It's very important to look different. And I think you're doing a great job of that, in addition to the wins and whatnot. So this is very good. Please don't get rid of it. I'll be very disappointed if you do so. By the way, I, how I have uh, sorry, I have some uh, some merch, some shirts and stuff. Maybe we can get one of one of oh, those yeah. shirts up there. Yeah. Where can people get it? Uh, just through me, mostly. I'm gonna have to figure that out because there's been more requests coming in. But uh, right now, it's just through me. But we'll get you one sent, and we'll uh, post it up there in your in your studio. That'd be pretty cool. I appreciate it. By the way, uh, your your family, friends, loved ones, how do they feel about the look? Um, I don't know. I think they like it. I mean, my, my girlfriend is my hairstylist. She's oh, a, wow. she's a hairdresser. She's the one who cuts it. So I, I think she likes it. My brother looks almost exactly like me. He has a mullet and a mustache too. So wow. that's pretty funny. Yeah. Wait, your girlfriend is a hairstylist? This is like the dream. You don't have to go to the actual barber. She can cut it for you? That's it. Yeah. But wait a second, you just said during the pandemic you couldn't get haircuts. So what's going on? You actually had it you had the best scenario unless you just I met. I just, I just wasn't using it. No, no, no. Um I don't you, know. That you was used thing. that as an excuse. To, it was an excuse. Wow. You weren't allowed to see the hairdresser, so that was my excuse to, uh, to grow out the mullet. Even though you were seeing an actual hairdresser. Wow. That is uh I mean, that was like the biggest problem for everyone. 
How are we going to cut her hair? How are we going to cut her hair? You had it made and you still grew it out. I appreciate the solidarity. Um, All right. So the look is great. The fighting is great. Now 2-0 in Bellator. You get this opportunity, eight days notice against the guy who just fought for the belt against Gegard Mousasi. What are you thinking? Um, Everything, man. Excited, nervous, uh, all of the above. Everything happens so fast uh, from like finding out the fight was a potential... um, to like getting getting in talks with Bellator to signing it, and then all already we're talking about like flights out and getting medicals done and fight week stuff. So uh, I barely had any time to really like sit and and think about it before everything happened. Uh, you were, I mean, biggest opportunity of your career, big name guy, right? Uh, nervous before the fight, like how would you describe how you were feeling? Um, pr- pretty normal, man. I mean, once you're in there, it's it's always kind of the same. I don't know. Most fighters probably say that. Like once the door locks, you're you kind of feel the same um, leading up to it. Uh, definitely more media, more interviews, uh, more people talking about like betting odds, this kind of stuff. So that kind of puts pressure on you before. Um, but when you're warming up and you're making the walk, it's it's all kind of the same. What's that headline? We saw a headline. GC, what is the headline? It was uh, Paige Van Zandt. Here it is. Um, watch Paige Van Zandt's husband, Austin Vanderford, get brutally KO'd at Bellator 284. Not even a mention of your name. I know. I, I posted that today. Yeah. Disrespect. Well, I know. Paige Van Zandt's husband. Two names I'm, in there. I'm Neither just, are yours. I'm just the guy that beat up Paige Van Zandt's husband. But I Disrespectful did, both me and Austin. I agree. I agree. But uh, I, I, I did see you say, like, lay off the you know, because I think sometimes, uh, you know, Vanderford, Van Zandt, they, they invite a lot of perhaps criticism because they're kind of, you know, out there on social media. But I saw you say give the guy a break, you know, were you seeing a lot of hate come his way? Is that why you did that? For sure, man. I, I mean, probably every fight he's been in since he's been with Paige, that's that's all it is. He's just Paige Van Zandt's boyfriend or husband. Um, yeah, it sucks, man. I mean, we put our whole lives into this and uh, he just gets shit on all the time by everyone for for being that guy. Um, I don't know. It, it sucks. Yeah. And then when there's articles coming out that I'm just the guy that beat up him, it, it sucks for both of us a little bit. Um, some people might not remember this, but uh, you have been on the Contender Series twice before. Unfortunately, those fights didn't go your way. Uh, after the second one, maybe even after the first one, uh, did it force you to reconsider your MMA plans? Did you ever start losing hope? Um, no, not really. Uh, like the first one, I was still pretty young in my career when I lost to Brendan Allen. I was, I think, I was six and one going into it, and six and two coming out, so I was still pretty fresh. Uh, the last one against Kyo definitely stung a little bit more. Um, like I, I had put in a lot of work for that fight and won a bunch of fights leading up to it. And, uh, I think I was the favorite leading into it and it seemed like the UFC really wanted me. Um, and I I just couldn't get it done. So yeah, that one stung a bit. I I wouldn't say I was like reconsidering my career or anything, but, uh, it was definitely kind of like back to the drawing board after that one. Uh, and then you had, after the second one, one fight outside, I believe, CFFC, and then you get the Bellator opportunity. When you got the opportunity, the first one in Bellator, what did that feel like to, you know, get a shot with one of the biggest promotions? Some would say number two in the world. Here's your opportunity to finally make something of your career. Yeah, it's huge, man. It's like childhood dream come true. I've been working a long time for this and and to finally get signed to one of the big promotions and like finally make a, a livable paycheck and, and kind of get my name out there a little bit. It was uh, it felt rewarding for sure. Do you feel like you're you're starting to make that money now? Like, do you feel like you can not worry so much or you're not quite there yet? 
Um, it's definitely a lot better than it was before. Uh, not to like shit on the regional promotions or anything. Obviously, they don't have the money, right? So, um, yeah, this is definitely a big step up compared to that. Why did you get into MMA? Uh, good question. I mean, I don't really have a good story. I, I was asked in an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago, like leading into the fight, they said, like, what's your biggest obstacle in MMA? Um, and I said, like, my obstacles that I, I don't really have any obstacles. Like, I kind of have to do this because I want to. Like, I don't have like a, a bad upbringing. You know, there's guys that like it's their only option to make money. They didn't go to school. They dropped out of high school. They couldn't go to university, whatever it is. Um, I just got into it because I liked it. I was kind of athletic. Um, didn't play many other sports, but once I started training MMA, I liked it a lot. And uh, yeah, I kind of just do it because I love it. Did you grow up watching it? I did. And I grew up watching you a lot too. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, who are some of your guys? Anderson Silva was was always my number one. Um, it took me a long time in my career to realize I was never going to be uh, the Anderson Silva type fighter. Um, surprisingly, I was never a big GSP guy. I Come was always on. rooting. I was always cheering for for BJ when those two fought each Stop other. Stop it! What? Um, As a Canadian, yeah. you're rooting for BJ against George? I know. I know. Why? I know. Why is it? Because he's from Quebec. Don't you don't like Quebecers, right? Uh, my girlfriend's from Quebec, actually, so oh, I can't right. say that. I don't. All right. That's for sure. No, I don't know. I think I, I just like BJ Penn a lot. All right, fair enough. But even the other, I mean, he had other fights against other people not named BJ Penn. This is true. Yeah. No, I, I liked him. He was just uh, not my number one guy. Okay. You didn't. Re what about Rory? Just retired. You're on the same show as Rory, Rory. who just retired. How about yeah, that? I know that's. I know the the lineup today is pretty crazy. To uh, to see my face along with those other guys is uh, is pretty wild. No, I, I like Rory a lot. I remember there was a time not that long ago where Rory was, you know, the up and coming, fresh face, the prospect, the super prospect. It's it's amazing how quickly everything can change. Right, everything can change in an instant. Um, those 17 years probably for him were a blur. When you see things like that, you know, like this guy, how old are you? You're in your mid-20s, right? 29. 29, okay. I mean, you still have some ways to go. You're just getting started in some respects. Does that mm -hmm. make you feel like, I, I got to get to work? You know, this, 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 is not a, this is not like a full career, right? You don't get to do this until you're 70 or 80. You get to do this until you're 40 or something like that. If you're lucky, you got to strike now? For sure, For sure man. And uh, yeah, like you said, it was probably a, a blur for him. Um, and like this last two weeks for me, like two weeks ago, I didn't have this fight against Austin book. I just had a Bellator debut and now I'm, I'm getting interviews with you and they're talking about like title shots and, and what's next for me. I'm in the top 10 of Bellator. So yeah, things, things change fast, man. It's hard to, to sit back and take it all in. Uh, after like, if this opportunity didn't come about, who do you think you would have fought next? I have no idea. I don't even know like how many guys are are in the division outside the top 10. Uh, I don't think it would have been a top 10 guy yet. I think they probably would have given me one or two more fights even before I broke in. Yeah. Um, and uh, in Bellator, you like them? They're treating you well? Oh, they're awesome, man. Yeah, very, very professional, very good to me. Um, everything's super smooth. Like they, they put together this whole thing within like eight days of signing the fight, right? Like they, yeah. they flew me out there early. They got my medicals done. Everything was very smooth. So yeah, they're, they're very good to me. Obviously it was a business trip, but I mean, South Dakota, not exactly the most exotic spot, right? No, but it's nice. I'm, I'm a rural guy. I'm from, uh, Tilsonburg. I don't know how, how well do you know, like Ontario region? Uh, not, I mean, I know Toronto, obviously I know Ottawa. Oh, London? Uh, I know of it. I've never been. I'm like 45 minutes south of London. And it's like rural. It's just uh, 
fields everywhere. It's like the heart of tobacco country. Okay. So uh, Falls was nice. It kind of felt like right at home for me. And uh, how far is that from Toronto? Uh, like an hour 30. Okay, that's not too bad. I know of uh, Marineland. You know Marineland in Niagara Falls? I, I know Marineland. You know that commercial in yeah. Niagara Falls, I, Ontario, yeah. Marineland? I, I'm pretty close to Niagara Falls. I live in uh, like Thorold. It's like 10 minutes from Niagara Falls. Wow. And I train in St. Catherine, which is right there too. And so what's the big, like where do you train? Uh, Niagara Top Team. They're, it's a solid gym, man. We're, we're on the way up. Uh, I don't know if you know who Anthony Romero is. He was on Contender yeah. Series and he won. Didn't get a contract. We have Jasmine Jazdavicious. She's in the UFC now. She oh, won yeah. on Contender Series. Two fights in the UFC. Um, and we got a lot of up and comers, man. And uh, it's nice to kind of be putting our, our gym's name on the map finally. Isn't Jasmine the the pole dancer? Uh, not to my knowledge, unless she's like hiding <laughs> stuff from maybe I got some of us with someone else. <laughs> There's someone maybe, else. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know something we don't know. All right. Um, your manager, the great Danny Rubenstein, uh, asked me to ask you about uh, making Austin Vanderford go night night sleep sleep. <laughs> what is he referring to so i don't know who the guy was i need to figure out who it was he asked me in an interview he he used those words and asked uh are you gonna put him out are you gonna put him night night sleep sleep uh and and i repeated his phrase and i said yeah i would love to get a finish i would i would love to put him night night sleep sleep and they they clipped it and they only posted that part <laughs> so now i'm the night night sleep sleep guy which is I mean, it's not something I would typically say, so uh, it's, <laughs> it's kind of strange. It's it's okay. Not my style. It's okay. By the way, speaking of merch, Jeffrey, mullet, mustache, night, night, sleep, sleep on the back. I feel like that's not bad. Yeah. I'll get I'll get that one made just for you. I appreciate it. What's the Jeffrey Brothers shirt you're wearing? Um, so me and my brother have this uh, running joke. Like every time we're doing something around the house, it's... Uh, Jeffrey Bros construction. Uh, this one's Jeffrey Bros lifting, actually. But uh, I think he actually he's uh, he works in medicine and does something that I don't understand. But uh, I think he actually just uh, wrote his taxes as Jeffrey Bros Medical. So now uh, we're wow. an official business. Wait, but didn't you say that your brother trains too? Uh, he used to back in the day. Uh, not anymore. Now oh, he does. Okay. Uh, oh, guy stuff. But you said he's got a mullet and a and a and a stash. Yeah, yeah, and he's a healthcare provider. So wow, imagine that. Man, so you yeah. go to him like what? Like a, he's not a doctor, though. No, he's a physician's assistant. Wow! So you go there, and he's looking like you with the mullet and the stash. Imagine, imagine this guy wow. treating you when you come to the doctor's office. That is unbelievable. Now, uh, with the win, did Danny, you know, being the great manager that he is, did he get you a new contract with Bellator? You getting paid? I think he's working on it. I, I don't come know on, anything Danny. yet. I, I told uh, I told Danny and my other agent Jake to kind of leave me alone a little bit this week. Oh, um, they're wow. not doing that great of a job about it. i just wanted to kind of relax and uh rest my brain a little bit you know but uh no I, I think they're working on that wait and they're not doing a great job of that they're bothering you is what you're saying yeah they're always bothering me incessantly yeah incessantly i mean to his credit i, I love them both i love them both to his credit literally two minutes after the win he asked me to have you on the show i just want to let you know really yeah so uh, that's he's doing and he's a good guy by the way like why did you want to come on the show so badly uh, like I said, man, I've been watching this. I don't know. How long have you been doing the MMA Hour for? 2009. Years. I, I bet I've been watching it since 2009. Wow. That long? You're that just, hardcore just, of a fan? At a table just like this, eating my breakfast before work, watching watching the interviews from the day before. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. That means a lot. Thank you. Now, why didn't you ask to be on earlier? 
Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't think, uh, I mean, some dude fighting for like CFFC or something, you're probably not bringing on the show. Listen, I'm a proud Canadian too, all right? I, I should have I shot my shot. You should have shot your shot. There's a lesson there. You, you learned the lesson yesterday, but there's a lesson to be learned. Should have shot it earlier. Next time. Next time. Uh, when's the next one? I don't know yet. Uh, I think they're coming to Long Beach, California in October. I, I kind of liked the idea of going there. And then I think they're back at the Mohegan Sun um, in December. Maybe I can squeeze in uh, two more this year. Make it a five-fight year. Jeffrey versus Eblen for the belt. Possible? Yeah. Crazy. I think that's possible. You think it's, it's possible? Crazy. I think so. Why not? You don't think so? I don't Why know. Not? Who else is there in the middleweight division there? There's Musasi, who he already beat. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I don't know, a couple other guys. I think one of the guys he trains with, Dalton Rasta. By the way, what would be uh, what would be cooler for you? You versus Musasi non-title fight or you versus Eblin for the belt? That's tough. Um they're they're both pretty cool. I think it make would make more sense to go Musasi and then Eblin. Yeah. I mean, that's a legend but, right there. Uh, that's yeah. a legend right there. Like I said, man, my my life has changed completely in uh, in a very short time. It's an amazing thing. One day you're eating breakfast, watching MMAR. The next day you're in talks to fight Giger Musasi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wild. It's wild. Wow. That is amazing. Well, I'm very happy for you. Uh, congratulations. Thanks for putting out the tweet. A lot of your fans, followers, I mean, they were really pulling at the heartstrings. Oh, you call yourself a Canadian. You won't have a Canadian on. I mean, it's crazy, the stuff that I was reading. And uh, I finally, you know, tapped out. And uh, I was very happy for you. It was great. I will say, I like Austin a lot. I think he's a great guy. I was, uh, you know, bummed to see him get knocked out now. Two losses in a row Dude, for me him. Too. Yeah. I like him too. Yeah. He's, I didn't talk to him a whole lot, but he seemed super respectful. And that's why I'm uh, on the haters to, to slow down a little bit. Because, yeah, yeah he's a good guy. To put life into this shit. They don't, they don't need to be uh, treating him like that. By the way, though, like when you knocked him out, like what could you even describe what that felt like? No, no, it was crazy. My coaches were right on the other side of the fence. I don't know if you saw the finish, but I, I kind of just stood yeah, there yeah. like this, and it wasn't like me, uh, I don't know, celebrating. It was more like what just happened. Holy crap, right? Like, would you call that like an uh, out-of-body experience? It was. I said that actually in the warm-up room. I was uh, I was warming up, hitting pads, and moving around with my coach, um, and I kind of realized I wasn't even, like, controlling my body. It was almost like I was witnessing what was happening. Wow. And it was like an out-of-body experience yeah it was pretty crazy amazing well congratulations always great to see uh another young canadian do big things in the sport thanks for coming on the first of many aaron all right if you fight yes, for the belt at mohegan i'm gonna be there sitting cage side better be. with my canadian yes, flag let's do it man let's go all right all the best to you my man congrats <laughs> thanks ariel appreciate you man all right what an honor all right my my pleasure thank you so much there he is aaron jeffrey big win for him this past weekend uh, in Bellator in South Dakota, massive win over Austin Vanderford. And uh, now if you look at the Bellator rankings, I mean, a fight against Musasi, uh, heck, maybe even a title fight. Not the craziest idea when you win in that kind of fashion against someone like Austin Vanderford. All right. Uh, in about an hour or so, we're going to be joined by Luke Rockhold. Uh, how's the stream, Frank? Everything okay over there? Yes. Okay. Then parlay pals. Dun dun na 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 dun dun na 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 dun dun dun. All right. So we had an off week last week. Of course, it's been uh, you know much discussed. Frank was the only victor, the only one who got 
a pick right some way, somehow. But we're back on track. It's a big fight week. It's a big fight day on August 20th. So let's bring in the guys here. There they are. Uh, Mr. New York Rick joining us, as always, from his fuzzy background estate. And uh, <laughs> one GC rocking the, what is that, the Grateful Dead version of the Nigeria jersey? No. no. It's uh, just a Nigerian football jersey. Number one. You. Football or soccer? Soccer. Football. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're, if sure. you're, you know, we got. If you're a man of culture. Wow. Look at that. Oh, we got the nightmare. Wow. Is that a Newsman jersey? Yeah, nightmare. Nigerian I mean, nightmare. Did you is that custom? Yeah. You're that big of an Usman fan? I like Usman a lot. Wow. Uh, I had like I said, I've mentioned one time on the show, he has finished a number of parlays for me. He's, you know, typically main event. He typically wins. Uh every time he's been in the UFC. I had had a few beverages. You just won, did it. Won a parlay. I was like, let's do it. Let's get it. Wow. I mean, it's a sick jersey. Come it is on. sick. Like, the Nigerian is... jerseys are sick. The nightmare. Yeah. Wow. I guess this is a sign of things to come for you, at least. Maybe your pick is Usman. We'll find out in a moment. We're going to see. Frank, how do you feel about his jersey? Feels like a bit of a homer pick, no? I just hope that they don't start losing. Yeah. Oh, what are you trying to say, Frank? I don't I mean the Frank is Frank is I think Frank has burners and he's the one pushing the shirt curse. What's the shirt curse? People claim that when I wear a shirt of a fighter in support of a fighter they lose. So wow. if, if Leon Edwards we'll say it now, if Leon Edwards wins this weekend, it's official the shirt curse is in. So, okay, uh I'll ask a different type of question, same type of thing. If Leon Edwards wins, you will then never wear the shirt of a fighter that you're picking or wanting to win. I'm going to be hesitant about it for sure. Wow. I'll this, be very nervous. This can't I mean, be a thing. I think the superstition only works if you Lupita give it power, last week, but, Jack Shore, yeah. Kai. Right. Were you wearing a Serrano shirt to the fight? I wore Amanda Serrano shirt. Right. Oh, these are really starting to add up. Maybe we should just do what Rick does: black t-shirt, black t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> you Keep can project. To like, oh, this is a big test for me now. I'm actually a little bit nervous, uh, Frank. I mean, I would imagine you're the opposite of nervous, right? Yeah, I'm completely confident. You're feeling good. Yeah. You're on a winning streak here. You've won three in a row. By the way, do we get the psh, MMA hour parlay thing? Thank you for that. I mean, I like it. I feel like it should see the light of day. All right, let's not. Uh, and by the way, am I allowed to, is just for the record, BKFC, PFL, UFC, Joshua Usyk, those are all in play here. UFC. What? DraftKings currently has. Oh, this is, I mean, again, as like last week I wanted Bo Nickel, then Pat, I can't even do PFL? They only have four PFL fights up. What do they got? And they don't even have Kayla or uh, Pacheco. I mean, this is crazy, dog. All right. Here it's unfortunate. We go. So, yeah, you're pretty much sticking the old UFC. Draft simulator? Draft simulator. But, I mean, you're, you're burying the lead here. The big news that uh, got broken yesterday, the parlay will be boosted oh. this week. Wow. We're just going to give there you some are. odds here and then yeah. a rough estimate of what it's going to become. It's going to get boosted. We're going to be on the front page of DraftKings, both the web page and the app. You're going to see the MMA Hour logo on there. You're going to be able to just click it, and your bet slip's just going to get filled up with our parlay. Wow, yeah, a lot of people were asking you about this, right, last week? Yeah, even though we explicitly said on the show it's going to start with UFC 278. Right now, it's only going to be for pay-per-views. Uh, but here we are, UFC Which I think is crazy. I think it should be for all cards. 
We, we're taking baby steps with DraftKings. All right, fine, it's fine, baby fine. steps. We've accomplished this much. You know, a few weeks ago, this was just a dream. And now here we are. It was all a dream. We used to read Word Up magazine. All right, so that's big news. Uh, can we get the draft? I'm very anxious. I want to get back on track. I want to right the wrong of no, we last ha- week. We actually have to get back on track. Beautiful. The order will be number one, Ariel. Number two, Frank. Number oh. three, Eric. Number four, Connor. Oh, my God. I'm first? I hate this. Um, can I just say one thing about uh, DraftKings website? Sure. How come when I go on it, I can't see like the, the, the props or anything? So are you on there right now? Sportsbook.draftkings.com. Uh, right up there at the top. Total rounds. Sportsbook. Alternative total rounds. Home. Odds. Oh, here it is. Let's go to sports, MMA, UFC. UFC, okay. I've yep. seen this before. The problems between the chair and the keyboard. Hmm. It's interesting the way you say that. Okay, here we go. So it's fight lines, money line. I just go to best fight odds. I mean, I feel pretty confident in my if I'm if I'm going to be first. There's a few guys that I'm thinking about. I just want to throw them out there if I can. Um, Miranda Haven't Maverick. You learned your lesson we're, on that. we're doing this again. Uh, Miranda so when you Maverick. List eight people and you go seven of eight, and the one you pick just, is the loser. Just, I'm just telling you who I'm eyeing. Miranda Maverick, Sean Woodson. Uh, of course, we're also looking at Jared Gordon, Tyson Pedro, of course, Alexander Romanov. Luke Rockhold, Leon gave Edwards. You a, gave you a couple um, nice so props. Whole, so the whole card, gave you a couple right? yeah. nice props. Uh, I'm going to go uh, final answer, Frank. Do you have that thing like when they say final answer, who wants to be a millionaire, then it all comes in? There needs to be like another transitional. Yeah, I agree. We do, 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 do. We're building this. We're yeah. building this. I like that. A light show. Yes. Uh, I can't lie. I'm a little bit nervous to hear what you have to say. First pick, this should be, you know, just a lock. With my first pick in the 278 uh, Parlay Pals draft, I'm going with the pride of Australia, Tyson Pedro. Oh, that was good. Frank, that was good. Why do you you look so disappointed? Connor looks very disappointed. (laughs) He tried to steer me in a different direction Uh, earlier today. We've allowed him to change his pick in the past, right? what's What's so bad about this pick? He's probably going to win. He's and? probably going to win. So what's the problem? You're saying I should go over two and a half. No. For like the fourth time, under two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> These guys never, Listen, ever go to decisions. That's, I mean, those are the fights that always go to the decision, if you ask me. Listen, I'm happy with okay. it. All right, all right. Yes. Tyson your Pedro. Pick. Tyson Pedro is the pick. I mean, I think I'm going out on a limb. He's a minus 740. A minus 800 would have been better, but... I feel good about it. I offered it. you a minus 900. The under two and a half is minus 900. No, I'm going with Tyson Pedro. Uh, Rick loves it. Rick you loves it. Love it. Do you not like it? Tremendous pick. I hate it. Why? I think this is terrible odds. Really? I hate this. I what? hate this so much. You think, you think Pedro might lose? I just don't think Tyson Pedro should be minus 800 in a fight. Like, I agree. I it's just not. Wait, so should I change it? Should I go Miranda I think he's Maverick? Win. Miranda Someone's Maverick. getting blasted. That's all I know. Oh, so you? Yeah, I mean, this feels, this feels a little dicey, dicey. But look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride with you. If, if let's let's also pick. remember, he is fighting Harry Hansucker. Yeah. So you say it's safer to go with the this fight isn't gonna last because someone's getting knocked out. We just don't quite know who. Uh, That's again for the fourth time. For sure. Yes. Well, that would be the fifth time. Um, so you're saying I should go with Miranda Maverick? 
You do what you want to do. I'm okay. I'm going with Pedro. Pedro. Do I'm going Pedro. I'm going. Yeah. Do, do, you, yeah. I'm going Pedro. We'll you do what you, you want to we'll do. Ride with you. Of right. course, I'm going to ride with you. All right. Thank you. Who's ne- who's next? So that brings Frank us to our next, right? our next selector. There are a lot of Frank. names, a lot of people to pick from, but um, I'm going to do Sean Woodson. Wow, Sean Woodson is Frank. I'd love to know the uh, thought process behind the, the that. The reach. Yeah. The um. He's definitely he's that. built like a tank. Uh, minus three twenty for Sean he's built like a Woodson. Tank. <laughs> I feel uh, like that, he's built the opposite the of a tank, but uh, <laughs> it w- depends on what kind of tank you're referring to. Uh, <laughs> he does have the reach. Going up against Luis Saldana, who's plus two sixty five. All right, so there's two picks: Tyson Pedro, Sean Woodson. Who's next? Let me. Let me ki- I want to. I'm next. Let me confer with GC. Am I? Am, do I need to make a um a prop? Or no, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a prop. I'll right. pick a prop. Oh, oh there has prop. to be a prop. It's strongly yeah, encouraged it. that we do have a prop. Yes. That means yes. I'll take the prop. By the way, can, by the, by the way who's... You, if you like one, up, No, sorry, I got a prop. Who's encouraging this? The, we uh, are. The, the people at DraftKings. All right. The, uh, the powers that be. The yeah. Powers I'm that trying be. to think of the word for the Illuminati at DraftKings. All right. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the dark shadows in the suits that, that pull the puppet strings. Basically, look, we can't all just pick minus seven hundred money line props. What they, you know, why not? What they want, what they want is that they want props so like you can show the diversity that they offer on their sports. Got it. Got it. All right. Okay, so if my friend GC is confident in a prop, I'm gonna go money line fighter as well, and it can be none other than. Although, even Maverick on the table was interesting for me. Maybe Uh, who? It can be none other. Maverick. I, I like I like Miranda, but I am going to go with who I think is an even better pick and, and a little bit more money for the odds. The Nigerian nightmare, Kamaru Usman. Wow. Gotta, gotta, be, gotta be. Easy. Wow. Awesome. So, I'm sorry to, to all the Leon fans out there. But yes, how disappointed are you, time. Ariel, for real? You were telling me about something. Leon via decision is like a minus, uh, a plus 1,000? Yeah. I mean that's cr- I was books, actually going to pick few that. Books are hanging that. I was actually going to pick that as the ultimate H Dow. <laughs> oh, oh yes, I was going. I thought you meant for the parlay. I was like, that's that's your H Dow. Oh, I was going to do it for Le- both. Is Leon by decision? Listen, I'm, I'm, I like that it, for the H Dow. I have nothing against Kamaru Usman. He has something against me because you know he listens to other people in his ear. I posted a very nice video of the last time he was in studio on this program when I was hosting it, and uh, you know when you tag someone on Instagram, yeah, right? It goes to their DM. Saw it. Didn't even give me the double tap. I mean, come on. Wow. It, yeah. it, it said scene. Yeah, he saw it. it. Oh, it said scene. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Listen, mm-hmm. when you listen to people in your ear, who are t- and, and you know, I have another clip from that same interview where it's him talking about his relationship with Dana White and how Dana White doesn't show him the love and how he wants to get a meeting with him and all this stuff. You forget, not that long ago, Dana White was calling him Mr. 30%. You remember all that? And uh, right. there were... <laughs> To, there to were, be fair, that quote. That quote. There was, were people. Uh, there were people. You know, who had his back back then. That's right. Before the that's bright right. lights, before the days of not wearing a shirt. But you know, that's how, that's how <laughs> these things go in the sport. Uh, tremendous line by Leon. But yes, you. They do forget. They, they do forget. forget. They do forget. Um, in any what event, will not be forgotten. Is yes, Kamaru Usman uh, picking up the win on Saturday. All right. And do we have a method here, or is it just straight up win? No, uh, GC is gonna gonna take a prop. Just so straight up just win. Money Your line. prop is gonna be on the main event too. No. Okay. No. I'm not, all right. My prop will be on the co-main. 
It's a lot of disrespect towards Leon. Uh, go ahead. Paolo Costa. Mm-hmm. Luke Rockhold. Thank you, Frank. I was waiting for it. Uh, fight to not go to a decision minus 300. That will be my pick mm. for the parlay. I just think if it stays standing, Luke Rockhold, all five of his losses are by knockout. I think he's going to get knocked out. If it goes to the ground, I think he's going to finish Costa. Uh, Rockhold hasn't been to a decision in 10 years. Uh, wow. I don't think that changes on Saturday night. All right. So that gives us number two. Yeah, minus 300. I I like that as well. That gets us to plus 150. I can't say an exact number with the boost, but I'm guessing we can maybe get it to like plus 190, plus 200 maybe. Wow. Uh, DraftKings will have it up tomorrow afternoon for us. So to recap, Helwani goes with Pedro. Biggest favorite on the card. I mean, out on a limb. Uh, Mysterious Frank goes with Sean Woodson. Big reach. That's right. Built like a tank. Built like a tank. Depends on what kind of tank you're talking about. about. There are different (laughs) tanks. Uh, Rick goes with the Nigerian Nightmare, Kamar Usman. And I thought you wearing the shirt, and maybe we'll get this with your official picks, I thought you wearing the shirt would signify you being GC, that you're going with uh, Usman, but last pick. So you pivoted and went with Rockhold Costa not going the distance. Correct. All right. I can't let I can't let GC put that put that hex on him. So uh, I had to do it before he did. I may have already put the hex on him by wearing the shirt. Period. <laughs> That's true. And supporting him as a fighter. Uh, we're gonna find we're gonna out. We're gonna break it. I mean, this could be a yeah. I'm praying we break it. I'm praying we break it. Uh, it pays out plus one fifty. Hopefully, we can get that thing close to plus. How do you find if out? If not plus two hundred, they have an algorithm. They were like, yeah, we can maybe send you the algorithm at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially like twenty percent. And so, how do people get the boost? It's gonna you're gonna click a button. We're gonna put out a link. You're gonna click the link. It's gonna upload it right in your bet slip. There's gonna be a logo, boost. right? Oh, logo and everything. Wow, it's gonna be easy. It's we finally be super made it. Easy. And just ask well, it for we made a friend. It. We we don't get the boost, right? Why not? Huh? Do we get the boost? We'll have to use the link. Is what you're saying? Of course, we're gonna get the boost. All right. What do you think this is? Everyone gets the boost. Just making sure that we all get our boost. <clears throat> One simple button is going to put all four of our picks into your bet slip, and it's going to give you the boost automatically. That's and then you I can want. post right. the slips. And the only place you can get that bo- that boost is DraftKings Sportsbook. Soon we're going to have a TheMMAHour.DraftKings.com. Yeah, and it's just a live stream of us. <laughs> next to their their sports book <laughs> live stream beyond the show about, too us us talking and, about picks yeah. the streams Let's going do down um all right once I feel we get good. back on track <clears throat> yeah once we get back yeah. on track we'll, we'll we need back. to get back on track this yeah week, you guys uh, get back on track yeah okay. oh frank oh frank oh frank no one picking miranda maverick huh all right miranda maverick I, was a a good pick i w- i would have gone with maverick if the odds were um, they've gotten blown up closer to Camaro, but they've right. gotten, gotten they've up. gotten really blown up. She opened at like a minus three hundred. She's like almost minus six hundred now. All right, but yes, I, I like her in that fight. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, please. This is this related to, to our previous guest. Oh yeah, I can't believe. I mean, what a what a debut. I mean, just a man of of taste and class. Who Aaron Jeffrey? Uh, Aaron Jeffrey. Just what, what are you what talking a, what about? A, what a man. what a man. what a heel turn you, here. What a just as a, a, as a Canadian as a Canadian to go in there and and say your allegiance to BJ Penn. I mean, a man. Oh uh, yeah, that was I weird. Can't believe that he was even like you know it took this long to have him on. Tr- like wow. tremendous debut. By the way, Aaron Jeffrey. come on, the Justin Trudeau 
resemblance is pretty sure. uncanny, right? Yeah, it looks exactly like him. It's yeah. crazy. It's like a mix of Justin Trudeau and Ashton Kutcher, but it's really Justin Trudeau. Like if you can just it looks like Justin Trudeau wearing a mullet and a fake mustache. I think that was probably part of the reason he did it. To yeah. to be like, all right, I, I need to I move to away from this. this. Look up and, and <laughs> make some bolder choices here. Uh, tremendous. Well, it's been a very uh, entertaining day so far. We still have Luke. You know, uh, and we've had angry Luke over the last few months. He he shoots from the hip. I I I don't find that it's angry. I just think it's very like, you know, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to speak from the heart, Luke. And I think he's become a, a very entertaining interview. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before we get to that, though, we do have to get to your weekend picks, GC. Sure. You so why don't you uh, you hit us with them? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's let's start it off. Uh, the flyweight unders have continued to be good to us, uh, so we are going to continue to ride them. Uh, Albazi Figueredo plus one forty. Um, Amir, 12 of his 15 fights, have not gone to a third round. He's got eight first-round finishes. Uh, I just believe he's the better overall fighter uh, in this one. Figgy Jr., he's been finished before. Uh, getting plus money on it. I'm going to keep riding this until the train runs off the tracks. Next up, uh, another flyweight under. We're going to get out of these out of the way early. Uh, oh, wow. If they both hit, I'm going to be insufferable. Uh, on the weekend, I can promise you that De Silva. He's never seen a third round. Twelve of his fourteen fights have ended in the first round. Whether he's the hammer or the nail, his fights do not go to a decision. Um, so I like that one to end early as well. We're sticking with the props. It is a heavyweight over. Probably will be uh, a little bit sweaty. Um, but if you just look at the guy's careers, Romanov, most of his wins are coming by submission. Ten of his 16 wins, three of his five wins in the UFC are by submission. Tybura, I think he's pretty solid on the ground, 82% takedown defense. He's never been submitted in his career. I think he can hold off uh, a submission even if it does get taken to the ground. Um, And when you look at Tybura, 12 of 15 fights in the UFC have gone over the one and a half. That's 80%. 60% for Romanov, three of the five. Uh, I think we can make it to the seven and a half minutes in this one. So uh, Solid logic. Oh, thanks, Frank. Of course. <laughs> uh, it should be a little bit sweaty, uh, but hopefully we can get there. Next up, a lot of people are going to be on the other dog in this one. Jose Aldo coming in at plus 105. I, I took Marav as soon as the uh, odds open. I'm not going to go against my guy from Georgia. I will back Marav Devalishvili. This is more of a homer pick. You said that the Usman pick uh, might be a homer pick, but I believe the Marav Devalishvili one is more of a homer pick, backing my guy from Georgia. I think the way that he wins is finding the pressure, getting this one to the ground. If he can't get it to the ground, he's going to get styled on by Aldo over the 15 minutes or even get finished. We saw him struggle against Marias uh, on the feet. I think he's going to get the takedowns. That's that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to I'm gonna lean on him being able to get the takedowns, even though Aldo having a gigantic sample size and a 90% takedown defense. Uh, the statistics and just the history of his career, you should probably be betting on Aldo. But as a Marab fan, I'm going to be backing Devalishvili, I, I like that. I got him at dog odds uh, before the line moved. Next up, Paulo Costa. Inside the distance, minus 160. Try not to overthink it. How does Paulo Costa win? Almost exclusively by knockout. 11 of his 13 wins are by knockout. How does Luke Rockhold lose? Only by knockout. All five of his wins are by knockout. You know, Three of his last four fights have ended in him getting knocked out. He's coming back off of a three-year layoff. Uh... Unless he gets this thing to the ground, I see Costa 
finishing them inside the distance. Yeah, Nothing. keep going. No, I mean, yeah. listen, I, I, was, I wanted to get the full uh, slate of picks, and then this is your time to shine, man. No, no, no. I, I, I feel you, man, I, and I appreciate that. Uh, lastly, I don't even know how to approach this. So we talked about the decision with Leon Edwards, you know, very big number on Leon Edwards by decision. So I took some of that. I took a little bit of action on Leon Edwards by decision. I mean, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just look at it, Usman, 10 of his 15 UFC fights have gone to a decision. Edwards, 10 of his 13 fights have gone to a decision. Um, you know, not counting the, the Bilal, no contest in that one. Edwards just, like, isn't really much of a finisher. We've, we haven't seen Kamaru knocked out in his entire career. There's nothing really that leads me to believe that he's going to get knocked out here. Plus, Leon isn't, like, that high volume of a striker. I just, I just don't really see him TKOing Usman. So I think his path to victory is by decision. And, and getting it that juiced, I, I think it's worth a, a small sprinkle because I do think this is going to be a tough fight for Usman. Wow, this is the ultimate curveball here. You wear the Usman jersey and you're picking Edwards by decision? That's not like my official pick. I just think the number is outrageous. It's just worth a sprinkle. Just worth a sprinkle because Usman is the anchor in two of my partners. I oh, think Usman's going to win. What got him to this point, the wrestling, what got him the win last time against Leon Edwards, the wrestling, he can always lean back on that wrestling. I think he's going to be the more active striker. Whether, you know, Edwards is probably the better technical striker, but I think Usman will be more active. I think he has the higher capability of knocking Edwards out. Uh, and I just think he's going to be able to outpoint him over the five rounds and, and, and still maintain the belt and and get it done i got him with miranda maverick we talked about her i think she's just going to ragdoll young we've seen her taken down in every single one of her ufc fights i think maverick's going to do the same here the game plan is clear stick to it take her down don't try to get cute you know just staying uh with your hands on the feet sean woodson frank shout out uh i do think he's got the range i think he's got the striking advantage i think Saldana's going to come in and try to use that pressure fighting i don't think it's going to work out for him uh and then I juiced it up a little bit more. Added Amir Albazi. I think he's. I think he's just better than Figgy. I think he gets it done. And I added Pedro. Yeah. Uh, to those same as well. So a lot of the similar ones we're finding in the uh, in Mara Parlay. So if one goes down, it's gonna hurt me. Uh, yes. Pretty bad. So hopefully it doesn't. Then I just Don't took a real talk. just yeah. it's nasty oh. chalk parlay. A uh, little bit of PFL action. Larissa Pacheco. Pedro Hunsucker doesn't go to a decision. Pudalova Wu over one and a half. It's like combined, like 16 of their last 18 have gone to a decision. Usman Edwards over one and a half. I really do think this fight goes long. High-level fight. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, and then close us out, last but not least, got to get a little action on it. Usyk oh, Joshua. Oh, I was wondering. Oh, look Take, at that. I'm taking Usyk round 7 through 12 plus 333. Uh, I think Joshua has to come out and know that he's not going to be able to just outbox Usyk to a decision. I think, you know, we've heard the quotes that, he thought that he could probably do that last time. I think he knows he cannot do that now. What got him to the titles in his career? Knocking people out. He flatlines almost everyone that he wins against. I think he's going to come out trying to do that. I don't think it's going to work for him. I think Usyk is just too just tactical on the feet. I just think he's such a talented boxer. I think he's going to be able to dodge the power, stay alive, and in the later rounds, uh, he puts Joshua out. I love the pictures. TKO. Yeah, that, earlier today. I mean, early. look at that get up. How are you going to bet against the guy that looks I like mean, this man? The, people are saying that he looked like a genie, looked like he needed a lamp. I think that's some kind of traditional Ukrainian outfit. So, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful. He looked somewhat 
terrifying and intimidating. I like how Joshua always shows up with the athletic gear and yeah. the Under Armour yes. stuff. <laughs> this dude with the mustache, the hair. He we have that like, footage, right? Don't we have he, that? He looks like his dad picking up uh, his kids from soccer. We do have that footage. I mean, uh, what a stare down. Frank, did you see this? I mean, what yeah, do you... That hair is amazing. Tell us about the outfit, Frank. What do you think of it? I approve. You like... <laughs> But the hair especially. The hair is great. He's got like a... When he turns, you can really see it. He's got um, like one just like strand there, right? Yeah, what would like you call it? one curl almost. It's amazing. I, I respect Joshua fist up pose. The entire time. You like Big it. respect there. Doesn't I mean, he doesn't even move. He doesn't take it down. He doesn't, doesn't take, take it the down. fist down. That's respect right there. It looks like he just came uh, from a run and there you have uh, Usyk just standing there all <laughs> stoic. Very uh, still. Yes, uh, he's got the Fu Manchu going. And look, when he turns, it's really something. I'd love to know what that's called. What is that called? Shaved head, skin, right? But just like this one little thing, comb over. I don't even know what that is. It's incredible. Look at E. Hearn in the back looking stoic, too. Yeah, always. He's got the double-breasted, I believe, over Uh, there. Also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, does Joshua only have one earbud in? So I believe the reason why he's wearing the headphones is because... um, some of the questions I think were in Arabic. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and also, I believe Usyk and his coach don't speak English, so there was a translator going on. So I think that's why he was wearing that. But Saturday. it was a Beats one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saturday's gonna be sick. What are, what are we doing Saturday, guys? I mean, golly. Well, what are me and Frank doing? Well, me and Frank will be out in the town celebrating, uh, you mm-hmm. know, all the beautiful sports that are going on throughout the day. The Nottingham win. We got a Hopefully. lot of heat for the way we said Nottingham last week, by the oh, way. So what do we say? Nottingham? It's supposed to be Nottingham. Like Nottingham. You, don't, you, don't, you don't pronounce the H. We got uh, a lot of heat for that. I do have a friend that's jumped on board to the Nottingham train. Oh, multiple friends at, have jumped on board. We're actually incorrect for calling it Nottingham. I think we just call it Forest. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Someone oh. who lives in Nottingham hit me up and was like, yo, there's two clubs here and they hate each other, so you got to call it Forest. Wow. I hope I'm right on that, or I'm pulling well, I'm a sure Frank East London know. type thing. Excuse me, sir. What's that? Oh, right. Accident. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, I think there were plans to go watch together, but Frank broke the plans yesterday, right? We're not getting into that, especially because I'm not allowed to say why mm. um, yet. Okay, but got they're, it. They're in flux. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to give away your... I think you were. Yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. No, I was not. I would never do that. Not like when uh, GC mentioned the bird watching thing like two months before. <laughs> right. Remember that? Exci- we were so <laughs> Who excited knew? for it. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Um, all right. It's going to be a great day. I can't wait to watch it all. It's all going to be happening at the same time. And then it will all culminate with Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman, late Saturday at around, oh, I don't know, 11 p.m. Mountain Time over in Utah, right? Shout out to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, they're saying, you know, I'm starting to be a little skeptical of this uh, sold out gimmick that they're doing because, like, even yesterday, Dana was doing media, like, we still have tickets, but it's going to be a sellout. And then Nate Landwehr on Monday said, oh, they cut off the arena and they put everyone on one side to make. Did you notice that? I don't know if you guys noticed that. It feels like it's starting to become a bit of a gimmick where they want to say 22 in a row, 23 in a row. Wait, they did that in San Diego? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice. Landwehr said it. Yeah, because they shoot it only one way. Huh. He said it. He's like, the way they cut the arena and it was half the... I was like, what are you trying to say, Linewire? Wow. Clarksville's finest? Clarksville's finest. Um, but I suspect a, a pay-per-view. I mean, you go to Utah, you expect a sellout, right? I would, I would think so. I think they're going to sell it out. Um, all right. It's going to be great. 
Shall we answer some questions? Please do. In about 25 minutes uh, from now, hopefully we're going to be joined by Luke Rockhold, our final guest of the day. It's been a very entertaining day, but uh, until then, let's go to everyone's favorite segment of the week. Shall we? It's time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. So we'll do a little here on the front end. A little rock cold meat sandwich in the middle, and then we'll finish up on the back end. How about that? Yeah. Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. So when they're cutting this up, they could just ignore that I said all this and put the two parts together. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Thanks. All right. Here we go. Wow, how about this? Uh, I believe this is the first time that this happens. Moderator Lewis, who does such a great job of putting together all the questions. Frank, would you believe it? He's first up. Good afternoon, Ariel. This is from the great Lewis Gilmore. In recognition of the one-year celebration and return of the show, with all that it has brought, I return to the original Ask Me Anything post to find a question that... A, was not answered. B, is as relevant now as it was then. I found such a question. Over to a familiar name, one Troy Farkas, TST, August 18th, 2021. How about that? So I guess we're going back to, oh, so his question, he's not even, he's just, what a mensch. He's just setting up the first question. How about that? That's a That's a great producer- moment here from from Lewis, from moderator Lewis. He went back into the archives, August 18, 2021, the first time we ever did On the Nose. I don't even think it was called On the Nose back then, and got a question from our old pal TST, who asked back then, I guess we didn't answer it, when you look back at your earliest days covering the sport and where you are now, in which area do you think you've made the biggest strides? Wow, what a question. Huh. I will say that I feel a lot more comfortable just being myself. I used to feel like every moment of every show needed to be guest, 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 segment, segment. And now, you know, we'll leave 30 minutes open, an hour open, and I don't worry about how are we going to fill the time. I feel very comfortable. And a lot of this came when I was at ESPN I feel very comfortable just being myself, being a personality who can just rely on himself to fill time, say what's on my mind, not be worried about saying something that might upset someone. If you say something that's with respect and backed by facts, people are still going to get mad, upset, whatever, but as long as it's not disrespectful, I can live with that. So I feel like developing that voice, feeling comfortable in the chair by myself, so to speak. Obviously, there's other people here, and that's why I love having the other people here, because I can play off them and ask them questions and not truly feel alone, but, I mean, sans guess, I feel like it's something that has been developed over time. I feel like, uh, as an interviewer, I've gotten better listening, asking follow-ups, being confident, being confident in my skin. But, you know, I still, you know, I say this, but I still feel like there's a ton more to do and a, a ton that I could get better at. Like I could pinpoint five things today that I hated about today's show. And that has nothing to do with the stream, like about my 
my own quote unquote performance. So we are a long ways away, but I appreciate that. Danny Breezy, my dear friend, Hilwani, our boy Rocky, finally getting that title shot this weekend at UFC 278. My question is this. What do you feel is the best route for Leon after he defeats Kamaru on Saturday in terms of excitement for the division? Get revenge on Jorge for the three-piece trilogy bout with Kamaru, the fight we have all been waiting for with Hamzat. All good options, but I feel like the buildup for the Leon-Jorge fight would be wild. But does Jorge need a win after three straight dominating losses to justify making that bout? Probably. Would love to hear what you think. All up to the nose. If he fought Jorge, it would be very much like when Michael Bisping fought Dan Henderson after he beat Luke Rockhold. That was a fight where if Rockhold was still champ, Henderson's probably not getting a title shot, but the reason why Henderson got the title shot was because it was a rematch of a fight that happened in UFC 100, and they had a rivalry. So if they went the Jorge route, which I don't think is a crazy thought, that's the only reason. That being said, I do think it's a long shot. If Leon wins, I would say the front runner for his first title defense would be a trilogy fight with Kamaru because Kamaru has been so good because he's won 18 in a row because he's defended the title four times and pound for pound, all that stuff. I'd say that would be number one. If he is not available, I would say if Hamza beats Leon, that would be number two. And then number three would be Jorge. But yes, a ton of possibilities, a ton of options. I saw Dana say that if Leon, excuse me, if Nathan beat Hamza that he might get a title shot. I was like, man, how's he getting this title shot? Are we just going to ignore the whole contract thing leading up to the fight? Is that just going to be something that we're not going to talk about and pretend like isn't out there in the open? It's not out there in the open. In any event, um, I would say those are the three options. Probably Kamaru Trilogy would be at the very top of the list. Usually when a dominant champion loses, they run it back right away. Chasanga. My good friend, one of the best to cover the sport. Happy anniversary, Ariel. My question is this. Will Leon Edwards actually get his flowers if he beats Kamar Usman, which myself and the great, powerful Pete C. Carroll have predicted for the last two years this weekend? Yes, that is true. The MMA community always seems to find a way to rain on his parade. It is a good point. It has been quite the journey for one Leon Edwards, and he has had many a setback, dating back, of course, to what happened in 2019. He gets this big win in London, and all of a sudden it's completely overshadowed by the fact that Masvidal punched him backstage and he never got revenge. And I always thought that that should have been the fight. And they went in a different direction. They went with Askren versus Masvidal. He never got that opportunity. And then, of course, they go back to London the following year, and it's the first event canceled by the pandemic, and he can't seem to get a fight. Um, And then he sees, you know, Colby fight Woodley. Um... And other fighter, Gilbert Burns as well, gets that opportunity. So he's had some bad luck. Even the eye poke situation didn't do him any good. Even the way he beat Nate and that last minute kind of overshadowing the performance didn't do him much good. Um, But I think if he beats Usman, you know, come hell or high water, he's going to get his flowers. Now people might say, oh, you know, it was boring or "Eh, he didn't deserve it. You know, there's a million ways. And I agree with the pick. I can't see, I could see Edwards winning, by the way. I can't see him stopping Usman. So I do think that plus 1,000 pick from GC is a worthy pick and a really interesting pick, especially with those odds so crazy. Um, And then when you think of a decision and how good both guys are, is it going to be like a 48-47 where people are talking robbery? You know, 
you hate to see that, you don't want to see that. So yes, I could I could think of a multitude of ways. But yeah, what a moment, especially for the UK scene, for those that have stuck by him, that have, uh, you know, supported him, where it seemed like, you know, there's some guys where it seems like they only have to win a couple in a row and they'll get a title shot. A Yeri Prochaska, two in a row, title shot. Other guys, they've got to do so much. So much has to go their way for them to finally get a title shot. Leon's in that category, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of happy people who will want to celebrate him if he's able to pull it off. Uh, Luis, Luis Diaz. Hey, Ariel, this weekend, Luke Rockhold, excuse me, this past week, Luke Rockhold spoke with CBS Sports's Shaquille Majuri, does a great job, and referenced two to three managers being in the pocket of the UFC as a contributing factor to fighter pay issues, specifically that they won't speak up. Is he onto something? What's your take on this? Of course he is. And you know who we're talking about, especially one in particular, but there are multiple. There are many managers, I would say, in this sport, and there aren't that many in total, but the vast majority, or I'd say maybe the majority, let's just put it that way, who are more concerned about their relationship with the UFC than their relationship with their clients. What I mean by that is it's more important to be in good standing with the UFC than to fight for certain things that would benefit their client who has five, six, seven years in the organization. And so you'll have, you know, 80 or so fighters on your roster and it's good to be that factory where you can, you know, get your guys in and tell them, look, I got you into the UFC and I got you this, I got you that. But ultimately, if you have this cozy, like you obviously want your manager to have a great relationship with the brass, 100%, but not so good to the point where you're like, you know, hanging out and drinking beers together. I wouldn't want that for my manager. I want there to be some, I want there to be a lot of respect, but also a little bit of tension because, you know, when we're, Ah, I just poked myself damn in the face. How about that? When you're fighting for something, there's going to be tension. Did you guys see what just happened? I had a pencil and I just literally poked myself right in the chin. When there's tension, when you're arguing, when you're, when you're, when you're negotiating, there's going to be tension. But then at the end, you can shake hands and walk away. Um, I think one of the managers that's in a really great spot with the UFC right now is Tim Simpson of Paradigm. I know he battles them, but I know there's respect on both sides. He's not out drinking beers and hanging out with them. There's this mutual respect. They'll battle. They'll make a deal. They'll shake hands and they'll be on to the next. I think that's a very healthy relationship to have. I don't think it's healthy for you to do things like you're working for the company to be a house manager for you to get clients from other managers who can't cut a deal with the UFC and bring them you know, to the UFC and say, hey, look, this is what I did. Like, I think that's very unethical to go to someone else who's represented by another manager on behalf of the UFC, who's in not such good standing with, you know, the the company and try to cut a deal with them and be sent on their behalf as a quote-unquote house manager is just not a good place, in my opinion. But there's some people who feel like that's the best spot to be in and best for their career and best for their longevity in the sport and all that stuff. Um, but if you're asking me if what Luke Rockhold said is accurate, yes, what he said is accurate. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know that probably pissed you off, Frank, but I couldn't help it. Music it, to my ears. Adriano. Hi, Ariel. I'm a massive Seinfeld fan. Can you just mute this for one quick second? Hi, Ariel. I'm a massive Seinfeld fan, so I always get a kick out of when you try to get the crew into it. Out of everyone you've worked with, I would assume you're Jerry. Who is your George? Who's your Elaine? 
and who's your Kramer. You can also add who would be your Newman. Appreciate everything you do. Congratulations on your one-year return to a platform and stage where you are valued and belong. Wow, what a tough one. Uh, I don't know if I could do that. I would probably say Elaine would be New York Rick, right? Been around together the longest. You know, we've had our our our, our ups and our downs. But like, you know, ride or die, right? I would probably say Newman is Frank, right? How dare you. <laughs> I don't even know if any of you will even understand these references because none of you watch Seinfeld. I mean, look, there's a difference between watching Seinfeld and like knowing all of the nuance to Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I'm more in the first category. Oh, you are? Yeah, I mean, I've seen shows, episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. George and Kramer. T- I, I feel like a George. If I you feel like a George? Yeah. All right. I'll give you George. Elaine will be uh, near Crick. I don't know if it's fair to say Connor's Kramer. Although I, I actually feel, I feel comfortable with that. Makes sense. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, like Kramer's just like, he's always down for a good time. You're down to show up here. You're down to show up there, you know? I, I feel like that's that's accurate. Burst into rooms unannounced, yeah. Yeah. Sure, I'll take it. But this uh, is assuming you're Jerry, right? Who's George's dad? <laughs> <laughs> my my namesake. This is Frank Costanza. Uh, my Newman would probably be my arch nemesis, right? Um, but I don't have any arch nemesis. I, I feel like I get along with everyone. There's a guy on... TikTok that's been like doing modernized versions of Seinfeld. Have you seen my TikTok? Oh, you have one? Killing it these days. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Anyway, you should check it out because he does all the different parts and he does them pretty well, but it's like talking about modern things like, as if the show was still going on. Oh, wow. S- speaking of your TikTok, have you seen the uh, the Instagram account Ariel Helwani every day? No. It's a great account. What are you talking about? It literally are they mocking just- me? No, it just posts the exact same picture of you every single day. Why? <laughs> How many followers? Know. A million? Two million? Uh, I don't know if it has any. It just popped up. How on do you even family. know this? It popped up on my follower wow. recommendations. You found it's, it? Yes. I'm actually going to follow the it right now. The same picture of Ariel Hawani every day. I'm following it right now. It just went from four followers to five. To five. Oh, wait. We just followed it at the exact same time, so there's actually wow. six followers right now. now. Six followers. I mean, it's a great account. Shout out to Albert Entity, Jessica Zarco, Parry Punch, Kimish, Connor Burks, Ari Hawani. Frank, you gonna follow it? <clears throat> yeah. How would you even know such a thing? I'm gonna like the last one. There we go. Shout out to Ari Hawani every day. What? You couldn't have picked a better picture of me. Jeez, it's not one of my best, if I'm being honest. Uh, El Cubano, hola Ariel, happy one year anniversary, quick and simple this week. If Paulo Costa misses weight again this weekend, how would you handle him moving forward if you were the UFC? Would you let Costa go or keep him but refuse to give him a bout at middleweight moving forward? I would strongly, strongly suggest that he moves to 205. Remember when they said that he was going to move to 205? They were going to force him to go up? If he misses weight again, I feel like it's time. He's a character. He's entertaining. Not so reliable, uh, so I wouldn't necessarily get rid of him. But he is one of those guys where it feels like the end is going to come in a very dramatic way. And then he'll be fighting on some, you know, random card somewhere on some stream. Um, I do think like 205 might behoove him. 
So we'll see what happens on Friday. Hopefully we don't get to that point and it won't be an issue. Uh, Stefan, what's good? Or it could be Steven. You never know these days with the PH. What's good, Ariel? Looking at some potential non-title matchups in the welterweight division this week, I've seen rumors of a Wonderboy Kevin Holland fight for MSG November. I had a couple questions. How do you feel about this? Don't hate it. Is this another fight where Wonderboy could get dominated on the ground? Hmm, with Kevin Holland? I don't think so. Or will this be a more exciting performance where both are looking to put on a show? More the latter. Is Kevin Holland in need of a win over big names like this? Yes. If so, is Steven Thompson the right choice to bolster his popularity and ranking? Sure. I like it. How much longer do you see Wonderboy competing? One or two more years? Could this be his last fight with the UFC? I think he signed a deal not that long ago. Depends on how it goes. But we're certainly reaching the end. There's no doubt about that. Matt in Montreal. Have you ever wanted to walk away from MMA slash interviewing people? If so, what would you do? Yes, I have thought about running my own promotion. I have uh, long believed that I'm the best promoter in MMA and that I can run the business side of things better than anyone. Um, no, I mean, obviously I've, I've thought, you know, there's a few like bucket list things that I would like to do and some I've had a chance to do. I got to do sideline reporting, got to do a whole bunch of stuff like host radio, be on sports center, this and that. Uh, I would love just once, just once, if I could put it out there, I would love to be a character on a pro wrestling show. I really think I could be like a really good heel manager. And wouldn't you know it, you know, heel Wani, I mean, I feel like it all kind of flows perfectly. Would love that. That would be great. Um, as far as like my actual job is concerned, no, I'm very happy interviewing people. I, I still really, really love it. Um, are there moments where, you know, you get tired of something or you get a little annoyed about things or less? Yeah, sure. There's ups and downs, but I still feel very interested. You know, I was like considering at one point, oh, would I like doing this exact show, but for this sport or that sport. And I love the Aaron Jeffries of the world and the Rory McDonald's of the world, the Tom Aspinall's of the world. Like I love these characters. I love these stories. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The fights are great. They're entertaining. They're big. You look forward to the thing that keeps me interested, motivated, excited to be a part of this sport, if you will, covering it, doing this show are the characters, are, are the fighters, are the personalities. I think that they're the best in all of sports. And so the fights are are great, but it's the personalities and getting this type of connection with them, interaction with them, that's what makes me still love doing this all these years later. Steve Pitts. <clears throat> ah, thank you for asking this. Hey, Ariel, what do you make of Dana White admitting they should have re-signed Shane Burgos? He said, this was to Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports, 100% mistakes were made. A hundred percent. Big mistakes were made over here. In the past, Dana has said he wishes the best for the fighter, but doesn't really comment about wishing they re-signed a fighter. If Dana was more involved, like in the past, so you think he gets a deal done with Shane? Thanks and have a great day. <clears throat> Thank you for that great question, Steve. Um, what a fascinating, I mean, there was a lot in that interview that you know we can talk about, and I don't know if anyone else is going to ask about any other parts, but as far as the Shane Burgos comment, to me, it was fascinating for multiple reasons. Number one, here you have, this is akin to the owner of, let's say, an NBA team. And let's say a big free agent walks away. Let's say <clears throat> RJ Barrett walks away and goes to sign with the Chicago Bulls. And all of a sudden, James Dolan is doing an interview. He wouldn't do an interview, but, you know, just stick with me here. And he's like, you know, he's talking to the New York Post. And he's like, yeah, we messed up. 
we should have signed him. I don't know what happened there. We messed up. That was a huge mistake. I wish him the best, but like, man, we effed up. Completely throwing his GM under the bus, right? The same thing just happened here. Instead, he was talking about the matchmakers, <clears throat> Sean Shelby and um, Hunter Campbell, who's general counsel of the UFC. That's exactly what was happening here. Now, I go back to what I've said about the business. I don't know what's going on in my throat. <clears> throat> uh, over the last year, he's not as involved as you all think he is. And so, yeah, would the Dana White of 2009 have said this? No. Would this have happened under his watch? No. But when you're throwing 80 as opposed to 98 back in the day, these things are going to happen. And that's not me knocking him. Them's just a fact. This is something he said. He literally said it himself, proving my point. Not as involved, not as, you know, um, invested, doesn't have his finger on the bus because he won, because he got the big bucks, because he made it, he succeeded, he won. That's what I've been trying to tell you guys. This is exhibit 200 of, of what I've been saying. It's an amazing thing. And if I'm Shane Burgos, I'm like, wow, I feel great. I'm getting these types of comments. Dana's saying that we messed up. We should have signed them. There's no hard feelings. And I'm getting paid in PFL way more than I would have gotten in the UFC. What a win-win for me. Incredible. But this is just another example. And I don't think that this is the type of comment that would break through into like the general sports. But if an owner said this about his GM who just let a free agent walk away, it's, it's an incredible statement. It's an absolutely incredible statement. It would very rarely happen. I know it may have happened once or twice, maybe a Jerry Jones comment here or there. Jerry Jones works as the GM, but someone may have said it in the past. You don't hear this often. Everyone is in sync. Everyone knows what's going on. And of course, we're talking about 400 versus 15 or 53 or whatever the case is, but you've never heard Dana say something like this before. So yeah, I do think if he was more involved, he would have known about this. And I do think this is an example of him being less involved. Him not knowing about this or him saying that mistakes were made or him saying that we should have you know, done X, Y, and Z is an indication, uh, an admission that he is less involved. He's not getting involved. Like they didn't talk. Even, even Shane himself said it. <clears throat> he didn't talk to him on the way out. Now, I know there are people out there who are just like full on, you know, you can't say anything critical, anything negative. Who was like, this is Ariel hating again. No, this is Ariel telling you the truth. This is Ariel telling you what the vast majority of the other people covering the sport who want to, you know, get a pat on the back and their great little Zoom interview with Dana White, who won't tell you because they're afraid to tell you this. This is the people who will sit there and let him tell you stuff that are blatant lies that you know our lies, and it'll be like, yup, uh-huh, uh-huh, yup. Oh, these fights are going to be bangers, boss. Boss, these fights are going to be so great. Those Apex fights are great, boss. No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not being a hater. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes the truth is great. 98% of the time, it's can't wait for Leon. Can't wait for this. Can't wait for that. But then 2% of the time, it's like, hey, finger not on the pulse. Throwing 80 not 98. I'm sorry. One day you may say the same about me. Certainly not now. <laughs> not now. But one day you might say it, and I'll have to live with it. A. Feldman, MMA. Oh. <clears throat> this can't be good. I just got a video from Luke Rockhold. Should I play it? Can you mute my microphone for a second? Is it muted? 
Uh, he was just telling me that he's ready. Is he in there? He is, yeah. That's what we were doing. Oh, okay. Wow. Luke is going to do... <laughs> this guy's the man. Uh, all right. Let's take a pause here. 10 questions. We'll finish uh, the rest uh, after this great interview, but this is one of the biggest fights happening this weekend, so you can get rid of those questions. Massive fight. Three years in the making, the return, the massive return, the much-anticipated return of one Luke Rockhold, the former Strike Force middleweight champion, the former UFC middleweight champion. Yes, I remember talking to him last June. He said, I'm coming back. It's been almost a year since then. But this Saturday, he's coming back against Paulo Costa, and he's kind enough to join us. I think, like, from the... Are you, like, at the... First of all, that's a fantastic sweater, Luke. There's a lot going on here. Thank you for doing this, first and foremost. Always a pleasure, Ariel. Good to good to do it. It wouldn't be right, without you, honestly. I Have we ever done a fight without? I've never done a fight without you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're in like the the room where they do the like the shadow boxing thing, right? No, we're we're, we're I, I chose this room. I shut down the whole place just for you. You know, we got the whole cameras. We got the light. We got the lighting ready. I got the background. We got it. You know, this is this man. is fight night interview room. This is incredible. Are they mad at you that you chose to do this right now? Dana's having a hissy fit right now. Is that true? Oh no! I mean, if Dana knew, if Dana knew, I was probably doing it with you. Might come on. Listen, no. you've said enough about you know the UFC data. This is like number ten on the uh, the list of things. <laughs> I know, right? They, they must love me. You're the man. Uh, by the way, is that Lucy over there? Uh, Lucy is. Uh, she's she's hanging. Wow. Did you always bring her around? Uh, not always. No, I think I brought her. Maybe. No, I mean, I mean, she's just here. The first fight. It's three years, man. Okay, I know it has been freaking. <laughs> so three years. I, had, I had it the last one. <clears throat> she was a puppy at the last at the at the, the last fight, the only fight, you know. And uh, she was just puppy energy. Okay, but now we got both dogs. I got now I got now I got a uh, partner in crime to manage everything at the same time. So it's great. Can you describe what it's like three years later, uh, over three years, because it was July, so it's a little over three years. What is it like being back, doing this whole thing again, right? You're part of the process fight week, big pay-per-view. What, what, is, what is going on in your body, your mind right now? It feels good. It really does, you know? Uh, we thrive. People like me, we thrive off this, like, you know, these, these nerves and, uh, and those tests of life and... Uh, it's good to be back, you know. I know I'm not, I'm not here chasing this one to the end, and so it's like, you know, it's like I'm doing this because I want to, and not because I need to. So it's, it's, uh, there's a sense of relaxation that uh, that I have in this in this time, and, and I'm just ready to fight, man. It's it's been a long time, and and the preparation and uh, this is all coming, you know, to to an end. And I'm just like, I want to go out there. I want to do myself justice. You know, I, I don't think I've I've I have done that in the, in the last five, six years. Ever since I won the title, you can see like the difference in my fight style. I was, it was forced. I was kind of reaching and pulling from places that wasn't me. I saw you say um, in an interview recently that like you were fighting with hate. Like hate was the thing that was pulling you. What did you mean by that? Uh, you know, it's a. Uh, after losing the title, you know, you get disrespected. This is a this is a mafia, the UFC. You know how it is. You know Ariel Dana ripped you from my seat that night, from from my event. He ripped you from there and ripped you out of the UFC for for doing your job. 
you know, and there's no rhyme or reason in this game. And uh, you, when you lose your leverage, these people try to step on you. And then you, and then you just fight back and it's a constant fight. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's annoying. It's fucking sick. It's disgusting. It needs change. I'm not scared to say it. Everyone's like, Oh, I did DC and RC yesterday. And they're like, why now? Why speak up on fighter pay? Why do you do this now? Like you're just coming back. Like, don't you want to like, cause everything I'm saying is right. Everything I'm saying is true. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bite my lip and not tell it like it is. You know what I mean? And because wait till I get power and position, it's like, fuck off. This is, this is exactly how it is. And, and, uh, you know, it, it turned me sour in the, in the game. And it made me like go at this thing and force the issue and try to like, you know, injuries and all things, everything kind of came into, into B and losing kind of just creates a different mentality, you know, and you try to chase back and get to like where you're at. And I lost sight of everything. I got caught up in the whirlwind of his UFC and, uh, I lost the the reason, the why. The other thing is, some people, a lot of people have said what you have said, but they always say it on the way out, well, like when they're done, right? You're saying it now, still on the roster, on a pay-per-view, fight week, you're like in the room right now and you're still saying this stuff. Like there's nothing that speaks to you being afraid of any consequences. Have you felt any heat this week? Have you felt, like here you are, you're there and you're still saying it, which I give you infinite amount of respect for it. Do you feel like you're unwelcome or that there's any sort of tension there? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> no, not so far. Everything's been good. You know, everything's been great. They've been pushing me hard and I've been, I've been, I've been doing my job. <laughs> so, I mean, they got, they, they put a boatload of media on me. Like I've never like, you know, just as much as, you know, when I'm like champion. So it's a, uh, this, this is real. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to be me. I'm always going to be me. Um, now, at least. So uh, here we are. I'm going to fight. I'm going to go fight. I'm going to do, do what I do best. When, when did you start to feel this strongly about, like, the, the underbelly of the sport? Do you remember, like, what really kind of exposed? You know, I, I just posted last night an interview, like, me and you 11 years ago in Cincinnati. You're a fresh face. You're a young guy. You just won the belt. The whole career is ahead of you. I remember talking to you at AKA. You're, you're coming off a win over, I think it was Corey Devella. You don't know any of this stuff, right? You just want to fight and you're hungry. But when did you start to learn about, you know, how the sausage was made, so to speak, and it turned you off? Oh, I think it, it happened the moment I came into the UFC. Really? You know, there's not. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I came in and, and I, I was disrespected right off the bat. You know, I had to go fucking fight Vitor Belfort while they knew they were protecting him so he could do all the steroids in the world and be there brazilian fucking you know hero superhero down there and make drive the needle push, push the needle down there so oh i disrespect you make you go fight vitor belfort in your first fight in the ufc while he's just pumping full of steroids and like have complete disrespect for you yeah that was disrespect right off the bat the moment i walked into the ufc um i, I started to gain that respect back I like you when you learn leverage and you win and you start to like get you know get your momentum yeah it comes but uh you know, it's, it, it, life is a game of leverage, and I think it's not just the UFC. It's it's everywhere in business and life. It's it's an understanding your leverage, understanding your worth. You know, and and if you don't, people are always gonna fucking belittle you and play hardball. You know, the rich get richer, and it's just like it's always a battle of suppressing one and, and, and building another. You know, um, so it's it's not just 
the UFC. It's not just Dana. It's, it's really everywhere. You know, there's a lot, not a lot of fairness, not a lot of real true people in this game, in this world. Um, and Strike Force, it was different. You know, there was there was definitely like there was a hierarchy and there was a way to, to get up, but it was a lot more fairness and it was it was a lot more fun back then. So when you decided to come back three years out, was there any part of you that just asked them like, yo, I want to come back, but can you just let me go? Like, I, I want to be happy. I don't want, like, did you try to not come back to the UFC? That, that, you know, that doesn't exist. What are you talking about? They've done uh, favors oh, for come guys. Back, come back to the UFC. Come back to the UFC. They, they were not letting me go. They were you not. Know, did you try? Going. Did you ask? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, I was, it was, it was interesting. I mean, just like, you know, I had offers otherwhere, so, you know, elsewhere to do other things. And then, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. And I, I really didn't want to go anywhere. You know, I want to, you know, in the, in the fight game, I, you know, I want to be the best and I don't want to just chase paychecks. It's never been my thing. You know, it, it creeped into my mind maybe for a second, but I never really asked for it. never really went for it, search for it because, uh, I'm here to fight the best. If I can't fight the best, best i'm gonna move on to the next next subject uh so do you feel like like is this must win for you if if for whatever reason this yeah this is one two this is a one two punch man i'm coming back i've dedicated the last seven months of my life to just being the best you know fighter i could be you know and uh and mentally and physically prepared so um you know i've, I've chose paulo costa because i'm going straight for the jugular i want to fucking go straight down for the straight with the crown so i beat paulo costa now i'm right position for the world title mm. and uh and then that's it there's nothing else after that you couldn't bring me back do you have any fear because you've been so vocal that you won't get a title shot uh they wouldn't want to reward you it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. if i don't get a title shot then i'm just then I, I got plenty of other things to do right now but i feel like i've already won coming back and, and fighting this fight you know, just, I reached a lot, a low point. I think we all did in COVID. Mm. We all drank too much. All fucking were, you know, doing things a little bit different than what, you know, what we did in the past. You know, we're all living in a, in a madhouse, you know, in, in, in this craziness. We're all losing our minds. So we went to links. Henry Hoof. Calling Hello? you right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still got you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, and, and I was in a, in a place where it's like the time that I took, chose to take off, we just happened to hit COVID. Right. So it was like, that was the journey for me to be able to go do the things that I, I always missed. I never could do because I was fighting, but then COVID hit. And I was like, instead of being able to go do those things, I was just confined to that space. And so we all kind of, you know, we all drank too much, party too much. And, uh, you know, I hit a low point in my lifestyle kind of got me into some bad, you know, situations and relationships and different things. And it just really kind of broke me down. And, uh, and I, my body, all these surgeries I, went, I put my body through, I was like, I was like, I always had in the back of my mind, I might fight again, but, um, I didn't know I was going to do it until I could get my health back and, you know, and going through all these things and drinking on the weekends and like trying to train a little bit in the week. It wasn't balancing. It wasn't working. I wasn't getting my body back. And then I was, and it got worse and worse. And, and I was like, and all those things came into play and I hit the wall and I was like, I, need, I just need to stop this, this, all this needs to stop and, uh, stop drinking. I've been sober now for seven months and, uh, you know, the parts getting back into martial arts is what, what gave me like inspiration, creativity, and kind of made me who I was and gave me everything. And so, 
getting back into the fight game and, and cutting out all the bullshit, all that lifestyle. Um, my, everything started to come back together, you know, in my life. And, uh, the first couple months were just like invest in myself. You know, I partnered with a, with a company called Fount, a biohacking team. So just getting my nutrition, everything at its peak optimum levels to where I could be the best body I could be, you know? And then when, when you get the, the vessel, right, then the head gets right. And, uh, putting all those pieces in play. And then I was getting with Jason Perillo and, and Cheeto and I loved being down there. And once I really invested in, in myself, everything started to grow my technique, my skills, my body, my, 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 my injuries started to clean. And, uh, and then I, then, then that gave me like the understanding that, you know, I could still, I'm still the best at what I do and, and uh, I can do this thing. So, it, and then diving into that fight is only, you know, my life only got better. Uh, I saw that you did an interview with uh, Mike Bond of MMA Junkie, where you talked about like the turning point and some personal stuff that you went through. Can I ask you about that, or would you not want to? That's fine. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I know it's a touchy subject for people, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 real, and and we all, we should all have a choice, man. We bringing ill-informed kids into this world and not having a secure place to raise a child is is fucking dangerous. It's dangerous for everybody. You know, and you're creating more bad humans that aren't parented or aren't governed right. It's a, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a good thing. And, and it's not a good thing on in any end to make, you know, making the choice to, to take, to take away, take that away too. Um, it's just, but it, it is, it should be, you know, two people's choice and not anybody else's. So you were supposed Fucking to bullshit. have, you were supposed to have a child. Well, we were talking about it, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, I was drinking and there's a lot of, you know, and partying and doing things. And, and, uh, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was not like something I exactly wanted to do, but it happened. And I'm 37 years old and I was like, Fuck, maybe I could do this and, and, and maybe we could do this. And you start to like, kind of like put it together and think you can make it happen. And <clears throat> within that lifestyle, it's like, it is not really realistic and there's a lot of lies and untruths within that and that that only breeds and gets worse you know when you have something like that you start thinking about you know this connectivity and this the weight of of the whole situation as it grows week to week to week um and and your your, your timeline is, is limited uh seeing counselors and doing different things and trying to like piece it all together if it could work together if it could work apart and you know and all these things and and there was just not a lot of truth you know, and, and the lifestyle bred that, um, and that's, you know, and then having to make that choice, which I believe was the right choice. Um, we, we took that and, and, uh, it was about Super Bowl weekend of all places, of all times, you know, um, Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, it was, it's a, it was a cool, wild time, um, to do such a thing, but it, uh, it provoked so much change in my life and it really was such a low point. And, and, you know, wanting that, you know, I want that life, you know, to, to have a family one day, but you have to be prepared. You have to be in a, in a great position to where you have, you know, solid position on both sides of the, of the, of the table to raise, to do mm -hmm. something and, and financially and all these things, you know, it's like you, there's so many people in this world that, you know, that rush into things and they're not prepared. You got to know what you know, who you are, know what you want to pass on before you start bringing lives into this world. You know, people, people jump into it so quick and, uh, I just keep polluting the world, you know, with the, with that, with, with bad parenting. And I think that that could really, you know, we're trying to build a stronger, 
society. So uh, that's how I feel. So that's that's my point of view. And uh, my whole life has changed because of it. I've, I've just dropped everything and I've kind of recalibrated my brain to, to not ever want to do it back. You know, it's like, like in the fast in the in the fight game, it's always like, oh, what's the after party? I can't wait to go travel here, do this, mm-hmm. do party this, that. I don't want any of that shit. I don't want. I don't want to go fucking rip it and party. And I don't like. There's a lot of friendships I built along the way that aren't even true, you know. And because you're just you're always seeking this 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 lifestyle and this, all that shit. So it's a it's good. It's a happy place, man. It's a, it's not. It's a. You're in a happy too spot much now. Out there. You're, you're, you, you, yeah, great. you feel at peace. I see the relationship you have with Cheeto. It's a beautiful relationship. I saw the way you were reacting to his win. Why is that play Perillo of all people, right? The guy who coached Bisping against you. Why is that? Play, my world title. Yeah. Why, why is that play so good for you? Uh, it is, uh, I mean, it's, it's as real as it gets, man. It's a, it's an intimate situation and you don't, it's not like, big team where it's just everyone's fucking out to kill each other you know we're all trying to, to build each other and then uh, hone our skills and to be better people and there's so much honesty but then it you know Perillo's is is a sick fuck and i love him um you know i, I always liked Perillo even before you know and then it, that's the world mma is very small and uh yeah he did take my world title fucker mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> um you know, he tells it straight and, uh, and he always, you know, he always identifies the truth and, uh, you got to forgive and forget those things and, and grow, you know, what better person to understand that than, than him, and my weaknesses. <laughs> right. Really when it comes down right. to it. Uh, but you need someone to keep you honest in this game and someone you can always connect with and, and someone to motivate you too. some, you know, you got to learn from the youth, young kids. It's like, Life is like Benjamin Button effect. You always got to kind of have that beginner's mindset and keep learning. And, you know, no matter how much you know, you got to like just even pulling energy, you know, pulling little things, you know, like running a lot, you know, stabilization or running in the mindset of just getting out there and seeing how much Cheetos out, you know, all the road work he's putting in, you know, kind of inspired me to get on the road and that foundation, that balance when you get out there in the road and your mind and your legs and your body and the, like just the density in your legs, you know what I mean? That from running, it's like when your legs feel vulnerable, when you step in and get in front of somebody, it's a dangerous thing. It's like when your legs feel strong, your body fucking feels strong. It's the foundation that we're built on and uh, and all these things. And, and, and when you're out there running, it's like you draw the inspiration. It's like, you know, you can quit at any time, but or you cannot. And it's just it's all you and nobody else. So there's a lot of things I, I, I draw I draw from and, and, and drew from. But uh, I'm fucking stoked to be here. To to be there last week to see Cheeto get that moment and then literally go from there to here, that probably gave you a yeah. huge boost, right? It's fucking, it's motivating, no doubt. The nerves, everything, it feels like it's, you know, feels right. It's just lucky, lucky. I mean, am I lucky or not? Uh, you know, fuck, it's just, I'm blessed. Blessed to be where I don't like, I don't like luck. You know, if it doesn't feel right, you haven't earned it. And I feel like I've put, I've done everything. Right. You know, I haven't cut any corners and I've done exactly what I need to do. And, and the world works in mysterious ways. You know, when you put that energy out there and you put the right things in play, you know, it comes to you. And uh, I believe it's my time. Uh, any concerns that he doesn't show up or that he doesn't make weight? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit for sure. We'll see. 
What happens I mean, this, if he misses weight? A... <clears throat> I mean, to a certain degree, you know, I, I, but I need to know. I'm not going to kill myself to make weight, and then we're not going to fight on those terms. It's like I need to know, I'm, and I'm, I'm supposed to be getting updates every day here. Are you? So, like I have been week to week, and, and yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting an understanding of where he's at, and it, everything looks good. Um, but I can see it. I can see him, Paulo. It doesn't feel like he's fucking, he's all there. I like it. <laughs> I love it. I'm here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning myself and I can see that the more, the less I question, the more he questions. And it's like Paulo Costa is a guy that built off emotion and intimidation and fuck. He does not intimidate me one bit. I'm going to fucking kill him. If he fucking, if he thinks that's the case, he's going to get hurt real quick. Uh, what do you make? You, you follow him on social media. He's a bit of a oddball. I, I don't follow idiots on social media. <laughs> Well, okay, that that would answer that. Um, and and uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen some of his fights. Yes, you have. A, yeah, of course. You you have. St- st- uh, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> How do you foresee this playing out? I, you know, it's. I, I feel like at, at range, he's you know he's in jeopardy. I got you know my length and my my reach and. What I can do, I can hurt. I can hurt him on the outside. His little chicken legs are going to get eaten up. Um, and uh, and then uh, if he comes forward, he he's got to come forward. He's got to come after me. He's got to cross that line. And if he crosses that line and he oversteps his boundaries, it's like there's a massive difference between me and him and wrestling and, and grappling. Massive difference. And uh, you know, there's a small avenue for him to land his shots, which everyone thinks that is my weakness. Yeah, of course. But I've cleaned up a lot of things in my game, and, and when I'm not forcing the issue, when I'm not when I'm in there relaxed and patient, it's like there's no one that that can get to me, mm. you know. But it's about asserting myself too. It's about letting him know who's the man, who's the bigger fucking man. That's that's the problem with with Paulo. You meet him in the middle, and you show him what's up, and you threaten him. He's gonna hesitate. You know, he does not deal with adversity well. He's crumbled, you know, and it's only gonna get worse. You know, it's like he, Israel did, he set the tone. He set the understanding of like, you know, he just didn't back down from him and he, and he met him in the middle, make him hesitate and boom, he hit his shot. So, and Victoria, and then he, then he tried to like show miss weight. That's a weakness, man. He missed weight twice. He just, he was trying to gain an advantage. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to fight on unfair terms too. So it's like, I want this motherfucker to make weight or we're going to make the same exact weight. Fuck this shit. Mm. It's gotta be right. It's gotta be fair. You know, the O.L. Romero missing weight for a reason, to gain an advantage. You know, my last fight at middleweight was with the world title against Yoel, who missed weight by three fucking pounds. Not only that, and you know what, Yoel, you know you're doing some shit, Yoel. You know, Yoel's is like fucking, you know, he's doing everything he can. And I know how that shit works. These guys are, there's a lot of cheap-ass motherfuckers in the game. And I'm not, I'm not here for that cheapness anymore. Uh, two last things, and I'll let you go. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you doing this in this setting, especially. Uh, you're the freaking man. Um, this is something I talk about a lot and sometimes gets me in a little bit of trouble. You talk about it a lot. I'm just wondering, like, this whole thing about the business of the sport, like, would Luke Rockhold want to be, is Luke Rockhold the guy to bring change? Are you the guy to lead the association? Are you the guy that will will do this? That we've, we've, we've thought over the years, it could be this guy, it could be that guy. A lot has to change. You guys aren't getting your fair share. You're not getting anywhere near the 50% that other athletes are getting. The sponsorship, the collective bar, all the stuff. We could sit here and talk about it for hours. 
is this something that you're passionate the health, enough? The health protection. The health protection. Right. The pension. Everything. Yes. We're putting we're putting our lives on the lines, and these these guys are out there like you know, trying to act like they're doing the rest for us. It's like the business has changed, man. That there's, there's growth, and and Dana White's out there just trying to follow the Conor McGregor, you know, putting his putting his things and giving like more degenerate lifestyle kids like fucking you know what do you gift that kid somebody somebody told me a gift to that kid full sin kid like quarter million dollars for no reason yeah. 250k yeah yeah and then he's out there saying then no, i even heard it too but then people keep bringing to my attention that you know we get what we deserve trust me like come on dana shut up what are you doing what do you want to fight no, for this nothing's right do you want to have this i know it's it's, no, I don't want to head this. I don't want that. I don't want that battle. It's like you need to, you know, they, there's a lot that needs to change. But, you know, we all know there's like there's a few managers in the, in the UFC, UFC managers, you know, managing lots of fighters. And then they keep and contain these fighters for a reason. Right. There's like I've always because, said there's. Then, yeah. You got to have balls, man. Not a lot of these guys have balls and they don't have leverage. They don't have anything else but fighting. And that's, that's the thing that makes me dangerous because I have many avenues. I have a lot of things going. I have many, you know, I can succeed anywhere I want. That's what gives me strength and gives me power. What happens when you see Dana White this week, if you see him? Fine. It's business. Mm-hmm. It's business. There's nothing wrong with me. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm cool with Dana, but, you know, I'm gonna tell it like it is i mean he might not like the way i say it but it's like come on dog you know you know i'm not saying anything that's not real everything i'm saying is real he might not like it but it's fucking truthful so whatever you know what are you gonna do uh last thing we'll leave it on this i saw your instagram post about your good friend kane to be there yeah. and knowing where he is what, what kind of emotions are you feeling right now because the last time you fought, I mean, none of this happened. This is all very fresh. Uh, and I can read from the posters like a bit of a feeling like you're here doing your thing. You're fighting. You guys fought together. You came up together. And, you know, he's unfortunately behind bars at the moment. Yeah. What are you feeling knowing that he's where he is and where you are right now? Yeah, no, it sucks. Society sucks, man. There's a, it's not, it's nothing's fair in this world, man. And I, all this corruption, you know, breeds uh, in, and it's like, how how do, how are these pedophile guys not seen as violent criminals? They're charging these guys, but they're not convicting them all. And uh, it's just the this whole, yeah. I mean, it's like it comes down to the presidency right now. The presidency, you have a man that has dementia and Alzheimer's, and the, if that doesn't tell you the tale of like who, like they're just that's a big lie. Donald Trump is as bad as Donald Trump is. At least it was Donald Trump that you knew was pulling the fucking strings. You know, they have a guy that has dementia that obviously doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. And the people behind the scenes are the ones that really are using this man as a puppet and dictating it and deceiving people. The Democrats are the biggest evil motherfuckers of all, I think, really. I've, I've literally come to learn. You know, it's like they're the fucking wrong. You know, climate change, the climate change, climate change. But yet you're going to let pedophiles out and fucking hurting and ruining lives. Fuck off, dude. The world needs to wake the fuck up. All right. That's the end of that. All 
right. that good? All right, that's fine. Uh, I hope you're you're at peace, man. I I wish you the best. It's great to see you back, and uh, I hope you're in a good space. It seems like you're surrounded by good people. So go out there and freaking do it, Luke. It's been a long journey for you. You have seen it all. You have done it all in this game. I appreciate you very much, and I really appreciate you doing this here today. And can't wait to see you back and wish you the best on Saturday. Thank you. Let's do it. All right, you're the man. There he is. Luke, I'm like, was he getting kicked out right then and there? Um, wow. Okay, how about that? Uh, there's like an intensity there, right? When you're listening to Luke speak, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot going on right there. Uh, and by the way, pretty freaking wild that he was doing that interview in the in the room. I hope no one's upset about that. Um, that's where they do like the uh, the sit down interviews and whatnot. I didn't know that he was going to do it there, but you know, there's those guys that I was uh, around as. I mean, you can look up Luke Rockhold, Ariel Hawani interview back in, I think in two thousand and eight nine when I was doing stuff for JerryPark.com. Same thing with the guys like Rory. Same with the guys like GSP. All these dudes who were there when, uh, you know, when 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 I was just a, a pimply-faced kid trying to, to make it. And they always gave me the time of day then. And the fact that there are some that are still around is just... Uh, it's you know there's 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 only a few left and I have no problem saying even though I'm supposed to be the journalist and the unbiased guy and I'll, I have no problem saying that I will always have a soft spot in my heart for those guys and there's there's only a few of them left so I wish them the best on Saturday and I am looking forward to that fight I think a lot of people are that fight the Jose Aldo fight against uh, Marab obviously the main event <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's the deepest card of all time. I certainly wouldn't say that, but I would say there's maybe four really interesting fights on this card. Main event, Usman Edwards, Costa, Rockhold, Aldo, Marab, and then you could pick one on the prelims. I'd say the top three are really interesting. Um, it takes a lot of balls to talk the way he does about the business. He's saying, like, shut up, Dana. And he's there as a UFC fighter. Wild. It takes a lot of balls. Uh, all right, let's uh, go back to the questions. A. Feldman. How's it going, Ariel? I work in the world of advertising slash marketing sales where organization and planning is important when it comes to the day-to-day -day part of my job. I've been watching you for over a decade and I've always wanted to know how you plan and organize your days. I'm sure it has changed, excuse me, plenty over the years with the growth. <coughs> God, what is going on, Frank? <coughs> Why are you blaming me for your throat? <laughs> Not blaming, I just, I want to know um, if you had any insight as to what is going on. You sound great. Mm. Um, all right. How's it going, Ariel? I work in the world. Of, okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it has changed plenty over the years with the growth of your brand. But what does Monday, Sunday look like in the world of Ariel Helwani? Congrats on one year of independent Helwani, and thanks for all the content per usual. Whew, Monday, Sunday. Um, Monday wake up, try to go for a little run in the morning, 
Uh, Mondays when my wife takes my kids to school. If you must know all the minutiae, then I come here, do the show. Usually get here around 1130. Uh, we do the show one, two, five, five thirty. Uh, then I'm very tired afterwards, go home, have dinner, sit around and, uh, start planning for Wednesday, Tuesday. I will usually, um, well, these days I've been doing Tuesday, Thursday at 10 20 AM, my, uh, workouts with my, uh, trainer. We've been doing a lot of stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to show you guys the biceps just yet, but like things are happening. Okay. I don't know if you guys know this, things are happening right here. Okay. Um, I mean, even GC gave me the old FaceTime call yesterday. Tell them, you know, tell them the state that I was in. Go ahead, tell them. Yeah, when you picked up the phone, uh, you looked like you were having some sort of health problem, a stroke. <laughs> Come on, uh, is coughing a lot? Seizure. <clears throat> no, one of his eyes was closed and his mouth was all puckered up and he was like, hey, what's up, man? Okay, so it's funny that you say that about the eye. Uh, that's always been a thing because one eye can't see far the other one can't see close so when i'm not wearing my glasses i actually usually like look at people with one eye open one eye closed, and people think it's weird i don't know it's oh just, okay so that wasn't related to the workout wasn't related to the workout but i was like sweaty red you know just kind of taking it all in had a good workout we were doing some combos nbd okay so then i'll do that then i'll usually do an interview for the youtube channel on tuesday afternoon uh, yesterday, I spoke to Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Nice. Uh, that is going to be out tonight, so stay tuned for that. That's a lot of fun. Prep for Wednesday's show, book the guests, uh, reach out to them, remind them, send them the Zoom link, send the rundown, um, You know, catch up on anything that I uh, may have missed as far as their career is concerned. Um, la this past year, I was doing a lot of writing on Tuesdays, break from that. Uh, hang out with the kids, play sports, play soccer. Uh, my kids are into baseball these days. So that's a lot of fun. Very into soccer. We went to a sports card store yesterday. We bought some soccer cards. That was fun. We went out to eat. That was a lot of fun. Wednesday, same thing as Monday. Try to run in the morning, come here, do the show. Really tired. I've said this to the guys over there. Uh, Wednesday at around like six o'clock, probably my favorite time of the whole week because now I'm like, oh, two shows. All right, cool. Thursday, do the workout again do my other show uh, either on Thursday or Friday. Friday is kind of like the easiest day of the week. Do uh, some of my other content, which I can't speak about here. And um, Saturday, obviously the fight, post-show, then come back Monday. So yeah, I mean, there's really no true day. Even Sunday, I'm preparing for the Monday show, book the guests, all that stuff. Uh, so there's no day where I feel like the brain is completely shut off. But I feel like the, the least stressful days are like Wednesday night and Thursday. Cause then I don't, like starting Friday, I start to worry about booking the guests. I, 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 will, I will say it till the day I am done. The booking of the guests is the most stressful part. Are they gonna be on time? Uh, can they do this? Can I get this name? Can I get that name? Can I, you know, like that's the most stressful part by far of my entire week of anything that I do. Um, and yeah, I feel like it all kind of fits nicely. It's a nice little puzzle. I feel good about things. Uh, Jamal 2020, French fries. What's the best style? Personally, I'm a waffle fries guy. If I'm feeling fancy, I may go for the shoestring variety. GC is probably a steak fries guy because he's from the South and nobody better mention onion rings. Uh, this is a note from Louis. Jamal is slowly becoming the resident food question provider of On the Nose. I'm here for it. 
All right, GC, what kind of fry guy are you? Uh, steak fries are my <clears throat> least favorite wow. type of fries, actually. Uh, I like it to be more crispy, you know, more fried. Steak fries, you're getting a ton of potato in there. Yeah. Love waffle fries. Grew up on Chick-fil-A my whole life. Love mm-hmm. waffle fries. Shoestring fries. Love onion rings. He said don't mention onion rings. I love onion rings. Really? I used to love onion rings. There was a place in Canada, in Montreal, called Harvey's. They had incredible onion rings. And and I hate onions, by the way. You were going to say something? I was saying, ooh, sounds good. A little zesty sauce on the side. I just like them. I mean, they're pretty damn good on their own. Um, Yeah, you know, I like... By the way, you know it's a huge thing for me. A huge thing for me are like you'll get now the the frozen fries. Put them in the air fryer. Fantastic, all time move. Have you tried? Have you tried? I don't put anything. I don't put oil. I don't put. Yeah, you just drop them in. Just drop them in. Press French fries, and twenty minutes later, it's like you just went to McDonald's. Uh, Rick says sweet potato. Sweet potatoes, all right. I don't mind sweet potatoes. I was introduced to sweet potato fries, especially with the kids. You know, you try to keep it a little healthier for them, but you can't compare. Yeah, I mean, give me like the shoestring. You like couple, shoestring? Couple of nice dipping sauces. Why shoestring? I just like the, you know, uh, like the standard golden. Not, yeah, like a McDonald's fry. Yeah. I might get a ton of hate for this. Arby's curly fries. Mm. Wow, you like all those crazy ones. What about oh, you, Frank? Love them. I like uh, wedges. Wedges? With, um, Boo. That's like oh, steak yeah, let's fries. Ask Frank Too much potato going and on. And then just crap all over it. You're kidding you. me right now. Really? I like wedges with some malt vinegar, salt and pepper. Wow. With you on the malt vinegar, great addition to fries. I can't, you're either all in or you're, you're not. Yeah, I don't know about that. Wedges. In and out fries are also good, though. In and out fries? No. I actually find that Look, in and out again, fries. I'm stating an opinion. Listen, no. in and out fries taste like styrofoam. I actually feel like that's the this worst part of it. It doesn't like onions. So you're, what are you doing at in and out anyway? Like, Why not? I can have I can have in and out without onions. Uh, there's, I, we, you ever done in and out animal style fries? Yeah. Have onions in them. I've heard about this. You don't like onions? Don't like onions. It explains a lot. Makes me want to... Uh... By the way, Luke Rockhold is at the media day right now. <laughs> I, think he j- I think someone was telling Luke to get to the media day. That's who that was. Did you guys get a look behind that? Uh, no, but he, he put us... He stayed connected with him... Uh us in his pocket for a few minutes did you hear anything no oh wow but yeah he was still on the zoom for a while that is uh if we hadn't disconnected we might still be in his pocket at the oh wow actually that would have been amazing if he would stream the media day from his perspective on the show yeah sorry guys i'm just on the mma hour (laughs) yeah you got a question oh my what a move that would have been right by the way, could we just talk about like the balls that it takes to speak that way as you are a UFC fighter on a pay-per-view? Like he's literally saying shut up Dana. It takes chutzpah. No? I agree. He's got a ton of confidence, too. What a guy. The man. Anyway, um, good fry talk. Ahmed. Hi Ariel. Which of these names will become champion first? Shavkat, Hamzat, O'Malley. Hamza, what do you say, GC? Hamza for <clears throat> sure, based on his position. I think he gets yeah. a title shot after this. Next He's the fight. closest one, right? Yeah. Although O'Malley, if he beats Yan, he's pretty damn close. For sure, for sure. But I, I think it's Hamza. Christian, love the DJ interview. I've missed that man so much. My questions are: 
How much do you think his departure from the UFC had a direct correlation to the success of the division recently? Eh, maybe a little more parody, but remember, he wasn't the champ. So the same thing could have happened, right? So Hudo, blah, blah, blah. Or was it always heading in the direction regardless? I think yes to the latter. How do you think he stacks up against the elite of the division at this point in his career? He doesn't love cutting that weight as much. You know, at, uh, at one, he doesn't cut to 25. He cuts to 35. But by the way, one thing that I regret not asking him about, we ran out of time, was just like the state of the division now. It's amazing, right? With Moreno and Figueredo and Kaikar France and Askarov and the Matt Schnells of the world, Mateus Nicolau. I mean, there's a lot of guys, way more options than he had when he was champ. Putting aside his contract with one, does anyone benefit from a DJ return to the UFC? He ain't coming back. I'd be shocked. Jose Massa, as a European... I don't understand professional wrestling. I get that kids watch it, but as an adult man watching a soap opera with fake fighting is beyond me. Ugh, are we doing this right now? Could you explain what is the attraction and if I should watch one fight, what would it be? Are we really doing this right now? Really? The soap opera with fake fighting. You realize that you could say the exact same thing about any movie. I'm assuming, Jose Massa, that you are a movie fan, a TV show fan, uh, I don't know, a fan of books, novel like all of this is quote-unquote soap opera fake fighting like do you say the same about spider-man do you say the same about superman about batman it's all the same now i try to think about what people who say these sort of things like where they're coming from and is it because it's in front of a live audience that it throws you off i recognize what pro wrestling is i recognize that it is scripted that they know who is going to win the matches however the part that i can't come to terms with is not recognizing the incredible athleticism that it takes to be successful in this, the incredible toll that it takes on their bodies when they're going, like those rings are not fluffy. They are not soft. It's pretty much plywood. They are A, incredible athletes. I find it very entertaining. By the way, knowing very well that it is quote-unquote fake fighting soap opera stuff, who cares? That's the part that I can't get over. Who cares? You like TV shows. You like movies. You like comic books. You like novels. Those are all quote-unquote fake as well. Why doesn't the same thought process apply here? I don't get that. And to me, what got me into MMA was pro wrestling because when I was a kid and I thought it was real, I loved the idea of this guy versus this guy. And when you can have fun in life and suspend disbelief just a little bit and you could say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to just put my feet up, kick back and see who's the better athlete here. How is this going to go? How are they going to write this? Where are they going to go from here? Yes, men and women of all shapes and sizes, of all ages, love soap operas. They've been around for hundreds of years in all different kinds of forms. Why? Because people love stories. They love drama. They love conflict. They love all this type of stuff. And in the world of pro wrestling, they have figured out that bring all those elements, plus showmanship, plus athleticism, plus conflict like this guy is actually going to fight this guy. This is fun. I don't understand why people are so A, offended by this and B, why they just can't get it. Do not appreciate the circus. Do not appreciate theater. None of these things are quote unquote real, right? They're all doing incredible things that you and I, regular Joes and Schmoes can't do. Why can't you appreciate that? Why can't you appreciate that, but also recognize, oh, it's good, but then also enjoy boxing and MMA. I've never quite understood this. 
it's really amazing to me that I still get these comments. Like these athletes, like the, 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 the best wrestlers in the world do things that I couldn't even dream of doing, that 95% of the world can't even dream of doing. They are insane athletes. And we've had MMA fighters who have gone over to wrestling thinking that it's going to be easy and then come back and say, on second thought, that was way harder than I thought. That is really, really tough. Performing live in front of people like that, you don't get to do it over. You don't get to go cut, let's do it again. Like in the movies that you love so much, that you pay so much. You don't get to, it's all live. It's all in front. That's even more amazing to me. And people just try to shit on it, crap on it. And no one's trying to force it down your, your throat. No one's trying to force it down your throat at all. But yet people want to like crap all over it. Like it's this horrible thing. You know, it's fake, right? You know, yes, yes. I've heard that it's fake. I've heard that it's fake for the last 30 years. Trust me, I'm aware. Still incredibly entertained by it. Still love it. Still appreciate it. Still able to have fun and not take myself so seriously and suspend disbelief and be able to get invested, emotionally invested in the characters and the storylines. And guess what? Let me tell you something. I've been around these athletes long enough. In fact, I was just there backstage, Money in the Bank, last uh, last month in Las Vegas when Liv Morgan, who finally realized her dream of winning the belt, finally got that belt and quote unquote beat Ronda Rousey. And I saw the emotion. She was legit crying. That wasn't fake because what people don't understand is, yes, there is someone in the back who is saying, tonight you're going to win the belt. But that is the thing that people like to crap on, right? They like to say, oh, there's someone who decided you didn't really win it. No, that is validation. That is an achievement. That is a signal, a significant moment in your life that someone is saying to you, you have made it to a point where we are going to give you this thing that says you're the top dog and you're going to run with it. They don't give that to everyone. Only one or two people get that at any given point, right? Like Roman Reigns has that right now. He's the guy. He's the guy because he's worked to get to that spot. Just like you are working to get to the spot where you want to be in your company that you work for or in your life, right? Everyone works up a ladder. So that belt signifies that. That belt signifies hard work, dreams, determination, getting crapped on, obstacles. Like how do you not appreciate that? They don't just walk up to the schmo in the back who's the jobber, who's curtain jerking and saying, hey bud, we're going to give you this belt because uh, we decided to... No, they're giving you the belt because you worked your ass off for 10 years and you traveled the roads and you beat up your body and you bled and you sweat and you cried and all this stuff and you finally made it to the point where the fans want you on top and they want to root for you and buy tickets and buy merchandise and buy pay-per-views and all this stuff. That's a huge achievement. You are getting that opportunity and then it's up to you to run with it and then become a star and all this stuff. Like, how do you not appreciate those moments, those human moments? And I get it. It's not everyone's cup of tea. And I understand where people aren't going to be able to suspend disbelief and get invested. But like, to me, the part that really annoys me is when they don't want to give, when these haters don't want to give credit for the athleticism, for the toll, for the work, for the story, for all that stuff. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Do, do, you really, do you really come from a place where you can't appreciate that this guy is doing all this stuff and getting beat up? And as far as the one, quote unquote, you have to put a quote unquote fight, you have to put that in there, right? You couldn't just say match. You couldn't just say that. Uh, I mean, there's a million. Go watch freaking uh, HBK versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> Roman Reigns versus Reyes Ramon. Go watch that. Uh, go watch uh, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania 10. Go watch... Uh, Rock versus Hogan, WrestleMania 18. Go watch the TLC. Go watch the TLC match from WrestleMania 17 and tell me that you are not just blown away by what those men did in there. Go watch that. Um, there's, there's a million. Go watch any of them. 
any WrestleMania, go and tell me that you're not blown away by all of this. But you want to get hung up on the fake. It's fake. No, it's not fake. You know what's fake? Uh, the little comic book that you read or the little Harry Potter movie that you like to watch or the little magic cards. That you, that's fake. This ain't fake. All right? Enough with this crap. And by the way, for anyone who gets annoyed of me talking about it, reporting on it, covering it, doing interviews about it, it ain't going anywhere. Love it. I have so much admiration and respect. And of course, I'm not watching everything. I'm not sitting there watching every show. All, But like, they are incredible people, incredible guests, incredible people to talk to, interviewees. Um, and I love the business. I, there is no MMA if there wasn't a pro wrestling long before. Mark my words. There is no such thing as something called MMA if there wasn't something called pro wrestling beforehand. That's a shoot. And if you don't like it, I got two words for you. Ryan. Hi, Ariel. Ryan from Australia. Just a few things. You've said a few times now PFL is the number two brand. Do you think they should make brackets bigger because having two fights then finals doesn't seem like enough? Potentially. Rory won one, lost one, and was the number one seed. Yeah, I've thought about that. But at the end... It's like four or five fights in a year. Tough to get more than that, right? But yes, I have thought of that. David, hi, Ariel. What's the latest on Carla Esparza? What's more likely for her next title defense against Zhang Wei Li, November 12th at MSG or December 10th? I could tell you this. Frank, hit the breaking news. Thank you. The plan right now is for that to be on the MSG card. And I saw someone saying, I don't know if it's going to pop up, Ariel, ew, why don't you break news like you used to, like Brock Lesnar? Where are you people? I mean, just because I'm not doing it in one specific spot, don't get it twisted. I'll break news all I want. I'll run circles around everyone. I don't need to go chase it and beg for it like I used to. But let's not forget who broke the Chandler and uh, Poirier thing and all the other stories over the past year. Come on. Still here, doing it in different ways. Don't really care to go breaking colon. And by the way, I'm not crapping on that. That's you know something that was great for me that got me in. But the problem is the pro. This is the problem. The problem is the UFC puts the fear of God in these poor managers and tell them if you tell anyone, if you tell anyone about this, we will. Cancel the fight. This is what they say. We will. This is what I had to deal with with three years for three years. We will cancel the fight if you tell Ariel about this. We will cancel the fight. Can you believe that? Meanwhile, I have always been an advocate, and I've said it many times before. Let the fighters break their own fights. Let them put out their own graphics, their own videos. I love when I see like Kevin Holland do it or Sugar Sean O'Malley. Why do they care so much? I have no idea because a they want to use these little fight announcements as these little things to get people, you know, to curry favor. And B, they want to put out like a little social media graphic. I would say they could still put out the social media graphic because when they make it official, it's sort of like when Woj breaks a news story or Shams or Schefter or whatever, and we could get into how that all works, but like they break it. And then when the team makes it official, it still get a gazillion likes and retweets and all that stuff. No one cares. No, it doesn't matter who broke it. It really doesn't. You'll get attention here and there. Most people won't credit you and everyone's, you know, moving on to the next thing. But anyway, the plan is for it to be the co-main event on uh, November 12th. It's just not a done deal yet because they're waiting to see if uh, both participants can make that date. There's a couple of hurdles, but that's what they want. They want it to be on the MSG card November 12th. That's what they want. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that right now is what they have penciled in. Carla versus Zhang, November 12th, 
MSG. And yes, it's true. They would say, we will cancel the fight. They've never actually canceled any fight. Uh, it's just like a crazy threat and was a part of a whole long chapter that I'm going to do one day in my soon-to-be-critically-acclaimed book, Memoir, Highway to Helwani. Will you buy it, Frank? Of course. Hello, Ariel. This is from Matan. Time for you to spill the tea. On another show, a certain agent mentioned that there were rumors of Bellator trying or in the process of being sold. So what is the scoop? I have not heard that at all. I've heard that there might be some changes, this, that, and the other, but I have not heard anything. This is Malki. Malki said this uh, to me, and uh, I have not heard that they are trying to sell them, that Viacom is trying to sell them or that they're on the top. But I will say, like, I, I do feel like the Aaron Jeffrey win over a guy like Austin Vanderford who just fought for the belt should feel like a bigger deal. And I think what Platinum Perry was saying, there is some truth to that. Like, Bellator needs to get on track here. I feel like they need a kick. They need a kick in the balls. They need something. Maybe it's Sabatello and Stotts. Like, there's something that is missing there that was there a couple of years ago and that was definitely there in Strike Force. And I'm not quite sure what it is and how they get that magic back. But uh, I, I personally have never been a huge fan of the name or the logo. Um, I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's something missing there. Do you know what I'm saying, GC? There's something missing there. What is missing there? You tell me as an outsider. Something is definitely missing. As someone that attended an event just a couple months ago, it feels like something's missing. Something's missing, right? Yes. It just like, why? why doesn't it feel feel bigger about about that upset now he's talking about he could potentially be fighting for the belt but it, it, johnny eblin is like exhibit a thousand right like that should have been a big deal should have been a huge deal he essentially embarrassed musasi in that fight and it felt like no one talked about it hmm. yeah i don't i don't get it there's just there's like an energy there's an energy that's missing there's a buzz that's missing and i you know I, I would say the 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 events. I'm not, you know, they're just lacking a little bit, right? Like the main event this past, like, he, he, you know what? I was actually thinking about this. You know what's missing? What's missing are, are the stakes. What do these fights mean, right? At least with Bellator, you know. Excuse me, with PFL, you know. All right, I know that if Chris Wade wins on Saturday, he's going to the finals, right? I understand that. I can latch onto that. I could build that up. UFC obviously is a little murky, but they're the UFC and it's the best of the best. So they don't necessarily have to make things as as clean. What are they fighting for? What are the stakes? Now they're trying with these rankings, but like what does an Aaron Jeffrey win over Austin Vanderford truly mean? I don't know. What are the stakes? What's happening? I think that's what's ultimately missing. What are the stakes? What do these fight? What does Goichi Yamauchi's win actually mean? What does Alimele McFarland's win mean? The stakes. Explain it to us. Make it feel important. Jordan. Hey, Ariel. Also, they, I think they have to do a better job of building up the talent. Like, we shouldn't find out about Aaron Jeffrey after the win. We should find out about him before the win. Now, how do you do that? You know, it's it's work. It's social media. It's YouTube. doesn't come easy. With Rory McDonald retiring, Aaron Bronstetter said it is the end of the golden era for Canadian MMA. GSP, Rory, Cote, Hominick, do you agree? Yeah, I do. There was a great run there. What is the current state of Canadian MMA, in your opinion? Any notable names that could carry the torch? There are some. Mr. Jeffrey could be one. Um, Michael Malott. There aren't a ton, I will be honest. 
I do think that something that is missing right now is the regional scene. The regional scene in Canada used to be tremendous. You had things like um, Maximum Fighting Championship and the Score Fighting Series and obviously TKO. Um, you had promotions in BC all the way to Quebec. Uh, you don't have that as much. I know there are some here and there, but you don't have that as much. This is a rebuilding phase, no doubt about it. And, you know, certain figures will pop up here and there. And there, you know, there's the Charles Jordanes of the world, there's the, the, the Imanza hobbies of the world. Um, but I don't see a GSP and I don't see a Rory. And that's a bit of a bummer. But, you know, there's always going to be, you know, like Irish MMA was on fire and then there's a down period. Obviously Canada way bigger than Ireland, but the point is it's not always going to be, there was a point where Brazilian MMA wasn't great. So I have no doubt that it's going to come back. And I think more shows in Canada, more regional shows would certainly help develop that uh, that new breed. But I, I'm actually starting to feel now like there's a nice crop of young, like two years ago, I felt like there was nothing going on. Now I'm starting to feel more and more like there's a nice crop of young talent coming up. So here's hoping. But I agree with Aaron's statement. And it's a bit of a bummer. And I'll always love those guys. Justino, Ariel, I'm currently in the hospital because my wife has just given birth to our first child. Frank, breaking news. Congratulations, Justino. And while we're talking about childs or children being born, uh, how about a hearty mazel tov breaking news for our own Shaheen Al-Shadi, who became a dad yesterday as well. Congratulations. So yes, to him and his wife, Beautiful stuff, beautiful photos. Very, very happy for him. Um, and, and happy for you as well, Justino. You know, I know becoming a dad was a really huge deal and something that Shaheen wanted very, very much. And uh, I couldn't be happier for him and wish the best to, to him and his wife. Um, back to the question. So I figured what better time to ask the GOAT of MMA coverage a question with all the talks of Steve and Jones fight being for an interim belt. I haven't heard a ton of that talk, but fine. And the winner, of course, fighting Francis. How do you realistically see that going? I mean, I think it's still up in the air. As I said on Monday, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Francis to fight John. The Francis thing doesn't work out. Then they try to do Stipe Jones. and they try I, I think it could end up being Stipe Jones for the interim belt, but that situation is way too fluid, way too developing for me to predict at the moment. But this is what they want. They want John on December 10th. They do want John on December 10th. And I think in a perfect world, they would want John versus Francis. I don't know if that's going to work out. Uh, Nick. Hey, Ariel, you are often asked for journalism advice, but I want to flip a script a little, the script a little. Tomorrow, I have the opportunity to be the guest on a local radio music show. Can you offer some pointers on how to be a good guest interview? I know the basics. Be friendly. Be authentic. Be prepared with a couple of interesting stories. Anything less obvious? When you have a first-time guest, what do you hope for them from them? Um, that's a great question. Be fun. Be entertaining. I feel, dare I say, can I say this, guys? Can I give myself the old Barry H? Say it. I feel like I'm a great guest because I know what I want out of a guest to be great, right? So if you just sit there with short answers, boring answers, uninterested, all that stuff, and eh, no one's going to want you back. But I want someone to be like, damn, that was a great spot. Like, I know what a great spot is, what a great guest is, who a great guest is, what it takes to be a great guest. So you have to have energy. You have to be 
fun. You have to be invested. You have to be excited. You have to be energetic, all that stuff. Bring it. Now, a lot easier, in my opinion, to be a good guest as opposed to a good interviewer, because there you're just sitting back and you you crack some jokes. And it's always fun to break the fourth wall, have a little fun, be a little heelish, if you will. Just have fun with it. Um, all right. Last one, Ben Curtis. Hey, Ariel. First time asking a question here, but I have been listening to the show for a while now. My question is for the whole crew, including anyone else behind the scenes who wants to answer. As the one-year anniversary for this show has just recently passed. And by the way, one year since we came back, but let's not get it twisted. We've been going since 2009 with this particular show, all right? So like, you know what I mean? like 12 years, one year. Uh, what has been the greatest best thing that has resulted from your involvement with the MMA Hour? So again, are we talking past year? Or are we talking past, you know, 13 years? I'm not sure. Frank, why don't you go first? I have found um, watching MMA to be quite fun. Hmm. Did you ever watch an MMA fight? One fight. The one where, um, is it Weedman? I don't know why I oh, can't God. get it. All right, don't do this to me. <laughs> Someone got their leg broken. Oh God, that one! Sending a kick, yeah. Why that one? That w- I mean, just some friends showed it to you. We're like, wait, hey, but- come over. We're was it Weidman getting his leg Weidman. broken? I don't yeah, know why but- I said Weidman. I know Weidman. That's why. But was it like because he's been in that situation? He was Twice, on the receiving right. end. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was um, was it Silva that he was fighting? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back Silva in the day. broke his leg, mm-hmm. and there were some people who were like, "We're doing a pay per view. You should come over." I did that. Watch that. That was the only fight. Wow. Okay, so what's the best thing? Like, just that you love... I just said that now I, I'm, like, watching it more on the regular. Now you're, like, freaking killing it. Just doing picks Cheeto, left and right. Cruise, yeah. Yeah. What about you, GC? Uh, side note, how many drinks do you have back there? <laughs> a lot. We just took, just like, four different <laughs> sips, you know, consecutively. Every time you went to take a different sip, it was a I different drink. This. I got the orange juice. You just, yeah, you just I got the water. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's very The orange stupid. juice that probably did your throat in. You, th- you yeah. know what? The pulp killed me, right? Highly acidic. I kept thinking it was like a, when you were sipping it, I kept thinking it was like a, it looks like a fireball shooter with the red top and everything. You took mm. both kids' water bottles? Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm a mess of a situation. Um, I got this, you know, on my way from the uh, the Black Fox coffee shop. Shout out to them. That's I a great spot. I went there for the first time did you last go? week. You did? Yeah, you, got, you, got the, you got the cappuccino? No, I got the, uh, the butterscotch latte. Butterscotch latte? What the hell is that? I mean, it's a latte with what? Butterscotch syrup? Flavoring, yeah. It was mm. good. It was good? You went before the show? Uh, last week I did, yeah. It's the best. Their food's pretty good, too. It's, it's a nice spot, too. We used to have one here in the building. I know. We talked about this. Anyway, place, yeah. I got this because I thought maybe it would give me some energy. Long show, a lot of guests. I think we had eight people on the show today, right? If you, Yeah, eight people. So, you know, but you're right, Frank. Why do you, th- why do you think this did me in? Well, you should only drink orange juice to fend off scurvy. What? Um, and then <laughs> the pulp is what got in your throat. <laughs> and you shouldn't the, do that before the, the pulp, show. 100%. Got, you know what? I'm done with that. And didn't Billy Corgan tell you anything yesterday about vocal performance? or Tonight. Okay, no. no. <laughs> Connor, answer the question. <laughs> By the way, uh, the DraftKings page is up on my screen right now, and like a bunch of fights just flashed. What does that mean? Does that mean the odds just changed? Yes. Yeah, they do that. Wow. I think Aldo flashed. Plus 115, Uh-oh. is that accurate? 
Yeah, that would mean he's becoming even more of an underdog, despite it wow. seeming like everyone being on him. Weird. Anyway, what's your pick? Uh, probably with Frank, you know, I, I love, like, diving super deep into uh, into being an MMA fan, but favorite actual moment, hitting the air fryer, bringing the air fryer in, enjoying some chicken nuggets on the show, and the highlight of that was you actually believing the crunching sounds were real. Oh, that was my God. That was, that was an all-time moment. Cooking wow. with Volk, too, was pretty sick. Anytime we get food involved. You nailed it. That That is definitely... Anytime we get food involved. Yeah, that is definitely the... Uh, the high point of your past year. I mean, it's just been great. It's been great to have new characters. And there's a lot of people back there, by the way, that we don't hear from. We we don't hear that much from uh, Joe. Hewani was also pretty cool. Oh. the when you uh, just the, went off on how they were talking smack on the other That show. was big, right? That was like right that at was, the beginning. Yeah, that was right at the beginning. I was like, I, I guess I don't know Ariel as well. Yeah, as I didn't really know what to think then. I was like, oh, this guy's... We were pretty angry. Were you guys thinking like I was crazy? I mean, yeah, every time you, you know, that's where the Frank, you know, oh, here he comes, here he comes joke stems from. Right. I every time you walk up to lunch, you'd be like, oh, we got to quiet down. He's this guy's coming. crazy. You guys really I thought I was crazy. Joe, while you were going off, I'm like, what's up with this what's guy? What's up with this dude? I mean, yeah. you're walking in to hit him up by Tupac. I know. It was know. freaking fun. I remember there was one time I was at uh, my kid's soccer <laughs> on a Tuesday and I was watching this one clip of them talking about like, oh, he's banned in uh, Vegas and all this shit. And like. I was freaking, I, I, I could, like, if I was doing a show that day, I probably would have said a lot worse. Um, yeah, it was fired up. I, th- I, think, I think we got our point across, right? Yeah, I mean, all kidding aside, I loved it. Thank you, I appreciate that. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a good art, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, not a lot of people taking shots since then. Am I wrong? I mean, I guess you got jabrones here and there with their little, like, YouTube page with three subscribers. But, like, I mean, uh, talking about, like, notable people, Right. Did you just take a shot to describe how there's how many uh, shots yeah. we're taking at you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a time! What else? You guys got anything else or Rick coming back? That was fun. Oh yeah, Rick coming yeah. back was a huge yeah. surprise. A lot of people are asking about that. I mean, this time last year, I did not know Rick at all. That's true. Never even met him, right? Never met him. Yeah. Um, there's too much. It's been a whole year, which is insane. Oh, Corporate Alex says, my pick would be on the nose. So much I never knew about you despite years working with you. It's amazing. Okay, how about that? Well, that's heartfelt. That's heartfelt. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Typing feverishly three feet away from me. Installing Who? a mute button. Under Alex, the yeah, there we go. go. Another <laughs> emoji. <laughs> uh, we've, oh, tons of emojis. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, we've, we've done a lot, and uh, I, I think the best is yet to come. Like the great, is it Frank Sinatra who once said? The best is yet to come. No? Yeah, that's it. No one asked me about the fight or pay stuff from yesterday. Can I just quickly touch on that before we go? No one, no one, uh, yeah, my permission. First of all, I saw some people saying, do you think that uh, ESPN is going to back Ramundi, who Dana was talking about in that interview with Kevin Ioli about the fight or pay stuff? And of course they're not going to do. I mean, like the guy called me a douche when talking about the Gina Carano situation. What are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. And I don't think he actually said him by name. So there's the out. Second of all, this is classic in that deflect from the actual issue at hand and just crap on the media, the journalists. Oh, I was just kidding around. I was just kidding around. There is enough that we know. And I think my good friend John Pollock put this uh, perfectly on Twitter. There's enough that we know about the business, about what the fighters make and don't make 
that, you know, I think we can have educated conversations on the state of the business. And there's a reason why they get so defensive when you talk about this, because they know deep down that this is an incredible deal, that they're making more money than they've ever made before. They're selling out. The pay-per-view is great. The merchandise is great. The sponsors are great. Everything is great. And they get annoyed when, how dare we talk about this? But it's only, I would say, speaking for myself, out of love and admiration for these great fighters who gave us this this great entertainment. I make no money off of this. I have no skin in the game. We're doing the show if they're making 10 and 10 or 100 and 100. And so it just always kind of, I always laugh when I see this because it's just a way to deflect. Dana White had a crazy rant on the media again. The same type of rant that we've heard for 10 years, but never actually addressing the issue, never actually talking about the issues that the likes of Luke Rockhold or anyone else is going to bring up. And by the way, that comment or those comments that he made to GQ, which I didn't find them to be like comedic or anything like that. They were comments from the president of the company talking about fighter pay. They chose the question, by the way, from an account that didn't even exist. They created the account. Chad Dundas found this out. He just put in the account. It was just a brand new account that was made on, you know, June something 2022. So they chose that. They, they like that wasn't something that was asked at a press conference. They picked the question, they picked the topic. And then you're going to get mad when people write stuff based on your comments. By the way, he loves to bring up this thing where it's like, oh, the media like to write articles based off of interviews that I do with other people. Yeah, you're the most important guy in the sport. You're the face of the UFC. If you say something that is noteworthy, why wouldn't they write off of it? Like, that's. That's a testament to the spot that you're in. Why, why would we just ignore it? Why would we not talk about it? I'm not the one writing the articles. I'm not doing that. But like, why would you think that people would ignore it? You're doing interviews, media. People are going to watch this stuff. You say something that's noteworthy. No difference than a politician saying something to CNN and someone else writing about it or an actor saying something to Entertainment Tonight. It's like, that's how this all works. That's not a, a, an indictment on the media. You're a public person saying important things, noteworthy things to the media. Other media, they're allowed to talk about it. They're allowed to write about it. They're allowed to document it. That's that's journalism. That's okay. Now, is it better if they said it to you? Great. But guess what? He ain't talking to everyone. So take what you can get. The days of the scrums where everyone was asking questions and all that stuff, not exactly here as much as they were. Now, I know he does the press conferences and all that, but though remember, there was the press conference and then there was the scrum and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Point is, don't be fooled by the deflection. That's all. And ultimately, people can say what they want about you know the state of fighter pay and whatnot. What I just find most comedic is, it's always a deflection. It's always just talking about how stupid this guy is, what kind of a scumbag this guy is, all this like vitriol and animosity and hatred about people just doing their job like everyone else in this in this sport, doing their job. It's this whole big hamster wheel. You know, without the media back in the day, you know, and Dana himself has said it, on the UG, the media kept the sport alive on the internet, but now the media, they're the enemy and they're the scumbags and they're this and they're that. Everyone had a part. And of course, more people invested, the Fertitas invested money, all this. Everyone had a part. Now the media are the bad guys. We've been the bad guys for 10 years. It's cool. But don't be blinded by the deflection is all that I will say. 
If if you think like you sit there and 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 you hear Dana talk about boxing, boxing is dead. Meanwhile, Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk are going to make more money than you know the entire roster on Saturday. Meanwhile, Tyson Fury and Dillian White made more money than the entire roster. Tyson multiple times more money than the entire roster, and and the likes of George Cambosis and the likes of Devin Haney and the likes of Tank Davis and the likes of Ryan Garcia and all these dudes. Uh, they're making a lot of money. And then you have Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren going over to box a YouTuber, and they're saying they're making more money doing that than they're doing. Like, again, don't be blinded by the deflections. Don't be blinded by any of this stuff. Um, your favorite fighter, Aurora McDonald, probably didn't get what he was owed deserved. Does that mean he walks away with his head down? No. He's happy. He's content. He has memories. It was his decision. Whoops, there's my text. Uh, do you like my text sound? It's a weird one. I was confused for a second. Yeah, it's a weird one. But don't be blinded by the deflection. They'll never present you with anything that says, hey, this was our revenue. This is our fixed revenue. This is our pay-per-view revenue. This is what we make from the TV deals. And this is the cut that they get from that. And this is what we make from Venom. They'll never present any of this. None of this will ever be made public, at least right now. And it hasn't. They'll never just, and, and now you figure it out and you, and we make all our fighter pay public and we make all this. No, what they'll do is sign people and they'll have a deal on the side so that this person doesn't know. And they'll do this deal and they'll do that deal and they'll cut this crypto deal. And then, like, come on guys, you know, what's up. I know what's up. We all know what's up. We still love it. We still watch it. I'll still be here on Monday. I'm still talking about the UFC 98% of my freaking week doing 14 hours worth of shows on it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that could be better for the fighters. Don't be blinded by the deflection of the fighter, the the media are the scumbags, and we don't know what we're talking about all this stuff. Just ask the fighters themselves. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. On that note, Frank, I think it's time to go. What do you say? Yeah. I'm looking forward to UFC 278, Frank. It's going to be exciting. These are the stories that I love. Leon Edwards, a guy that has worked his way to this moment, defied the odds, probably shouldn't even be here. And I'm not even talking about his UFC run. I'm talking about him as a youngster growing up mean streets, Birmingham, coming over from Jamaica. And by the way, it's a story that's been told, but Kamara Usman deserves his flowers as well. I, I joke about the scene and the like, you know, the, like this dude has overcome a lot and deserves everything that has come his way. And he's a tremendous champion. And I'm just happy that Leon is finally getting this shot because we know they didn't want him to get this shot. They didn't, but he withstood it, he defied it, and now here he is Saturday night with a chance to finally realize his dream. And then you got Luke Rockhold returning three years against Paulo Costa. What a freaking spectacle that's gonna be. And what about Marab Duwalishvili of Georgia? getting a shot against a legend like Jose Aldo who is defying the odds at this age after all these years in the bantamweight division. It's beautiful stuff, just like today's program has been a beautiful, beautiful program. We started with Chris Wade and Brendan Lochnane. Thank you so much to them. Appreciate them very much for doing that. That was a lot of fun. Good luck to them on Saturday. All the best to Tom Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Aspinall. He will be back. I have no doubt about that. Thank you very much to Roy McDonald. Congratulations on a tremendous career. MVP and Mike Perry were great. Good luck this weekend. Aaron Jeffrey, tremendous stuff. Luke Rockhold, good luck this weekend. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to them. Back on Monday. Peace. Uh, 
Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.